Wes Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine. It is Wednesday, October 20th. I apologize for our little bit of false start. We almost guessed it. Not, not naming names or anything, but we almost guessed the light on that one. Um, from the bottom of my heart, guys, and I speak on behalf of everybody here at Drag Illustrated and the Wes Buck Show, thank you so much for being a part of this each and every Wednesday. I believe this is 12 weeks in a row, three months Shout out to the whole crew, everybody involved in this deal. It honestly takes an army. They say it takes a village to raise a family. Well, I think it takes a village to pull off a podcast every week, had these guests, sell sponsorships and everything else that goes along with it. So thank you for, for making it possible because that's honestly, that's the difference maker. It's great to have these awesome guests. It's great to have my guys in the studio, but it's your comments and your engagement that really make all the difference. And if you don't mind, do your part to help us spread the gospel of drag racing, if you will. Click that like button. Click that subscribe button if you're following along on YouTube or Facebook. Make sure you download the podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to enjoy your podcast, man. Absolute uh, barn burner of a show. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. This is the first time uh, that I think we actually really deserve the title. I mean, hey, there, we've had a lot of great shows, but this is going to be an action-packed one. We may have bit off a little bit more than we could chew, but we had guests piling up, people that wanted to be on the show, and I'm going, you know what? We we can't turn them away. we got to accommodate them. So uh, to get things started, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, we're going to be joined by recent NHRA E3 Spark Plugs NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series winner J.R. Gray. I've been saying this since he made the news that he was going to team up with Mike Janice and Mike Janice Jr. and go Pro Mod Racing earlier this year. This guy's a star in the making. There is no doubt in my mind that J.R. Gray could be our sport's next, how do you say, ne next Stevie Fast Jackson. I mean, it, he is an absolute star, and we just need to get him in front of a microphone or in front of a camera as often as humanly possible. Glad to do our part to make that a reality here today. He obviously did his part this past weekend at Thunder Valley, putting that hot rod in the winner's circle. At 3.30, we'll check in with rising no-prep king star Robin Roberts, who's managed to keep himself in the mix all season long in no-prep no king's action. And two weeks into the show's series, kind of keep himself right in the middle of all the controversy. So at 4 p.m., we're going to bring on the champ, champ, champ. That's right, triple champ, three rings, Jim Halsey, PDRA Nitrous, world beater, I honestly think the most dominating force in door slammer drag racing today has had yet another incredible year on the drag strip, and I can't wait to hear from Jim. At 4.30-ish, uh, we're going to be joined by Lil Country himself, Justin Swanstrom, fresh off a win at No Prep King's uh, most recent stop at the Texas Motorplex as they uh, roll in to Bell Rose, Louisiana for their like second-to-last race of the season. During DI After Hours, our favorite, probably our favorite segment of the show, we get a lot of great feedback on it, we're going to bring on PDRA Race uh, Series Director Tyler Crosno, pick his brain a little bit, talk about the conclusion of the PDRA season, his you know highs and lows, do our normal dance, have a couple of cocktails, but guys, uh, let's let's get right in it. Into it. I want to introduce my co-host, as always, my main man, Mike Carpenter, Murder Tundra. What's going on, gang? What's up, man? Man, I really like that intro. How you uh, played that off with the guest in the light. That was smooth. 
That was smooth. Not right? even rehearsed. <laughs> it was scrambling. Rehearsed. We're scrambling, trying to get oh, the, new, bro. the new link out and everything. But yeah, nice man. recovery. Nice yeah, recovery. nice recovery. Steady scrambling, man. It's uh, I really tip my cap to everybody that that participates and does these type of things because it's just a lot of moving parts, right? I mean, it mm -hmm. just it seems to always be changing. Facebook's always changing something. I guess Mike, you let us know that they're fixing to change their name. Yep. Which is like absolutely <laughs> insane to me. Uh, that, says that? that says a lot. That says a lot. They're Dude. going into witness protection. Oh, Facebook's it's... trying to go into the WITPO program. Oh my goodness. Can't blame it's, it's a wild scene right now. I mean, it, it really is. There's so much crap going on. And like are, I said, the numbers are going to just start tanking on this, on this feed. Now that yes, I said that Facebook's hearing yep. us right the now. Algorithm is already at work. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and throw How it out there, you? man. If you're, uh, if you're spending a bunch of money with Facebook, Hit us up. We'll, we, you know, come come drag Illustrated's way. I think we've got a little bit more of a consistent offering, man. I get so exhausted by what ever changing situation at Facebook. Like every time I turn around, that's what happened here today. Like it's like everything works the same way every time, but this time it didn't work. You know, we've well, been doing it changing. the same way. Every it's time, always yeah. changing. Every time you go to make a post, it's like, oh no, you need to go to the creator studio now. And then, oh yeah. hey, hey, and a week later, we're we're gonna change that as well. So this yeah. is the last time we're on this platform. We're gonna. If, we're going to use a different it's like, no shock that, they're, that now they're going to change their name. That's the one thing they haven't changed weekly. What's your guess different. on the name, Mike? Oh, man. I've heard that it's something like Horizon or something like that. Something having to do with a Horizon. Really? Like they're going to start yeah. selling houses or something. Isn't that a real estate company? Sounds like, yeah. That sounds like Verizon. Dude, uh, yeah, JT, know, what's yeah. your what's your call? What do you I think they're going to call it? Jeez, just like go away. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm exhausted by Facebook at this stage of the game. I really am. But I want to tell you guys, we've got a hell of a show lined up. I know I said it earlier. I'm not going to say it again. I'm not going to play any sort of, you know, drinking game with you guys just yet. Their questions are already piling in. I do want to ask everybody. Remember, we, we love getting your questions. Throw them into the comments. I'd like to ask everybody to check in. If you don't mind, let us know where you're watching from. And again, hit that like button, hit that share button, makes a huge difference. Uh, matter of fact, what I'm going to do this today, I actually decided this earlier, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post, uh, I'm going to share every time a new guest comes on, right? We have yeah. some cool new graphics we're going to bust Smart. out here at the beginning of the show that I think are going to be fun for everybody, a little bit to help keep us on task. There's a ton to cover. If you do have questions, if you have anything that you want us to discuss, just dive into the comments, like I said. Throw it out there. Let us know where you're from, what you're, what you're thinking about, what means something to you, or what you saw this weekend that you want to debate or discuss, and we will dive right into those during Drag Illustrated After Hours. But to get the show started, guys, I, I think we got to uh, – let's dive right into some of these topics. JT, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bounce this around here. Uh, from what I understand, this week the NHRA will unveil the nominees for the 2021 NHRA Rookie of the Year Award. I don't know if they still call it the Road to the Future Award, Mike. Uh, but I think this is going to be a fun thing to talk about a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there right freaking now. For what it's worth, Dallas Glenn's my pick. I look at, uh, listen, there's a lot of fresh faces in drag racing right now. Uh, Dallas Glenn in pro stock scoring some wins. Josh Hart in top fuel scoring some wins. we got Mason McGahey. We've got Krista Baldwin. There, there's, there's several people that I think are making, them, making their presence known. But for what it's worth, I'm casting my vote right now today that the NHRA Rookie of the Year, and if he doesn't win this title, I'm telling you we need to storm the streets. Uh, it, this is an absolute tragedy if this young man doesn't earn Rookie of the Year honors. I'm curious, Mike, JT, what's your guys' take on, you know, kind of the lineup? We don't know the official list yet. Senior editor, Drag Illustrated, Josh Hatchett, told me that the list may be unveiled 
as soon as tomorrow. I've started to get a few emails and messages with a little bit of campaigning going on, but I'm telling you what, if Dallas Glenn doesn't get this deal, it, it's a crime. Yeah, I, I have to go with you on that. Obviously, we're uh, big pro stock fans here when we've seen what this kid has done from the start. Uh, Josh Hart, been impressive for this year. Uh, I think Josh Hatchett said it best uh, when we were chatting earlier today. In any other year, you would ha probably have to go with Josh Hart. Uh, but the competition from Dallas Glenn for this award has been pretty strong. Um, I do think the the uh, the uh, whatever that could tip the cap for Josh Hart would be that he's starting up his own team. And, and trying to build a competitive uh, fuel team, that would be um, the thing that I think maybe could swing some boats in his favor. So we'll just see how it shakes out. How much do you think that like outside, like the other things matter when it comes to rookie of the year? Like every year, this is a great opportunity for us to plug the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. If you haven't nominated somebody, I said this on social media late last week, and I, I need to say it again, that perhaps the most important thing you can do here today on Wednesday, October 20th is nominate some young up and comer for the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. These young kids, men and women from all walks of the racing life get a ton of attention. They get they really are embraced by the aftermarket. All these companies rally around them. So if you know somebody that you think's making a difference in our sport that's under the age of 30, doesn't have to be a driver, doesn't have to be a crew chief. If, you, if they're a young person that you believe is a great ambassador, somebody who's making their mark on our sport, log on to dragillustrated.com slash nominate. JT, will you throw that in the comments so people can click it easily? Go nominate somebody. We've already had a few thousand nominations, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I'd love to see you guys pile on. But to go back to what I was saying, Mike, I we look at a lot of things beyond the racetrack, right? We, we love to see a racer nominated for the 30 under 30 that's got a strong resume, maybe won some championships, won a track championship, whatever the case may be. But it's not lost on us the, the other things, the intangibles. We immediately pull up all their social media accounts. We start to ask around. We, we flesh them out a little bit. And I mean, there's been many times that we've had super qualified young people, super qualified drivers not make the list right. because they act a fool on social media <laughs> or we've heard, you know, we've heard some yeah. uh, or, or we've verified some kind of concerning behaviors or whatever the, the case may be. So I'm curious, how much of those intangibles do you think goes into the NHRA decision making process? Because honestly, I had never considered that point, Mike, that Josh Hart has to be respected in a maybe in a unique way because he's starting his own team. I'm I'm really not sure. I would honestly say that we probably cover more criteria for our award. There's a lot of overlap. Obviously, I think whoever gets rookie of the year is usually under 30 and uh, and would probably be on our list. But I think NHRA um, in typical NHRA fashion is probably primarily focused on on-track performance. So I would, I really think it has to come down to wins, losses, round records, uh, that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's, it's probably 90% that if, if not a hundred percent, how great I, is it? The competition that we're getting in, in pro stock. Oh, and, yeah. and just, I mean, around, around the NHRA period, but, but like, let's well, just, let's just talk about like in pro stock, we've got all these up and comers and, and it's really revived. The class you know we're, we're I mean, big on pro stock obviously someone yeah. in the comments made a good point is there a bias for this award for the road to the future or rookie of the year award toward the fuel classes we're about to, to find stock? out yeah because yeah. i'm gonna i mean i i'm gonna say this and i say it matter of factly we're about to find out because <laughs> right. if josh hart wins this award and listen i'm not trying to poo poo on the guy at all clearly uh, a, a very talented driver they've got an incredible program and i'm not shortchanging any of that at all i'm not but 
anybody who's a student of this game and knows anything about drag racing knows the complexity of pro stock racing, right? I mean, it knows that this is a, you can go from number one to number 16 by missing a, a, a shift by a, by a hundred RPM. Right. And I'm not saying those details don't exist in fuel racing, but I, I just don't think I'm telling you, if Josh Hart wins this award over Dallas Glenn, you, we are going to find out that the NHRA doesn't care about pro stock. I mean, that's how I interpret it <laughs> yeah. We're going to find out <laughs> I mean, that they don't yeah. treat, they don't see it as the same because listen, Josh Hart stud, no doubt about it. He's got a promising future ahead of him. I think it's fantastic news. I'm probably burning a bridge as we speak. Yeah. I don't mean to, but our responsibility here is to be honest. And I look at what I don't know. I think this is a relatively historic. Josh Hatchett was telling us earlier today, Mike, I don't know if you have these notes in front of you and I, I meant to print it, but I think this is like the first time in 10 years or something like that, that we've had rookie of the year nominees that have won multiple races inside. Yeah, the that's season. what I was saying that in any other year, a Josh Hart would probably run away with it. Uh, but the, the, the competition from Dallas Glenn and others, what are some others that would make this list? Let us know in the comments. Uh, who, who are we missing that, I think Krista uh, Baldwin's got to be considered a, this year. Game. I don't know. I, I believe she will be nominated. I'm not positive. And pro but mods I, for this sport, correct? Or is it just the pro classes only? This is another one of those situations, Mike, where unfortunately NHRA has said that they see pro mod as a professional class since like, was that around 2010? It's been over a decade, right? That it was mm -hmm. supposedly a professional category. But I'm going to tell you another example of it not being treated as a professional category. Yeah, is, the reason is I this asked, right here. A lot of Lyle Barnett comments coming up in the in the comments. So uh, unfortunately, Lyle is not eligible for that. I, I don't believe so, man. I really don't. I mean, it, they never have before because I've been to the NHRA Pro Mod Awards Banquet several times, and typically the Pro Mod group kind of had their own rookie of the year honor, which right. that's a, that's a fun conversation. And I don't know that I have that paired up for us to discuss. So we might as well debate that a little bit right now, Mike JT, if you had to identify an NHRA E3 spark plugs, NHRA pro mod drag racing series presented by JNA service rookie of the year. I mean, we just had two guys, Lyle Barnett at the Texas motorplex followed by JR gray, fresh faces on the pro mod scene, put them in the winner's circle when you look at that deal, who 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 do you think is the rookie of the Lyle's, year in ProMod? Lyle's done so much. I mean, they both have. But but Lyle, I mean, man, he's been busting it, hadn't he, this year? I mean, let's let's face it. He's done. He's, he's yeah, been it, this Well, this last win was awesome. I mean, every, they did struggle. Every weekend he's somewhere. You know, well, I mean, and he's – I know they, I know they both. I know, I know both of them are very busy. Yeah. But Lyle does a lot. I mean, man, he but just it, jumps all over the place. If they're taking it just from NHRA performance, though, unfortunately, Lyle missed a few races. And mm -hmm. J.R. Gray, I think he's he's somewhere up there in the points. I, I don't have the actual point standings in I'll front of up. me, but I'm, I'm almost positive he's in the top 10. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and there's something to be said because, and I want to make mention of this when we have J.R. on the show here in about a half hour, because it's pretty incredible that they had that crash in Bandemir. Mm -hmm. And they were at the very next race. And like that level of commitment, we can't sleep on it. Like it would be, I think it's easy to say that Lyle Barnett is the pro mod rookie of the year, right? I mean, this guy's got an incredible story, family-based racing effort. They brought the turbo car out first race, put it in the winner's circle, shocked everybody. I mean, a real shot heard around the, perform around the world performance at the Texas Motorplex last weekend, or excuse me, two weekends ago. Uh, brought the car right back out, dived into Bristol and, you know, didn't have that same level of success. But J.R. Gray has been in the hunt 
all year long. And if you factor in the way they ran at Bristol, that was, I've been saying it a lot, but that was like an ass whipping of epic proportion. Yeah. I mean, J.R. Well, Gray lowered the boom on them. The Mike Janice and Mike Janice Jr. program behind that and kind of the melding of those guys from Buffalo, New York, and uh, this guy from, from Florida that's, you know, nitrous racer we saw him always uh on the radio scene with a nitrous car and he just decided to take a leap and uh when mike janice senior had to get out of the car to jump in that car i actually talked to mike janice senior um am i am i allowed to call him mike janice senior or is it just I think mike janice what, I, you can call him senior <laughs> yeah. i've heard people say senior yeah. referring to mike janice and it's like but they didn't mention him it's like the artist firm formerly known as prince yeah they're thrilled senior. with that whole program um and I think that they're all hoping to come back and do it again with the same deal. Run it back, man. I don't know what they've figured out and I can't wait to ask J.R. Gray, but the way they ran in Bristol was astonishing. They have a lot of people's attention right now. And it's, I mean, we've been seeing them like creep up on it for quite a while, but man, they, they it looked to me like they were maybe racing, swinging for the fences a little bit, nothing to lose. We're not necessarily in contention for a championship, obviously not in contention for a championship right now, but I think they got a little aggressive, a little playing with house money, like, hey, we're going to these races, so we might as well try to set some records or blow some doors off or at least be a thorn in these guys' side. Uh, but I, I, I will say this, and I would say it to JR's face, and I'll probably have to here in a minute. I, I think that Lyle Barnett is is such an incredible story. It's such an inspirational story. You have to recognize like the historical significance of these moments. We're not going to have a chance to call Lyle a ProMod rookie again. This is a one and done opportunity. And I suppose that same situation exists for, for J.R. Gray. I don't mean to shortchange what he's accomplished in 2021, but if you factor in all those outside and away from the racetrack factors, Lyle Barnett, man. Well, he, that's he how we the, see it. If we were giving out the award or we were in charge yeah. of making the decision, that's how we would base it on all of those factors. Unfortunately, I think if you showed up to the Nature A Pro Mod banquet and they gave the award based on on track performance, uh, some of that stuff would unfortunately not get counted in, but it's just awesome that we're talking about this new, new, fresh blood in some of these classes. Um, I feel like we talk about that every week. We, but we even heard John Forrest when he was on this show say the, the, the new class is coming. Uh, the new drivers are coming. The new stars are coming. So we need to keep that momentum going. That's my opinion, man. I mean, JT mentioned it right when we started on this topic that like, the coolest part of this whole situation is that there's new people to talk about. That's I mean, true. if you ask some of the haters and some of the naysayers that exist in our sport, like it's all over, you know, drag <laughs> racing's dead. NHRA is dead. It's <laughs> all dead. And, you know, and I look at it and if you're really being honest with yourself, we're like living amongst the greatest time that has ever been in, in drag racing from top to bottom. Listen, there may have been like high spots somewhere along the way. There was some great moments for fuel racing in the sixties and seventies. And I would say even in the eighties, there's been some tremendous moments for pro stock in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. We have these huge fields showing up at some other races. But, man, this is a great time to be a well, part let's of the talk sport about of drag racing. Let's dive all, in. Some all-time history and some all -time great times history. in pro stock. Um, this Greg Anderson finally gets it done, guys. Being that they didn't have pro stock this past weekend at Bristol, it seems like we almost glossed over this. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. But Greg Anderson made history at the NHRA Texas Fall Nationals during the Texas Stampede of Speed, bested Warren Johnson's longstanding record with his 98th pro stock victory. Greg Anderson becomes NHRA pro stock's all-time winningest driver. What can you say about this guy? I mean, I don't know the dude really gets his due, to be totally honest with you. This is a guy that 
he's not uh, he's not always been the most outgoing or like sociable guy necessarily but if you get him off to himself or if you get him in a situation like this where it's a back and forth conversation he's an incredible ambassador for the sport very very well spoken guy and a great interview and i honestly i think we're gonna have to get him back on the show mike uh jt so we can just to to kind of debate or not debate discuss this happening because i mean not very many people are ever going to get to say that they outdid warren johnson at anything well, he's so polished. Dude is like the presentation. He's always their their crew looks great. The car looks great. Um, he's prepared for these interviews, like you said. And he just it's class all the way. And he's so polished and professional. I think that that's what I when I think of Greg Anderson, I think of just leading the class on and off the track. It really is impressive what he's accomplished. And if you think about like the historical, not the historical significance, the backstory, excuse me. He was Greg Anderson, or he was Warren Johnson's crew chief, right? So, I mean, I, I'm sure there there seems to have be some, I won't say friction, but there was like a competitive thing that exists between Warren and Greg, especially after Greg left Warren Johnson's operation to go field his own program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Warren, Greg Anderson had many years of struggle. I mean, it's not like he started at the top. He came out on the scene and he was just another one of those guys. I hate to say it, but he kind of qualified as an also ran. Well, he here talked now, about that in his he's interview. He's the best to ever do it, right? To I where mean, he's, that yeah, that that's changed so much. When he came out, he, you kind of were using secondhand equipment and had to work your way up. Whereas now, like a Dallas Glenn can jump into the ride of a former world champion and Jason line and go right to the top. Um, so just interesting times to see and to see how he's worked through these different eras. He's been a part of, uh, I guess, probably the late 80s with with Warren all the way up through the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. 2020s i love it when guys have been able to persevere through all these different eras don't you think it's interesting that like there's nothing though that greg anderson could do like to maybe win over all the warren johnson bob glidden lee shepherd dino dawn like the the early heroes grumpy uh jenkins bill grumpy jenkins all these guys that were associated with pro stock early on it, what is that bias there's a bias like this historical like bias or whatever bias. a generational a, bias yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's like, yeah, it was better in my day. It was harder in my day. WJ worked harder than you did. And, you know, we see it now. We see these young guys in pro stock and they do things differently than Greg does or Greg uh, did them back then. And Greg probably thinks, well, I had to work my way up and had to work harder than these guys. So there's always this generational bias. It's the it's the uphill both ways in the snow to school story. <laughs> yes. That that seems to persevere always in drag racing. It drives me crazy because like even as we speak, it's funny that there's there's always someone that's so willing to uh, he's nothing compared to my <laughs> right. hero from 35 years ago. And it's interesting because honestly, you know, maybe it's just our demographic. We're a little bit younger than some of the traditional drag racing fans, maybe. But I look at Greg Anderson as an all time great. I really do. I think that if you were going to one of my favorite discussions that exist in sports and in drag racing, motorsports is like the Mount Rushmore discussion and if you're going to do a pro stock mount rushmore you've got to make room on there for he's, greg anderson he's the to. only one still out there from what i would call my like golden era of drag racing which would be the early 2000s or the late 90s whenever i mean when i was watching it as a kid or as a teenager and so for someone my age almost 40 years old he's the only one out there doing it that's from that era so uh, he's the last of that breed. And um, I hope this isn't 
the end for him. I hope if he doesn't, if he goes and wins a championship, he doesn't decide to hang it up. I think we need a few more years of Greg. I think we need a few more years of Greg because I think what we've seen the last few seasons between him and Erica Enders, these really tight points battles, or, or Greg's teammate, Jason Line, the, these really tight points battles have been so much fun. I mean, I said in 2019 and in 2020, I really felt like the story of the season for the NHRA was Greg versus Erica. The fact that they were like, I mean, there was some wild stuff going on, right? Greg's laying up in qualifying, trying to make sure that he runs. That was the Erica. wildest thing. I mean, there's some wild stuff. Well, that's we happened. saw we saw him do that, and we were like, "Are they really doing that? Is that really happening?" We were texting around, asking people, and then he goes right on the mic and says, "Yep, I'm I am trying to." Put myself in position to race Erica first round, and he did it. I mean, that was probably look, the I got most goosebumps, bro. I, I mean, you guys want to do a drinking game, like the hair standing <laughs> up on the back of my neck, because that is just—I know that that wasn't a popular thing, uh, and there were some people that were really frustrated by it. But I mean, that's badassery, right? I mean, that—that <laughs> that is. Insane. Think how many wins he'd have without all the elite cars. Oh, I know that, <laughs> I mean, and that's probably what that. drives. You, know, him you think about crazy. that in other sports too. You know, like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, or yeah. uh, you know, but but I mean, like just imagine how many wins he'd have if it wasn't for that that, that camp. Interesting thing, I saw Charles Barkley, you know, longtime NBA player. He's probably one of my favorite NBA At players tonight, or what? Uh, yeah, it's supper yeah. the other night. We, we went to dinner two nights ago. No big deal. I don't, yeah. you know, humble yeah. brag. Nick Mike's going to say it any second. But um, <laughs> it, it is funny, though, because Charles Barkley said, like, man, I had to play basketball against Michael Jordan. Like, the Suns probably right. would have had a couple, two or three rings the if Knicks they didn't have to play against. Rings. Yeah, yep. the Knicks would have had some rings. I mean, there would have been Celtics. plenty yep. of opportunities uh, for guys to win a championship in any other time in history but they just have to be playing basketball when michael jordan was and i think you're that's a great point jt that i hadn't considered because really for the most part and i don't mean to you know be uh, speak disparagingly about any of the other teams but the real significant competition that greg anderson's had has been erica enders jeg coughlin i mean it's been those elite motorsports cars mm -hmm. so if those cars aren't in contention this guy's got 120 wins i maybe. think that's what continues to drive him i think that's that rivalry and that uh, fire in the back of his mind that exactly like you said, JT, I think is what keeps him out there to be honest. Which is All cool. right, let's move on to the next topic. We got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. We will be joined by the one and only JR gray NHRA pro mod winner in Bristol here in just a few moments. Uh, but on that topic, guys, the NHRA pro mod title was locked up in at thunder Valley. Jose Gonzalez locked up the E3 spark plugs, NHRA pro mod crown, uh, really impressive performance from that team in 2021. Great to see Jose kind of come out of the shell, do some interviews, uh, participate in all that extra stuff. And man, what can you say about this group right now? I mean, these pro charge cars have really been the story of 2020 and 2021. It is interesting to me, and I'm curious to see how this impacts Vegas. Mike, what do you, what do you think this is going to do to the car count and I don't mean to like shift gears immediately because we can certainly talk about Jose Gonzalez, Tim Davis, Petty, everybody involved in that program for quite a while. They, they definitely deserve this moment. But I'm kind of thinking it seems like it's been a hot minute since the Pro Mod Championship has been locked up early. I was corrected that I guess Stevie Fast Jackson did it in 2019. But I got to be honest, for as long as I can remember, you go to Vegas waiting to see who's going to win it, right? I mean, that was the whole, everybody's kind of on pins and needles for that race, the NHRA's second trip to the strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway to see who's going to come out on top 
in NHRA Pro Mod competition. We saw Troy Coughlin and Ricky Smith doing battle. We saw Brandon Snyder and Stevie Fast Jackson doing battle. We saw Mike Castellana doing battle against J- Troy Coughlin Jr. and all these different people. And it always came down to the elimination rounds of this last race. What, what does it say to you, Mike, that Jose had this deal locked up before they even headed to, to the last race of the season? Well, this is exactly why they have the countdown, right? This is the situation you want to avoid. And this used to happen all the time. It used to happen way before the uh, the second to last race of the season in the pro classes. So uh, this is, I think, in favor of the idea of a countdown. And we see what happens when they don't have that in this class. Um, and I think as far as car count, I don't think car count was going to be significant for this race anyway. They may lose a couple, but I think the, the people that were planning to go to Vegas are still going to go regardless of this result. Um, I, I don't think that they were going to have a tremendous car count or a full field, regardless of him winning the championship or not. I can't really argue, man. I, I look at it and I go, th- this race has always been tough because you got, unless you're in the hunt, it doesn't make a ton of sense for a lot of these teams that are based on the East coast or somewhere in the Midwest in Indianapolis or whatever the surrounding communities to, to make that tow. However, I will say that NHRA Vegas race on Halloween weekend is a, is something of a destination event. I think being butt up against uh, SEMA, right, ha- has always added a certain level of significance. I was always surprised every year in Vegas, you see a lot of industry people that you typically don't see at the drag races. They come in a day or two early to take in the NHRA race before they head to the trade show. So I, I am, I do think that event has some unique kind of drawing power that other events on the season or throughout the t- season don't have. But I am anxious to see. I think the count right now is 11 cars. Love to see him get closer to a full field. I did see a comment in the in the chat earlier that this has not been pro mod, NHRA pro mod drag racing like we've become a use, used to right. the last few years. Uh, but it doesn't, for what we lack in quantity of cars, the quality of cars is at an all-time yeah, high. Yeah, the quality's, the quality's been great. I think this is another result of what you're seeing with the rule changes to where... Um, like some guys I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, but there's a ton of West coast pro mod guys that used to come to this NHRA Vegas race that ran like streetcar super nationals or the PSCA series. Um, and I don't think you're going to see that this year. And maybe uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like Mike Maggio with like the screw blown uh, Camaro. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's a few others or twin turbos. If we see these twin turbos come back around and we see screw blown, uh, combinations allowed in the class. And then you go out West to a Las Vegas, you'll see some of these guys come out there. So we'll see. I mean, I think at that point, these guys could justify making these safety changes that are unique to NHRA pro mod to come run that series. What do you think about that? I think it's going to be interesting to see personally. I think that they've got like enough of a shit show on their hands to be totally honest, managing the, the, the combinations that they have. And I'm terrified personally of a screw chart or a screw blower showing up in this class. Histor- and listen, I'm being proven wrong to some degree by the PDRA, by the Midwest Drag Racing Series. But historically speaking, anywhere a screw blower goes, it ruins everything. I mean, that's a historical, like if you look at where those that combination has shown up within a relatively short amount of time, they're a dominating force. I'm not super thrilled about the notion of introducing those cars. I think we're really close and I I don't want to, uh, you know, dive off uh, onto a new topic here, but we might as well. Pro Mod parity. I mean, it it looks like it's a reality right now, Mike. I mean, if you look at the last four races, we've had a Pro Charger win, a Nitrous car win, a Turbo car and a Roots Blower win. 
I understand that there's still some belief system. I think, the honest, honestly, right now, a lot of people believe the edge goes to a nitrous car. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see some people come out of the woodwork with a nitrous car in 2022. I think that'd be a fantastic thing to see some of those players come back into the fold. Bob Ram really primarily comes to mind, but there are some other teams that I think could show up and be a threat or at least be in contention. But what's your take? Uh, Mike, on the ProMod parity right now, do you think that this most recent rule change to slow down the Pro Charger combination has been enough to get this class back kind of where we want it in that sweet spot? I think so. And all you really needed to see was Ricky Smith getting emotional on the top end after he qualified number one in Dallas and basically saying how thrilled he was at the parity of the class. So if you've got Ricky Smith in tears saying that, uh, you've probably got it in a pretty good spot. And he's, and he's right. I mean, the, the weather has played a factor to where uh, we've had some hotter weather and it's allowed the nitrous cars to continue to excel. But I think once it gets uh, cooler and once they go to a place like Vegas, um, we'll see these combinations, uh, the, the uh, pro chargers and the turbos continue to um, probably lead the charge a little bit, but I'm just hoping they don't make any changes, uh, any drastic changes over the winter, I've actually think they've got it in a pretty good place right now. That's my hope, dude. My hope sincerely is that we don't get crazy trying to make some, because I think that there's going to be one of those things is you, you look, you start looking for solutions and you go, okay, how can we can increase car count? I believe the the default belief system is, oh, we got to open up the rules. We got to bring in some new combinations. We got to try to get some. I do not think that's the answer. And I, I understand that there there is some logic that exists there. Like, Hey, let's open up the rules a little bit to bring, to grow our inventory of car, but cars. But when you look at the requirements and we'll be able to talk a little bit about this with a couple of our guests today, but NHRA pro mod drag racing is not for the faint of heart quarter mile racing, the expense, the cross country traveling. I think the, the notion that we're going to get a whole bunch of guys to come out of the woodwork to go race at this level is kind of crazy. It has, it has I think we're rapidly escalated. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we would about be that. lucky to have 16 to 18 touring pros, mm -hmm. guys that are going to commit to all the races and, and do what we can to kind of create some sort of racer outreach program to bring some of those regional players into the mix. I think we could look at, there's been one of the things that has been brought up here on the show a few weeks ago, Stevie, well, it's been over a, three months ago now, Stevie Fast Jackson mentioned some sort of like I can't remember, like a flyer on some of those safety rules as far as the tunnel goes and the fireproof coating and some of the other things that are required that you had like a race or two that you could get by without adding those things to your car. And I do think that would help get some regional players, some of the PDRA guys, some of the Midwest Drag Racing Series guys to come out, you know, once or twice a year and give it a shot. But man, this level of racing, the notion that this is an affordable type of drag racing it needs to be squashed. I mean, I, I think honestly, there's been people think for a long time that, oh, it's way cheaper than pro stock or way cheaper than what, not the case, man. This is a, this is fierce, extremely high level drag racing. And we've got to be careful like, chasing that type, chasing inventory, I think in the wrong fashion. Right. It's the schedule. I think the schedule, it's not built to accommodate pro mod racers. It's built to accommodate the schedules going on at these tracks and to, to accommodate the, you know, they've got a lot of, of, things to juggle when they make that schedule and then they kind of it's kind of feels like they slide the pro mod cars on top of that schedule wherever it fits best uh but that travel schedule is brutal and we've heard it over and over that the number one expense for all of these traveling pro teams is travel costs hotels gas uh food 
just everything it takes to move those rigs up and down the road and move these people across the country. So um, I really think that that is the big thing. And that's why we see these re regional series uh, take over where guys can race their heart out within a three hour radius of their home. I agree. And I just, I think we're going to have to maybe at some point recognize that, Hey, this is most assuredly professional level drag racing. And I do think that it's been something of like a square peg and a round hole for a long time. And I think we saw that this year getting away from the historical summer break that has been associated with the E3 series for a long, long time, mm -hmm. that break from late June till labor day has always been well received by pro mod racers. They can focus on other things, focus on their business for a couple of months, focus on their family, kind of let everybody rest and recover. 2021 with a couple of new stops on the tour, Brainerd in August, we had the NHRA bring pro mods out to Bandemir, uh, Denver, Colorado, the mile high nationals in, in mid July, real shakeup there. And I'm going to be anxious to see, I don't, I actually haven't seen any rumblings yet as to the pro mod schedule for 22, but I will be, I think a lot of those guys really enjoyed going to Brainerd. It's a beautiful part of the country, incredible facility. And I know that it's, it goes without saying that, that uh, Bandemir Speedway is the most beautiful racetrack on the planet Earth, in my opinion. But it is a tall order to send these guys out there with a once-a-season combination. And it's a tough deal. Parody out there is extremely difficult to put together. So it's my hope. Again, this is my opinion only. It's my hope that we see the Proma Drag Racing Series return to you know, 12 races, perhaps that with that significant break there in the summer to let all these guys that to your point, Mike, I get they're racing at a professional level, but very few of them actually do this for a living. They've got businesses away from the drag strip and we kind of got to give them an opportunity to, to reset midway through the season. Yeah. I don't know how many li uh, livings are being made or how many bills are being paid off of a NHRA pro mod, um, purse. So yeah, it's it's tough on these guys. Most of them have businesses to run and have other interests and families. So uh, we'll see. I've seen some comments that the no prep king schedule is just as brutal, if not more so. And those guys are doing it. So what's your take on that? Like, where, what's the difference there in that in what it takes to run no prep kings and maybe the time period? Because those events are only two day events. Um, everything that goes into it. How do those compare? I would say that it's a tough comparison to make, Mike. I think it's, it, I, I don't want to be, you know, shortchange the effort that's being made by either group of racers. I will say that I was blown away that so many of the street outlaws, no prep Kings people would be so willing to do that many races. 15 races is a lot, man. I mean, 15 races is a lot for a pro team, for people that do this for a living. I think that's a tall order. And I'm going to say like the fact of the matter, and no one really likes to talk about this stuff is it's all dollars and cents. I mean, I don't think there's a guy on the NHRA pro mod tour that wouldn't show up at more races or show up more consistently. If there was more money attached to it. I mean, it's a take. I mean, most of these pro mod, not most, all these pro mod guys are taking an L. I mean, it's, it's, it's a it. rough deal. That's you hate true. to say it, but I mean, it's 10,000 to win, I think 3,000 to runner up, and that's the only money available. No round money, no appearance money, no qualifying money. And I think that that's really, it's, it's um, apples and oranges is how I see it. When I look at those 32 cars that are invited to a No Prep Kings event, those are cast members by and large. And I will admit right here, hand to God, that I don't know all the inner workings of that. I know some teams get paid, some get paid more, blah, 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 all those things. But I... I just think it's not really fair to compare the two. You know what I mean? It's just different. 
it's just different stuff. And I, but I will say that I think, and we'll find out here in a minute, we'll ask JR, like if there was some money attached to just showing up or something that would just help slow the bleeding or offset some of the costs. I don't know that any of these guys or gals really expect to make a ton of money door slammer drag racing, but if they could just, like I said, slow some of the bleeding and, and offset some of the cost, it would be extremely well received. And I think that's really the environment that's been created at No Prep Kings. And we're we may well, skip that's more forward a, here. That's more of a traditional environment. That's how it actually it is. was at IHRA. And that maybe goes back to our buddy Clay Milliken's point that all of this was much better when IHRA was sort of pushing an HRA along and pushing them to maintain um, payouts that were similar to theirs. And Back in the day, in the 2000s and the 90s, even, you know, going to every NA or IHRA race and qualifying was a business model. You could do that. You could actually sustain a pro-level drag racing operation if you were able to qualify. And uh, now that's just not the case. I don't know. That's a crazy thing, right? I mean, because you think about almost everything else is like improved, <laughs> like across the board. I mean, NBA players are playing for more money than ever. NFL players are playing for more money than ever. All these other things seem to be massively on the rise. And it is odd that you're talking about the IHRA in like the mid 2000s paying legitimate money to pro mod racers just to qualify. It, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, especially well, when I see. I yeah, mean, not just pro mod, all, the all these classes. But of course, we, we're, we're comparing pro mod because there is round money. There is qualifying money in the other pro classes. But remember, and I think pro mod's not a pro be. class. So and I mean, and that's the that <laughs> is the elephant in the room. And until yeah. we shake loose of that, and I don't know what that whole situation. There's a lot of people that believe that has something to do with the old pro stock truck lawsuit. You know, where this NHRA abandoned pro stock truck, and then all these people had all this money invested in it. Engine shops, chassis shops, all these manufacturers race teams, were manufacturers in were invested. That's in probably it. where that came from. So I do think there's a little bit of just hesitancy from the NHRA to quote unquote really bring another category into the fold as far as like the camping world NHRA drag racing series pro classes, but it needs to be pro mod absolutely needs to be because looking at Bristol specifically, I think that show was a little bit weak. Like thank God J.R. Gray and company were there. Thank God those guys showed up because don't get me wrong. Top Fuel and Funny Car were great. Pro Stock Motorcycle and Jail Sampe wins. It's a, it's a great storyline, great racing. But man, not having 20 Pro Stock cars in the pits makes a difference. So what Pro Mod is adding to the show for NHRA right now cannot be ignored. It, it needs to be appreciated. It needs to be recognized because they are bringing a ton of entertainment value to the NHRA series right now. And let's move on down the road here momentarily. Mike, we got a, a quite a bit left to cover. I, I just felt like it would be criminal not to talk about the Brian Olson PDRA World Finals this past weekend, Virginia Motorsports Park, the last stop on the PDRA Drag Racing Tour. They've had an incredible season in 2021. And man, did they look good in Virginia. I counted watching along on the flowracing.com live feed. Mike, I think there was like 16. I counted 16 3.6 second runs in the first round of eliminations of Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost. I'm telling you, we just spent the last however long talking about MPK, talking about NHRA Pro Mod, talking about Pro Stock. But dude, do not sleep on the competition level that exists in the PDRA PDRA's marquee categories right now. I I don't know the last time I've been that impressed by 
I'm a storyline guy. I like to talk about the things that are happening away from the track or kind of the backstory or whatever makes these moments meaningful. But if you just turned on the live feed, Mike, and watched first round E1 of Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost and Extreme Pro Stock for that matter and Pro Outlaw 632, it was ridiculous. The amount of side-by-side three-second runs, 3.6-second runs, different types of cars, different engine builders. Pro Boost had screw blowers, ter- night, um, Pro Charger cars, Nitrous cars galore. That was a hell of a show. Just imagine. I don't mean to get us off track, but just imagine if they were all racing together. But anyways, Mike, what was your take on that? I mean, are you surprised at the caliber of cars that exist in this somewhat regional eighth-mile series? I'm not. I mean, we talked about it. These guys are building these cars, letting it all hang out for this series. It's not something that they're filling in while they go try to run a a different series. And these, these series PDRA, I think leads the way along with Midwest pro mod, as far as regional pro mod series, there's always been uh, local quick eight pro mods here on the East coast. You've got PSCA type stuff on the West coast. Uh, But this deal was super impressive. I, I think when you get to the end of the season and you've got these, um, these great atmospheric conditions and you've got some parts in the car that have been uh, hanging on for dear life for the whole season. You, you get a ton of delays, oil downs, you get some weather delays if you get some, uh, some cold weather or dew. Uh, but this event really went off, I think very well, especially considering um, their, their past struggles with the world finals because of all those factors I just mentioned, but this was super impressive. I remember we were talking about it over the weekend, how impressive that round of racing was, how impressive these cars are. Uh, you had pro stock that went uh, John DeFlorian four flat with a zero still knocking on that three second barrier. Uh, so kudos to PDRA and uh, what a way to wrap up the season. And now they go into their most impressive thing of the year. Shout out to Judy Franklin for their the PDRA banquet. banquet. <laughs> the PDRA banquet is uh, second to none. It's it's like the best banquet in the game. Like, and <laughs> really I, I was going to say this because I think it's, worry, it's worth mentioning. We had this conversation offline, but I thought, you know what? I've got to say this out loud because it, it, it needs to be said. If you look at, there was four major league drag races that were going on this past weekend. We had No Mercy 12, Donald Long's big production at South Georgia Motorsports Park, bringing out all the stars and cars of radial tire racing. We had the NHRA's big return to Thunder Valley. We also had the No Prep Kings. I think it's race 13 at uh, the Texas motorplex massive crowd on hand for this and we of course had the pdra world finals and if i had to pick what i believe to have put on the best show from a competition on track action perspective pdra wins it and i just think that that needs to be said out loud because we talked about this a little bit mike on monday night during the drag illustrated right along shout out to our fresh new piece of content if you want to watch no prep king season four with us you can tune in monday nights we watch it all as a group bring on special guests from the show but PDRA, those guys need to hear their names and their classes and what they're doing mentioned alongside the NHRA series, mentioned alongside the No Prep Kings deal, mentioned alongside Donald Long's uh, big productions down in Valdosta. For the longest time, we've seen a lot of kind of tit for tat, us versus them, specifically between pro mod cars, big tires and bars and the radial world. You know, Donald's, you know, repping, repping for his guys. You got Tyler Crossnow at different times, myself repping for the, the big tire and bar guys. Without a question, without a doubt, PDRA stole the show this weekend. And I just hope that they hear that and and recognize how incredible what they're doing, the show they're putting on, the competition level, the number of really good cars and really good drivers and teams. 
I don't know that there's anything that really can parallel it in the sport of drag racing right now. So I just hope those guys hear that and, and head into the end of 2021 and 2022 with their heads held high because they've got the baddest door cars on the planet Earth right now. There's no doubt about it. The baddest door cars on the planet Earth exist in PDRA, Pro Nitrous, and Pro Boost. Uh, for, hand to God, man. I mean, that is a, an incredible thing that's going on there. Mike, you made mention of this moments ago. How about it? I was going to, we were going to try to have John DeFlorian on the show today. Longtime friend of ours, a guy that is just a great ambassador for the sport of drag racing, an incredible human being. I think we're going to try to get him on next Wednesday to talk a little bit about this historic moment. We're both pro stock guys, love mountain motor pro stock, huge following on the East coast. How backbreaking was it for John DeFlorian to go up there and light the boards with a 4.000 when we as a sport have been talking about a mountain motor three second run for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, it maybe feels longer? like forever. I mean, I can remember feeling like I was at the first PDRA race at Galat and we were talking about uh, this, this three second barrier falling. But I thought it was funny last night on Cocktails with Caruso. Uh, uh, DI editor in chief Nate Van Wagner said, I've never seen a pro stock team put up a four flat on the board, turn around, and the entire team is just pissed off <laughs> because it's <laughs> that close to, to nailing that barrier. I mean, that has got to be it's awesome in one regard, but just extremely frustrating in the other regard. Shout out to that whole team, Brian Lump self that tunes on that car. I heard that he was like not quite like throwing radios mad, but like genuinely upset, kicking rocks, frustrated when they saw that four trip zip show up on the scoreboard. And I'm just it, again, just drag racing finds unique ways to break your heart, right? I mean, you make your career best run in route to winning the race. Incredible performance for that team. And they've been on a roll. They oh, won yeah. the last NHRA Mountain Motor Pro Stock exhibition. I believe that was in St. Louis. Go into this event kind of looking at the end of the season like, hey, we don't have anywhere. You know, this is it. Let's go out here and kind of finish on a high note and do exactly that. But to your point, man, I, I, uh, I felt bad for him. I really <laughs> did because considering the conditions and how long this has been going on, the competition level that exists in that category right now, a lot of great cars. To see John kind of show up a little bit out of left field. We haven't seen him a lot on the PDRA tour in 2021 uh, doing other things. To see them go for a flat, man, it would have been cool to, to see them get well, it done and kind of put a put a bow on that. But hey, like you said, we got like you to said they had to. the momentum. And, you know, momentum is everything in drag racing. And so they're going into this final race of the season, final chance to do it. Conditions are there. And you never know what's around the corner for next season. It, you know, every, things could change. Maybe they lose a team member or something, or maybe someone else has got a new car, a new combination, and goes out there and does it at the first race next year. But you've got so many guys with so much um, – uh, the level of competition is so high in this class, so much good equipment that there's there's a handful of guys that could do this off the trailer at the first race of the event next season. So uh, it's not one of those deals where you just roll it back out and, and it goes 3.999 the next time. There's so many things that had to work to get that four flat. That's why uh, Lump was so frustrated when it didn't happen. I think it happens in 22. I mean, I know we've been saying, I think it's going to happen early in the year. I mentioned this last night on the Caruso show that it, I think this will be one of those kind of glass ceilings or whatever you call it, where everybody breaks through, like one guy will break through and then we'll see two or three guys do it right. real quickly in, in quick order after them. And it, maybe this moment was being saved for, it, it would be cool admittedly to see like one of the, 
JR Carr or one of the guys that are at every PDRA race and are married to the PDRA series and or some of these other folks that I just feel Johnny Placino comes to mind. I mean, there's a slew of them that uh, have been a big part of this this series for a long time. And it would be maybe that was the moment. I don't know. But it's uh, we again, we got a lot to cover. And I think this is an interesting one, Mike, because I had a conversation an off the line conversation about this yesterday that I can't dive on into a whole bunch. But this kind of shocked me. How about the press release we received from Mike Galemi? And the gang at NMCA earlier today or yesterday announcing that they are bringing in stock and super stock divisions for 2022 for the NMCA. We don't do enough talking about the NMCA uh, here on this show. Great group of people, great group of racers. But I found this very interesting. We've heard it in the past that the NHRA sees stock and super stock as their property, a, a, a brand of racing that they own. NMCA has historically ran like a stock super stock combo. So they kind of melded those two classes together, and I think it kept them kind of off the radar necessarily and not trying to, to maybe go after that group of racers. Does this say anything to you? I mean, do you think there's some sanctions and series in the world right now or in our country that are seeing some opportunity to go after the tried and true NHRA sportsman or class racer? I do. I really do. And I, I would just wonder what the... Uh... I would love to poll the racers. Where are they going to go next year? Are they going to try to run both? Are they going to have to make a decision? We've seen this kind of backfire in the past where it uh, it splits the classes too much. Mount Motor Pro Stock is actually a great example to where at one point they had too many places to race. Then they ended up with no place to race. Now they've kind of consolidated at a couple. You can actually see this type of thing backfire to where there's just not enough to go around. But when you've got stock and super stock, there's a ton of those cars out there. Maybe they'll avoid that fate that these that these other classes that are generally pro classes have uh, have fared. I think it's interesting, Mike, for a lot of reasons. And before I, I kind of provide my two cents on this, I do want to remind you, friends and racers, the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real racers, who speak the tribal language of drag racing and motorsports in general, and they can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs. Check out their inventory at EliteHP.com. Mike, my take on it is, is that the water is warm uh, and very welcoming for anybody that's trying to attract some of these sportsman-level racers uh, from that have historically competed in NHRA competition. It, it goes without saying that the NHRA is the big show. People want to race for a Wally. You want to be at the U.S. Nationals. You want to be at the Gators. You want to be at these huge events. You want to be in the staging lanes with John Force and Ron Caps and all these guys, right? But I don't think it's uh, any type of secret or, or unheard of notion that it's been a, these guys have been kind of barking for a while. Don't feel like they get their due necessarily. Contingency money isn't what it once was, and now you've got some of these independent races popping up, paying ten grand, paying twenty five grand to win a stock super stock combo, paying some really good money. So I think these guys, this group of racers that historically haven't had a lot of options, all of a sudden they've got some options. And I think this is going to be really well received and it's going to be interesting to see really what the NHRA does and how they handle it because technically NMCA is like an alternative, what do they call yeah, it, an ASO, ASO? Yeah, an alternative, ASO. alternative sanctioning organization. Or uh, yeah. So they're kind of like an offshoot of the NHRA. They kind of operate under the NHRA's like umbrella, so yeah, to speak. I don't think NHRA really loves it when they see this kind of thing happen either. So it'll be interesting to see how they react, but Hey, it's kind of a thing. You don't know what you got till it's gone. I think the NHRA's program, the really the bedrock of it is the stock and super stock classes. So, uh, 
this could this could very well be a good thing that shakes it up, especially for the racers. Does this speak to what we've talked about for weeks now that the NHRA is really at its best when there are some legit contenders in Absolutely. in the ring? Gotta I think have so. It. Everything I've... is everything in the world is better when there's competition. When you take out, you start having uh, mergers, consolidation. We've seen a ton of this in the in the racing and motorsports industry. We've seen some really family run iconic brands uh merge or get bought up by larger conglomerates it changes things and i just think it's better the more the better the more competition the better i couldn't agree more man it's a i think it's going to be fun to watch because we're going to see some people that have historically been i've said historically like 75 times today but we've seen some guys that are just That's the new drinking game almost completely entirely associated as far as their racing career goes with the nhra and, and those stock and super stock divisions, giving them an opportunity to go race in the NMCA, which is a very well-run, organized, great venue. I mean, we they, people sleep on it. NMCA is an incredible operation they, that from technical stuff to the way they park cars and the way they schedule their events, they do so many things really well. Right. I think this is going to be well-received, man. Yeah, so moving how on. Compare, how does that compare to how NHRA does it? Uh, Stan Wexberg say, says that NHRA limits stock super stock to 50 to 70 cars at national events. I don't think it's about the quantity of car. I think it's how those uh, those classes are treated, how those races are treated when they're there. I tend to agree. Uh, really great story coming out of Bristol, Mike, was just some fresh faces in the winner's circle, right? Mike Salinas, Alexis DeJoria score wins kind of for the independent teams in Bristol at Thunder Valley. What's your take on that? How important is it to see someone, Mike Salinas, that's a single, obviously very well-financed operation, the best in the business, Brian Houston, Alan Johnson, all the best parts and pieces. That Scrapper Racers team is, is full of killer guys and gals. But how important is it to see some of these single car operations going rounds on Sunday? I think it's huge. And I think that uh, it's obviously great to see these teams. These are not underfunded teams. We know that, especially uh, DeJoria and Salinas. But I think when you go to somewhere like Bristol that has a different uh, atmospheric conditions, the track, I think uh, we talked to Clay on Monday night on our DI ride along show that the track was marginal um, due to some of the bumps and some of the uh, inconsistencies in the track. It opens it up. I've always believed that on a perfect surface, on a perfect track in perfect conditions that your, your big teams or your, your most experienced and well-funded teams are going to uh, prevail. But when you go to a little bit of a wild card, I think you see more of this. And this is another thing that I, I would like to see more of. Me too. I Honestly, I think we're staring at the future. That's my opinion from some of those silly season rumors that exist with like some downsizing likely happening at Don Schumacher Racing, mm -hmm. some things up in, a, up in the air at JFR and Coletta Motorsports. We got new operations being formed. Tony Stewart Racing just announced last week he's going to be fielding a two-car team, but single top fuels and funny car operation in 2022. I think this may be yeah. a little sneak peek of what we're going to see in 2022 and beyond. You're definitely going to see more of that. And that and was it's actually good to see him having success. Yeah. We talked about that last week. And I think we're seeing that, like you said, with the Tony Stewart thing, uh, sort of the moving away from really just one or two super teams with all these cars to smaller, I mean, well-funded, Everyone's kind of saying in the comments, these are these are well-funded uh, teams, and I get that, but smaller teams. These are these are not your Schumachers and your forces. You may see, I think you're gonna see a lot of two-car teams. And even in like the case of Tony Stewart, it's one car in each class. So it's not multiple cars in each class. I mean, at one point, you know, Schumacher had multiple cars in every class, including Pro Stock and Pro Stock motorcycle. 
It's crazy, man. For me, I think it's a fantastic thing. It's just, it's refreshing. As cool as it is to see, and, and as much as I appreciate the contribution that teams like John Force Racing, Don Schumacher Racing, these mega teams, Coletta Motorsports, you have to tip your cap to them. You have to be respectful, admire what they've accomplished, and be grateful for it, really. I mean, there have been many times throughout the history of drag racing that we've really been beholden to what these teams decide to do. But to see these little independent, not little, these independent teams, single car operations, not only competing and, and being in the mix, but actually winning and going rounds. Fantastic thing for the sport of drag racing and for what it's worth, I think, a sneak peek at 2022. We do have a handful of more topics to cover, but we got the man of the hour in the house as we speak. We've had him uh, hanging out in the uh, green room for a hot minute here. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh off a monumental career-defining victory at the NHRA Thunder Valley Nationals in Bristol, Tennessee. Someone who I believe is... He's an... He's a hero and a legend in the making. I truly believe it. He's got the gift of gab. He is somebody that the NHRA needs to wrap their arms around because he is a superstar for the sport of drag racing. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for J.R. Gray. Woo! We need a better, like, we need more, like, we need more uh, sound effects. J.R. will work on that in the future. What's up, my man? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Just hanging out with y'all. Um, great. Um, thank you for the, the great inter introduction there. I mean it. I'm going to be honest with you, JR. I mean it because my first encounter with you was at, I believe, at Donald Long's race a few years ago. It's been a hot minute now, and you were going to grudge race uh, another one of our guests later in the show, Little Country, Justin Swanstrom. You guys both had your small tire cars there. Uh, right. You had the headhunter, I believe, fourth generation Camaro. <laughs> Um, headshot. That's what it was. Headshot. Cool car. Late model Camaro with a big, massive nitrous motor in it. it. Had Stevie Jackson helping you. And you guys came to me and wanted a grudge race for the cover of the magazine. And I thought it was an awesome idea. Uh, I got to hang out with you and your wife. Congratulations on the little one. Um, the new addition to the family. But ever since that first introduction, JR, dude, you got it. You got the gift of gab. You, you, you're not afraid to call your shot. And you, you'll, you can back it up on the racetrack. And I just, man, I'm happy to see you guys get this deal done selfishly because we need you winning. We need J.R. Gray in front of a camera as often as possible, man. Take us through that moment in Bristol, would you? Uh, well, we um, we came up, you know, it really starts back in Dallas, but let's just say we, we came up, we, we qualified last. We had some problems that came with us to the track that we thought we had fixed, and um, we qualified last. We were going up against the number one qualifier again, but um, – you know, so we lined up, but we knew we could do it this time. So um, Mike Jr., um, you know, we just sat down and, and we lined up against Ricky again and we blazed down through there. I think he kicked the rods out somewhere around the eighth mile trying to keep up with us. And we blazed <laughs> down through there and put him on the trailer again. How much feedback did you get from like all your small tire racing friends and family? I mean, you got a hell of a following in like the 28105 no time world. You, you were a big heavy hitter on the note, you know, the Carolina no time tour. Shout out to Lance and Travis and everybody involved in that deal. Did, did you sense that? Because I saw a ton of it. People were so excited to see like one of their own make it on the big stage. Yeah, everybody's excited. I mean, in, in reality, the whole grudge world and NHRA supports me, you know, as a whole, even though I have, you know, let's say I got 20% of them as fans when we're actually grudge racing, 100% of them support me in the NHRA. So they really come on board and all thank me and congratulate me and really have supported me, you know, buying T-shirts and um, giving me comments, uplifting comments and everything else. It's, it's quite amazing when you actually see the um, outlaw world, you know, come together and support me.
I think it's been spectacular to see. I'm curious, what were like your big, if you had to compare and contrast the two environments, I think anybody knows it's obviously dramatically different behind the wheel of your small tire Jason X Mustang with a massive small block in it with 10,000 people down on the starting line. Can you compare and contrast kind of just what the experience has been like for you, JR, going from those outlaw racing routes to the grand stage that is the Camping World NHRA Drag Racing Series? Um. Well, my, the outlaw routes I, I grew into being in South Carolina and, you know, all the tracks that we had. So I, I kind of grew my drag racing career from that. You know, my original birthplace would have been in Florida NHRA tracks. So at a very young age, I was there. Um, winning in an outlaw event is um, it's different. They're, they're, honestly, I can't remember ever having any emotions in, in winning an outlaw event. And, you know, like when I won my, you know, won Bristol the other day, you know, like just when I started naming off the people supporting me and, you know, thinking about my dad and, and, you know, friends that I've lost over the years and just people that everybody that came, you know, to, you know, that, that uh, your career is like a chain, you know, certain people is a link in the chain, you know, not everybody's a link in the chain that had you, but you got a link from the beginning that links you all the way. And certain people were a link that got you to where you're going. So it was just, uh, you know, just thinking all that came over me and it was just so amazing um, and emotional and, 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 and it was hard to even accept. You know, um, I actually spent the next day, you know, Monday, um, I took the Wally everywhere I went. Like if I was at the Waffle House, it was at the table at the Waffle House. When it was at the Steakhouse, it was on the table at the Steakhouse. If I went to any of my guys and talked to them in the field, I gave them all the trophies so they could all take a picture with it. You know, so every, um, you know, I just took the Wally with me everywhere I went and tried to enjoy it as long as I could. Matter of fact, it's still with me now, right behind me now. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit, man. Few people really understand, you know, how much goes in, how much sacrifice, how much time away from family, how much time away from the business goes in to having these moments, right? I mean, it's just... It's hard to put into words, but if you had to, I mean, what was the conversation like with your dad, with your family, with your wife, like the people that have been there watching, you know, traveling all over creation. I mean, in the grudge world, maybe driving all night to get to a track only to not race because the other guy backed out or whatever. What was that conversation like, JR? What did you have to say to those folks that have been part of that chain for you, a link in the chain? Well... Honestly, like a lot of them, like my dad's deceased, you know, so he wasn't here. My grandpa was deceased. He's not here. Um, another guy that was a link in the chain in my beginning days of drag racing in South Carolina was a guy named Del Harwell, which he died at a um, little short track that we all grudge race and shoot out, you know, did no time. Shoot so, out. so they're watching just they're from a different location. So like Dale, I went, you know, I hadn't made it to my dad's grave because they're all in Florida. But, you know, on Monday I went, you know, straight to Dale's grave with the trophy and uh -huh. Spent a little bit of time and I could just feel, I could just feel his presence, you know, as I talked to him, like, you know, I haven't felt anything like that in a long while. And I could just feel like it was like a breeze and a chill all the way through my bone as I talked to him and everything, you know, and I just would imagine what he would tell me, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's been a, a journey, you know, and if you think about it, it all progresses. I mean, 12 months ago when I won radio versus the world, which, you know, I figured that was the pinnacle of my career type deal. You know, like I would have never dreamed of even 
I mean, no, I can't afford to go NHRA Pro Mod Racing. That's, you know, Stevie and their professional, like, you know, here, I'm over here. And so when you really think about it 12 months later, and it was 12 months later, I'm winning my first Wally. And um, I got to be honest, JR, that's not something that happens. I know plenty of people that raced Pro Mod for years and years and years and never did get it done. Right. right. So to do it, to your point, inside of 12 months, what's that say about Mike Janice and Mike Janice Jr.? I'd love to hear your your take on that, because I want to delve in a little bit more, if you're willing, to the, the nuances between one of the greatest conversations I ever had was like 12 years ago with Stevie or 10 years ago. And he told me about the difference between racing with your money on the line and then racing for money that like you didn't win. You know, it's just a different, a way different situation and we always would kind of like maybe build the story that you know nhra that there's a little bit lost because it's not your money on the line it's the nhra's money that's on the line but Mm -hmm. hearing you talk about this like you have and that that emotional release and that that moment of like feeling you finally did it i don't know that we talk about that enough i'm curious though what, what do you make of what mike janice and mike janice jr have been able to put together it broke all of our hearts to see mike get out of the car. Obviously health reasons forced him to do that, but man, clearly a match made in heaven. Yeah. I really think that we are, you know, the perfect team together. Um, these guys, they race a little different than what I have learned in my heads up racing, how we race with Stevie and stuff. It's a little bit different of, uh, you know, how we run and do things, but they are truly a championship team. They have lifted me up when I've been down and I have been there for them. And, you know, we, we mesh together. So, so good, you know. You can't have um, ten loudmouth people together. You can only have one. So, so we got one. I really think I entertain them a lot of times with my crazy stories and things that go on around me, you know. And so it really, it really meshes us real good together. And um, we have a good time at the track. And and you know, like I said, we, you know, they truly are a championship organization. I was fortunate to get with them. I mean, even for that door, you know, life's all about timing. And and for the door to open up. I mean, within three days, all this stuff transpired, you know, that was going on and the door opened up to Mike Janice and then I reached out to them. It, you know, it was just, I mean, it, it, it's still just unbelievable to me, you know, because it truly was meant to be because if it wouldn't, it wouldn't be. I, there's no argument to be made, honestly, Jay, I, JR, I was surprised to be honest because you've got some New York guys, right? I mean, you got some, you know, East coast, New York guys, and then see them getting mixed up with JR gray. It's I'm going, man, I don't know. This is going to be interesting, but watching from afar, it's clearly been a, a very harmonious relationship. I was curious if you'd be willing, could you maybe share with, with us some of those differences and how you've raced historically and how Mike Janice and Mike Janice Jr. approach things. I, I think everybody is dying to know. Okay. And, um, well, some of this, you know, like I, my racing was always one and done. I mean, 80% of my career, maybe even 90% of my career is one and done. You know, we're racing for some unknown amount of money you know, more than, you know, small money and big money, all different kinds of money, you know, unquestionable. And, you know, like Stevie, he'd always be like, if it was Stevie, how hard do you want to run it? I'd be like, this is the last pass it ever needs to make. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it's not only like at the level that we got to in grudge racing, yet again, even though we're running for big money, it's, it's still about the passion. It's still about the ego. It's still about, you know, the characters and the teams that you're trying to crush. You know, they're true rivalries where we beat some of these things. We've 
beat back and forth for three to six months before we can agree on a place to race. So you truly want to step in the ring and crush them. So I've raced most of my career being one and done. Like, you know, we practice, we practice, 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 but we know where the edge is. And, you know, um, we always do. And, um, and I guess that's where headshot come from. Like, I just thought about like, you, you, you can't wound somebody, right? I mean, you got to put them out. You got to put them out. That's why we put headshot on it, you know, cause we're going to shoot one person, you know, one time in the head and that's it. And, um, so we, you know, that's how we ran for years. And then when I stepped over to NHRA, it's a little bit more of a, um, you know, you have to make four rounds. I mean, you got to think my, even my radio versus the world career was short. I mean, you're talking about really maybe three or four races. Yes, sir. You know, because it all came about and then we, we know we decided to park it kind of, you know, whatever, you know, we won, won the radio versus world, which is the biggest race to win. And then we runnered up in the snowbirds, which aren't, you know, um, you know, had the nitrous world record for a long time or still do. I think we still have it. I think you still have it. Yeah. And nobody's beat it. And, um, so, so, you know, we come from that background of just, you know, one and done. And even when I, you know, there, I had two motors set up, we were prepared in between, you know, when I'm at a show like that, they're going to, as long as I can put a motor in within a reasonable amount of time, they're waiting because everybody there wants to see this race. So it's a different deal than being an NHRA where, you know, even though what really you're just a small fish and a big ponders TV, you know, TV time, you know, nothing can get in the way with TV time. And that's just the truth. It's business. And so from over there, you know, I'd blow a nitrous motor up in round two <laughs> <laughs> and we've rebuilt it or put the new one in, whichever we could do, you know, whichever was quicker. And, and, and we'd go back up to round three or round four, whatever it would be, and then run it that hard again. And, um, and, and for, you know, in pro mod, it's a little different. You can hurt yourself and not make it back in 30 minutes. And, I mean, honestly, when them rounds start going, it feels like 15 minutes. I mean, honestly. So it, it, the most capable teams ain't going to make it back up there and, and slam the motor in. So, you know, I would say, and, and I wouldn't use the word conservative, but it's just a different approach. You have to make four rounds. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, and I, it, it's fun to hear you talk about it because I do think sometimes people lose sight of that. And that's something that you see in like the street outlaws, no prep. That's such a different style of racing because one run, I mean, a lot of time there's no testing, no shakedowns. We're going to unload this thing and run somebody for money. Very, very interesting in my opinion to, to, go from that environment do you like getting to make more runs i mean i know that sounds kind of like casual but do you enjoy getting to make three four qualifying runs and if you win a race make four rounds on race day um yeah i really enjoy it you know because there's there, there's a whole nother agenda you know you got you're trying to you know qualify good you're, you're or position yourself and qual. there's so many little you know i'm still learning different chess moves and things that you might do and a lot of times they tell me, no, that won't work. And, you know, but I'm always thinking, but, you know, it's very, you know, every day you're trying to be better, you know, and you're, you're, you're at tracks that you don't get to test at. And even if you tried to rent the track ahead of time, you're not even remotely close to what prep you're getting on the day that you're there, there. It's amazing. So you really showing up to a track and then you're having to tune to the track within three runs to try to get your best qualifying effort. At the same point in drive, you have to drive the car flawlessly. I mean, you know, there's not no time for errors. You're really not even guaranteed one qualifier. And, you know, sometimes, like, 
every, you know, when we like duck races, if a qualifier, if any car got out of shape, you just let off and coasted down track. I mean, you got 20 qualifiers. <laughs> Literally. You know what I'm saying? So in my mind, and I still have a problem with this, is in qualifying, you have a problem, you dump the throttle. And that's kind of the same way from grudge racing. Same thing. Problem in qualifying. No need to cowboy the car. There's nothing to win by. Now, in ProMod, it's a little bit different of approach because if there truly is 18 to 20 cars there, every tenth of a second matters. And, you are you know, if you're doing a qualifier day, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You truly don't know. You're supposed to get two qualifiers tomorrow, but you I've been in a situation where you didn't get them. And, oh, for sure. You know, so in reality, you even as a driver, you have to try to set, you know, every 10, you know, tenth of a second you can save and get down to that finish line. You need to get down there because you don't know what's going to be tomorrow, what's going to be on the next qualifier. So there's, you know, and I'm still trying to learn that part because my head's so embedded to just once it goes away to let off. And, and, and there's a happy medium. You don't need to crash the car and qualify neither. Neither, right. you know, you, you need to stay after it if it's salvageable and pick up that other half a second or second or whatever you could instead of rolling down to a stop. It's, um, a, it's definitely a different, it's a totally different environment. That pressure cooker environment that exists when, when they start running around and they're turning the cars quickly, like you said, 30, 30 minutes, sometimes it feels like less than that. When they get that show rocking and rolling at an NHRA national event, it is not for the faint of heart. Will you just kind of briefly talk about what I mean, what do you make of racing Ricky Smith? I mean, you, you, you had a buy in the second round, but you had to race some hitters there in the semifinals and finals. Obviously you can't sleep on Mike Salinas and, and Jose Gonzalez, our reigning champion two two absolute badasses. but Ricky Smith's a legend. Was that a special moment for you just to be lining up against this guy at Thunder Valley? One of the most kind of treasured drag strips on the planet earth. It really was. I mean, Ricky Smith's name on top of the on top of the stands over there is a legend, or, or I think it was a legend. Yeah, that's true. Yep. And um, you know, and and when you're when you're lining up against them, and and I say this about anybody, this would be Stevie. I mean, even me. If like Ricky Smith, like I beat him in Dallas, I'm like, okay, Ricky's a good competitor. He went number one twice. The odds of me beating him again significantly decrease when I already beat him once. Beating a heavyweight competitor two or three times in a row is not, no, I've been in that, I mean, grudge racing, I've been in that situation. It's not that easy. You know, like your odds go down, your luck go, everything that was working against you to win each time you beat a Stevie or a, a Ricky, especially two times, three times, you know, two times. Do you pay attention to that? Like the odds of these things and when you run a guy two, three, four times in a row, you know that the scale's being kind of slid in the wrong direction? Yeah, the statistics are bad. You know, the, the things that are positive is it's putting more pressure on them too, because at the same point in time, they really, if they really are a competitor and passionate, they want to beat you. Like, um, you know, um, I mean, we look at everything. You, we know who beats who on each to tree. And, and even that, you know, you're trying to be perfect. You don't want somebody beating you on a tree three times in a row or two times in a row. You're going to be chomping at that tree. And then yet again, now you're putting something in your head you don't need because here you're going to go up there and you possibly red light. Because just you just don't even want this person beating you on the tree, and um, so you know, and Ricky Smith, um, you know he he's a great competitor. He really is, and um, you know I've known him for a short time. I've known of him, but I've only you know personally you know met him this year, um, and uh, and and you know I know everybody was cheering that I would beat him. I mean you know he he has um, 
you know, everybody wants to see Ricky get a put on the trailer. It's um, crazy, man. For like, I argue that I think Ricky's, if he's not the greatest of all time, if he's not the goat, he's damn near. He's definitely in the conversation, especially when it comes to door slammer drag racing. One of the best to ever do it without question. But it, it is kind of interesting, you know, because he's, well, he's a guy people love to see lose. Ricky has, yeah, Ricky has the, 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 you know, my, my, my grudge racing and class racing. And really, even my, I probably told you this before, is I try to keep everybody mad at me. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we can be friends and go out to dinner. That's fine. But, you know, I'm going to say stuff smart to you and stuff like that, especially when, I, you know, I've been kind of quiet lately but because I kind of got beat in submission for a little while. <laughs> but you give me a couple more rounds wins and then I'm coming back. But, but you know, my, my, the way, my tactic in grudge racing was always to keep everybody equal, you know, everybody mad at me. Because in that way, I had everybody, you know, I'm trying to lock people in for races or upset them or make them really want to beat me. And the harder they try, the more likely they're going to mess up. I agree wholeheartedly. Closing question, JR, and I really appreciate your time today. Are, are, do we, will we see you in Vegas? We round out the season at the NHRA Nationals in Vegas? Yeah, we're definitely going to Vegas. You know, we're coming down there. We're going to try to win again. And, um, you know, we're going to try to go number one qualifier. I mean, that's our plan and that's what we're going to do. You've got a hot rod. You've got people talking. You've got their attention, JR. It's an incredible thing to see. And I guess we'll see you again fielding a, a hot rod with the Janices in 2022? Yep. Yeah, I'm signed up again, and we'll be um, driving that. And we got, like I said, we got three cars. We got... Um, yeah, you got them stacked like firewood right now. Yep, we got an eighth mile. You know, we got a screw blower one going together right now. We got for the eighth mile. So we're going to start running out of a few little races when we're not racing um, NHRA. We got my car that I have right now that we're running in NHRA, and then we have another one being built right now. Well, hey, man, sounds like you guys are going to have a busy offseason. We're certainly excited about it to see you back to uh, contend for a championship in 2022. JR, congratulations, man. Thanks for the time, and we'll see you in Las Vegas. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, brother. Man, I tell you what, it's uh, I love these grudge racers that are kind of making the transition to NHRA. I, I wish they're going to get their opportunity to kind of get unleashed in my opinion, Mike. And we, it just can't happen soon enough. Like yeah. when we saw Stevie fast, bring some of that attitude and some of that edge to pro mod, it immediately made a difference. And I think Jr has that same, those same cal or same qualities, excuse me. He does. He's uh well-spoken when you get him on the mic, a quiet guy, but gets it done on the track. We need to take him to the casino with us or something. Dude's got I his know, uh, probabilities and stats. Down if we path. didn't have so much to cover in a short amount of time, I wanted to talk about that because one of my favorite things that people say, and it kind of pisses me off or whatever, is when everybody wants to act like they don't care who's in the other lane. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I had oh, I a dollar for every time I've heard someone say it, we'd have a hundred million bucks. Hey, some real and quick house. They absolutely house pay attention. We were talking earlier about Lyle and Jr. being uh, candidates for rookie of the year. Lyle's actually 10th in the points. Jr. is fifth in the points. Well, you have to take that into consideration. I yep. mean, it's it's impressive. All right, we got a lot to cover. I do want to remind everybody that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment, from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. My kind of people. Log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell them we sent you. All right. Without further ado, we're we're, we're running in. We're we're ramping this up. We got a lot of we got a lot of lot to cover, guys. Bear with us. We're gonna we're gonna take as long as we need. Nobody's in a hurry. I've got a couple of 
killer guests in the green room right now. I'm going to bring them on one at a time. And I do think for the sake of you know, potentially a viral moment on the internet, we'll bring them on simultaneously at some point. But first, I want, I want to bring to the table a guy that I've been talking to via text and on the internet, calling back and forth for several months now. It's been incredible to see him burst onto the No Prep Kings scene. I had to see his program firsthand this past weekend at the Texas Motorplex. Massively impressed what this guy's been able to do in a relatively short amount of time. Quickly become a threat in the mix to win every time they head out. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Robin Roberts. What's going on, brother? Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? I can't. You sound good, good. too. You sound oh, good. Well, thanks. It's yeah, deep, yeah. deep, uh, kind of, kind of deep uh, baritone thing. It's powerful. It's oh powerful. well, you know that's that's uh, <laughs> maybe. Hope it's just how I am, but uh, I got a good mic. We got a good setup here. No, you sound killer, man. Well, hey, Thank I got you. to see the the No Prep Kings in in their fine form, in my opinion. The show that you guys put on at the Texas Motorplex, I've been raving about it. Uh, I take. Uh, we we kind of take heat for whoever we're cheering on because we want to see every part of drag right. racing be successful. That's like the dirty secret or the thing that we don't talk about is that yeah. I'm a believer that a high tide lifts all boats, Robin. Oh, I, I, I think, too. you know, what's good for No Prep Kings, in my opinion, is good for the NHRA, which is yeah. good for No Mercy and Donald Long and Radial Tire Racing, which is good for NMCA and PDRA. I want to see drag racing of all walks succeed. But you guys really put on an incredible show this past weekend. I got to say, I'm not super familiar, Robin, with your story. Could could you kind of bring me up to speed? I'm getting to know you rather quickly through the show on Monday nights, and it's been fun. But can you give me a little bit of your backstory and how you arrived racing in this series with a you know really fast you know three second door car? Yeah, well, I I grew up. This is all I wanted to do was race cars, right? And race street cars. Like um, that was a big goal of mine. So. When I got going in my career a little bit, I, I built up a, a Trans Am and then took it to Hot Rod Magazine events. And, and you know, we did great in the pump gas drags and things like that. And and that was just the street racing aspect was just, I mean, all, all my heart was for. And so through that and kind of getting in the magazines and becoming you know, relatively popular uh, because of the, the way that we raced and who we raced and, and all the things that we did. Um, I kind of got to know big chief, not, not like on a friendship level, but, but it became known to him. Uh, so he would reach out to me a couple times here and there for Pontiac tech and we would talk. Um, and I just thought a lot of those guys and I watched that take off. And, and there was a time in my life where I had, you know, I had four daughters in high school at the same time. So for me, it was a step back from racing about that time. And that was about the time that the street outlaws thing started to just roll. Um, so I took some time off and did some, uh, airport races and things and just kind of goofed off with the Trans Am and I watched this phenomenon go on and I watched no prep and I thought that is really cool. Like I want to, I want to, I want to get over and go do that. And so, uh, I went and found a car, bought, uh, bought this car on, on, uh, a Christmas, like after Christmas and, and chief was actually the one to put me onto it. He said, we had, we had dinner at PRI and he said, Man, if I was looking for a car and I was you, I'd call this guy. And it was the guy who built the Chrome on. It was Terry Murphy. So I looked. At, he's in Kansas City. I said, well, Terry Murphy's in Kansas City. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's the guy. So um, I called Terry and uh, I said, hey, Terry, how are you? I introduced myself. I said, here's what I'm looking for. I said, I want a 68 Firebird 
I want it on a ProMod chassis. I'd like to do these things with it. And then, um, you know, but I need to kind of get it done pretty quick. What do you think? And he got real quiet. He said, well, I have one of those. <laughs> I, was, I was stunned because I've been, I've been talking to people about building a car, you know, nine months, a year, all things like that. And I just didn't, I didn't want to take that time. And I said, what do you mean you have one? He said, yeah, it's my car. It's my high school car. And I love things with history. So this car had been his high school car. He'd driven it and street raced it around or done the things he'd done around Kansas City, racing it. Had a huge reputation around here. And so I, I said, well, let me come look at it. So as he said, I don't want to sell it. I built it for me. We just spent four years building. I just finished it. It's never run. Um, it's never even been you know, rolled a tire. He said, but I just went through an ugly divorce. If you want to look at it, come on out. So I go to his place. I look at it and it is nice. Like I walked in there, and I was blown away how nice this car is and how well you've done. It's just amazing car. And so I tell him, thank you for letting me look. I sit in it. It's a little tight, but it looks like it can be adjusted for me. Terry's at least six foot. You know, I'm, I'm a big dude, so I can't get in a car if somebody owned or built it for a five, six guy. So we, I said, thank you for letting me look at it. Melody and I drive out and we're driving home. And Melody says, so, so you're going to buy it? It's awesome. And I said, no, I don't think so. She said, why? It's nice. It's great. And I said, yeah, but it's too nice. Like I race. We're going to take this thing racing. If the tire is rubbing or something, I'm going to cut it off. We're racing. And that car is too nice. So we go home and we, I think about it a few days and look around a little bit more. I finally just calling back and said, okay, can I go look at it again? So we go out, look at the car, make a deal, buy the car, bring it home, go to work on it. And then uh, just started like going to little races here, um, small no preps, then Armageddon. And I, and I end up in Armageddon, the first Armageddon. And the very first, first chip draw, first Armageddon, I draw chief. Like of all the dumb luck, I draw chief. And uh, so it's two Pontiacs. It's, you know, we, we tacitly know each other. We're not like, you know, tight or anything, but we, we know of each other and no one else really knows of me. And we run down the track, very first pass down that track with a set of turbos and I beat him. And it was a big deal to us, big deal to the team. It kind of set us on the radar to every, now everyone knows who we are. It starts a kind of boiling from there. The car gets into PRI. We go and do a bunch of little races. We, and, and, and really that's kind of where we just chipped away at it. Next thing you know, I'm, I meet Monza and come buddies with him and, and uh, Ryan Martin and, and all of them. And pretty soon it just boils into come race. And it's crazy it's because awesome. what a what an introduction to drag racing though, right? Like right. there's a lot of different places to like go get your feet wet or you know go kind of get started, but to get started in this particular arena, like tabling the competition, just like the drama and the energy mm. and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen a little bit of that unfold on the show, Robin, that it's like oh, this boy. isn't for the faint of heart. And if no. you don't have some of that, I mean, can you tell us what has that experience been like? Cuz it's one thing like, obviously, you could tell us about running the car and what you've learned, but it's a whole other thing racing in such a, a chaotic environment. And that's no shot at, like, the organization of the event. No. I actually think the events are very well run. But, that's like, awesome. all these personalities and the focus on the personality and all these storylines that are kind of always developing, has it been hard to get, like, a handle on that? I saw you, like, post an apology yeah. on Facebook today, and I thought, you know what? That's yeah. interesting. I mean, how many racers are put in a position where they've got to, like, apologize for something that they said in the heat of the moment that they didn't mean or whatever. I mean, what, what has that experience and, and, been like? 
Well, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, the, what makes No Prep Kings so awesome and why people enjoy it, why they enjoy Street Outlaws, is because it's raw. It's raw. It's behind the scenes. It's all the things that happen. It shows. I mean, you look at NHRA and they get an interview between the rounds and you never see them again, right? You don't get right. to see them make the mistakes. They are polished in that. They're taking care of their sponsors. They're doing their thing. Look, we're raw. And so I had one of those moments uh, a few months ago where um, I just literally did said I, I, I honestly said, I think I think I said the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never said anything so stupid to a person that I thought very highly of. And it hurt them. I knew it hurt them. It hurt me when I, you know, I'm not in the moment, not in the moment because, you know, you, you in all honesty, we got all the money in the sport. We got all our passion in the sport. We got all our time. We're there trying to win a race. You're trying to do certain things. You're, you know, you, you've, you've invested so heavily just your entire life and, and your, your attitude and, and passion. And so I got upset over something I should not have been upset about. Not, not as upset as I was. I mean, there's a reason to be upset, but not as upset as I was. And I, and I kind of took it out on a, on a kid who didn't deserve it. Um, and that was my fault. Um, and, and so for me issuing that apology today is because the, the show aired last night and I didn't know, you know, the other thing is you kind of forget about it. I mean, him and I talked it out afterwards and I went to him and just profusely apologized, um, said, man, I can't believe I said that. And that was not right. It's all my fault. Nothing you did deserve that. And so then it comes back two months later. And it's like, you got to relive it again. And not only that's relive what I was just going to ask but about, now it, that's such a weird thing to have to yeah. like. Not only did you have to deal with it in that moment, right. but shit, now I've got to deal with the whole world oh, talking and, about it. And now it goes out to however many people would watch it on on the night, which which is huge. Obviously, it's a huge platform, so it goes out to the world, and the and the world sees it, and they they think the same thing, right? You know, you're an asshole, you're an idiot. And I'm like, yeah. I am. I can't believe I did that. Is that the is that the tact you take, man? I mean, is that the advice that you give to people? Like, hey, in those moments, you just got to own it. Uh, now everyone does it different. I mean, there are the people who attack back. There are the people, and, and you have some of them that just don't care. Like, whatever, man. Like, I told him that, and that's how it went. And, and everyone's got their personality. And that's the neat thing about No Prep Kings too. Is like, there's so many different types of people, uh, really? and and I'm the type who who. I was hurt as much when I saw it again as I'm sure it, uh, Brandon was the original time. I was like, man, I just can't, I, I still can't believe that that happened. And I said that. And so, you know, you're reliving it and and then uh, the world's hearing it and then they're hammering you and, and rightfully so I, I earned that one, whatever they say. And so for me, you asked how I would handle it. Like how I handled it is just, I just, I just told, I told my daughter, sold everybody I said, look, I'm just going to post that an apology. Everything, whatever they want to say on my Facebook or whatever they can say, I'm going to let it stand. I earned it. And so that's how I've treated it. It's not, it's not, I mean, I can never go back and redo that. Um, but, but I, I just did tell you, man, different. like that's what a stand up way to handle it. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass, but like that, I think that's a stand up way to handle it, man. I think that's an incredible thing. And I can't imagine if everybody like that was involved in competitive high level drag racing had to answer for everything they said in the heat of the moment or every feeling they had in the heat of the, in the heat of the moment. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I, I was going to ask you, and you mentioned your daughters and I don't yeah. obviously know your family, yeah. but I mean, did you have to like kind of get everybody together and say like, Hey, dad's on TV. 
We're, we're very visible right now. We're probably, I, I've argued the last few weeks that this is the most significant platform that exists in drag racing. Did you have to kind of brace everybody for impact or, or did you do that before the show even started? You know, so far, in, in, in all honesty, I, I've, I've held a pretty good reputation through the shows. Um, you know, I, I, and not that I was even really trying to, just that, just that I'm, I'm a pretty calm guy. I generally take things pretty well. Um, there's one thing, that you, and it's the thing that set this off that really kind of pisses me off about no prep kings. Uh, and, and, and it's, uh, it's, it just kind of gets under you a little bit and I, I need to let that go. And, and, and I have since, but, but, you know, at that time, obviously I hadn't. And so, you know, for me, so it was what's just, that like the team orders type of stuff or no, this, this light thing. Oh, the this, jump in the light this, thing. This light just is to me, it's stupid. Is it uh, fixed? Yeah. Supposedly it's, and now I heard in the last four races, it's been fixed. And so. Cause we heard that you jumped Monday night or it's, uh, I mean, that was the, I had heard that. Um, and yeah. I'm not like trying to stir shit. I'm just talking no, because no. it's interesting. Um, hey, it's but, worth talking about, but yeah, man, that's I mean, an upcoming you, episode. So I won't go okay. too deep, but I'll talk a little bit. So, I mean, we watched it, you know, I was actually yeah. out at the motorplex, got invited out, boosted, asked me to come. And I, I was, yeah. you know, honored to get invited. And it was, it, I'm going to talk about it later in the show, so I'll save it because we're here to talk to you. But I was massively impressed. But in that semifinal round, um, it it did look like, you know, it was close. Um, But in that, so, but I do, we've under, we understand talking to different people. We've talked to, who all have we talked to? We've talked to Lonnie Graham. We talked to Jim Hughes. We talked to a multi boosted right here on the show talking about doing away with the time that typically would illuminate the, the ambers. Right. Can you take us through like where the jumping situation is right now? Do you think you jumped this past weekend and uh, what can we do to fix this? Because it's the worst. No prep Kings doesn't deserve it. To be no. honest, it's like the only no. thing anybody can say negative about it is that yeah. whole situation. And, and you know, here's the worst part. The fans do not understand it. Nobody understands it except the drivers that are there trying to do it. And there are some that really kind of haven't figured out. And, and, and so um, it, it's, it's a mess. I, I think it's a mess and I think it has to be fixed and, and there is a way to fix it. And what I understand they have done that. And so, um, and you're asking about, about Saturday night. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I roll in, I let go of the button. I, I thought it was good. I go down the end, I feel pretty good about the run. I get out, I, I, I say to Cody, Hey man, how'd it go? I, I, you know, I really didn't get to see you. And, and, you know, I, I like Cody and, and he said, fast car you? too. Oh, very fast car. And he said, did you take a shot at the light? And a, and a stop is like, no, and I stopped. And I was like, then my, then your brain starts running. Right. D- did I, I mean, I'm thinking, and I said, no, Cody, I, I would never do that. And I started walking away. I'm like, again, you're second guessing. Did I, I don't know. Because now I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure soccer, I, you know, I, and, and then you're running through your head, like all the scenarios, here comes my crew. They roll up in the car. My crew chief gets out and, and everybody knows Alan. And when he comes around, I'm, he, he says, he said, what's up? And I said, dude, did I jump? And he said, in the most firm tone, he said, absolutely not. And I said, okay. So I get in the car, we start pushing down and, and uh, you know, go back to the pits and we're there for a while starting getting ready. And, and then I hear scuttlebutt, you know, and this is normal MPK stuff, drama about, you know, yeah. somebody thinks this and that and somebody and, swings by the pit and but I heard this or whatever. Yeah. Oh, really? Nobody yeah. came to see you. Nobody comes to see me. 
Nobody comes over and says, hey, you jumped. Cody doesn't come over. Nobody comes over, right? Uh, we go to work on the car. We have a cracked inlet tube. Um, I, I, They come over to do the OTF, which is the outtakes, and they stick a camera and mic and the whole deal. And 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 uh, the producer, kid, the kid takes care of us, real good kid, says, uh, so what about this, this jumping? Did you, did you jump? And I stopped and I said, wait, did I jump? And he said, I don't know. And I said, I don't either. I said, I don't think I jumped. And my OTF is going to come out like this. I said, I don't think I jumped. I said, I can tell you this. I didn't ever intended to jump. I did not even try to jump. I can tell you also that I was thinking about it the whole drive down. I've been in the lights a thousand times. I have never read lit. So if it did, it was a total accident. It wasn't intended. And they said they fixed the lights. And if they fixed the lights and it was green, right, then it's green. It was green. I, it I mean, and so, and obviously we don't have like the most sophisticated camera equipment. We're like examining a Facebook live feed yeah. and we had like, you know, I'm cutting this thing down and slowing it down or whatever. Yeah. I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, I did it too. It was illuminating. I mean, it was, I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it yeah. literally, the light was turning green and I also think I Cody was pretty late. So I think that well, made it look worse perhaps than right. maybe it was. I don't know. Interesting situation that I really wish you guys didn't have to deal with. I hate it. And, and, but I can tell you. I have video from behind. Now the exhaust is going through the through the light, um, and I didn't I didn't have it at the time. But but like I said, in in that in that time where we're waiting, to get ready to go to the rounds, nobody comes over me and shows me a video. Nobody and, and and Cody and I should be close enough friends that if he knew or he had damning evidence from behind, he should come over and show it to me. And and but you know everybody gets caught up in the moment. I was caught up in the moment. What I should have done when I heard that was go to Cody and say, Hey, buddy let's talk this out because I don't think I did. And I looked and I tried to find my video. It's grainy. And like you said, and, and this is the odd thing about the light. So there's the internet has video of it from the side. Well, from the side, you know, you know, because if you've drag raced, when you're looking at that, that little filament, it lights up on an iPhone frame. It takes like five frames of an iPhone to be fully lit. You know, this, right. So that's when you're sitting in the driver's seat 12 feet away. You're the only one with a direct look at that tree. The people in the stands, they don't get to see it until it's full green. And that light does this. And so by my video, uh, it, you're, you're right. It was, it was super close. Like, was and super and I, close. I'm assuming that you're in there and you're seeing the filament yes. start. I'm to staring at the filament. That's what That's you're what supposed do to do, night. right? That's what I do and it's night. interesting because we were going to have Alexis DeJoria on the, you know, Nitro Funny Car, NHRA Nitro Funny Car Superstar, won this past weekend in Bristol. Mike, I can't remember what her light was. Wasn't she like 011? Is that right? That's bad. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, 011 in a funny car is impossible. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a bad job red lighting. I mean, you can't, uh, nobody, nobody does it. You know what I mean? Hey. Like, it's just, it's no one's trying to go 011. And I immediately, when we were having this discussion Monday night uh, on the show, we, uh, the conversation kind of came up like, hey man, that kind of happens. People cut it close. You know I mean? It's, and it's not to say that I don't think, I don't think Alexis would tell you that she rolled in, turned the bottom bulb on and took a shot at it, yeah. but she nailed right. it. Right. I mean, and I just, that's honestly kind of what I saw at this past weekend um, was you nailing it. Yeah. And very honestly, you know, I watched that video and here's what I understand about it. It's not condemning, but it's also not like it doesn't. Yeah. Did I flinch a little bit early? Looking at that video, it's entirely possible. But I can absolutely tell you the all honest of raising my hand, I did not intend to do that. 
And, and, and that's, that's the truth. And that's how it has to stand. And, you know, the same thing, I already lived it. I already made the choices that maybe weren't right, but, you know, I did what I, I did, what I thought was right. And you live with it. And that's, that's part of like, here's the deal about when you decide to be on a reality TV show, that is a drag race. You have accepted that everything you do, even if you say something really stupid to a friend, it can be filmed, it can be shown and it's forever encapsulated with you being a jerk and that's yeah, just in the context in the context is rarely there right right I mean, the context necessary to to clear to answer some of the questions or what have you oh, yeah. is rarely there so it's it's a tough thing man i actually had people tell me multiple times like hey man just so you know like almost everybody up here is mic'd up like yes everybody up yeah. here is mic'd up yeah. just so you know and i'm like oh wow that's really interesting yeah. to think about it like the whole time yeah, that's a pressure that most drag racers have never, ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of use this opportunity to introduce our next guest uh, and, and bring him on here with us momentarily, Robert, because I think there was an interesting thing. And one of the coolest things I saw in 2021 was in the first round, the very yeah. first round this past weekend. Uh, what a moment. Like I literally looked Sam Corcus in the face and I said, dude, you just had yourself like a real deal drag racing moment that could go up against you know, any top fuel blowover or side-by-side -side pro stock record or whatever, the first round of action, you going up against points leader, Ryan Martin, you've got all these Good people friend. down on the starting line, a friend of yours, love him like a brother, two of the baddest cars on the property property. Undoubtedly, you've got Corey Swanstrom, big country and little country, yeah. Justin Swanstrom down yeah. on the starting line, stirring the crowd up. I mean, Hugging I, my wife. I know I looked down there at one point I looked over and Corey, who I just think is a superstar in the making. They better not point the camera too much at that guy because he's gonna <laughs> he, he's gonna steal the show. But yeah, Corey's looking I'm you in the face. Yeah, I mean, he was looking he, he you in the face in the, car, in the like, car, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that was awesome. Hey, we've become pretty close over this as a team, and we've been through some bumps, but we worked them out like men. And uh, you know, but him come down there like that, it was a big. Big, I mean, I just like this is my boys. I, it was incredible. So, boys. with that said, let's let's bring on your, your your buddy, the one and only Justin Swanstrom, little country. What, what's <laughs> going on? I just sorry, I keep clicking uh -oh. it and you click it. There he is. What's up, Justin? Hey, what's how up? you doing, boy? How you, you got company? What's happening, man? Well, hey, everybody knows by now it was kind of one of the most talked about things over the weekend, despite all this incredible drag racing that was going on. That I really feel No Prep Kings was kind of stealing the storylines, right? Uh, very tight points battle coming, coming down to the wire in No Prep Kings competition. Race 13 of a 15-race series. We got two more back-to-back -back in Bell Rose, Louisiana, then in Bradenton, Florida. This yep. deal is shaping up, as I love to say, to be an absolute barn burner. Can you guys just take me through that first-round matchup? I mean, you're obviously in serious points contention, Justin. Um, what, was it a sense of relief? I mean, to see you down there cheering on this guy was kind of a cool moment, right? Yeah, no, um, anybody that could take out Ryan is awesome. And uh, us being on the same team together, me and Robin, I was hoping he would be able to take him out. Um, I know Friday night he was having issues, struggling. Uh, they switched turbos and stuff over. So in all reality, Ryan is supposed to win that race. Um, but Robin being able to take him out, and I think Ryan was out in front. He had a little issue, got squirrely. Robin drove around him at the other end. So being able to see him win, take out the number one points leader, I was happy as hell. One for me, one for him, and his whole entire team. So yeah, it was a, it was it was a pretty fun moment because it changed everything. Ryan has had this uh, super points lead for the last uh, I don't know 
shit, all the races, 10 or 11 Literally, races. Yeah. I tell everybody all the time, like Ryan's got like a, a horseshoe. I, I love him to death, but the dude, <laughs> he's got the like the drawing pick going down packed. Like yeah. he is yet to have to, and that's what I told her. The only way you're going to catch these people, Kai Kelly, uh, Lizzie, you're going to catch Robin, you're going to catch Ryan, is you have to run them first round. That's that's what's going to change. If they go as many rounds as you go, you're not going to, you're they're not going to gain on you, but they're definitely you're not going to gain on them as well. So he finally got a hard pick this morning, and I or uh, the first round. And I told Robin and them, um, those are the rounds that you kind of want to get. You hate that you have to race those type of people yeah. with they're fast, but if you take them out, then it's just an easy, easy drive from there on out. And he proved that. I mean, he went to the finals after that. Once you and nothing against any of the other drivers, there's a lot of fast people out there. But if you can take out the elite up front, then everything else kind of goes a little bit more smoothly. No doubt about it. I mean, and it's one of the things that we've talked about a little bit is there's 32 teams involved in this deal. All of them, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but like you do, there are some people that that have to be seen as a favorable pick in that first drawing, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, For sure. and, and you never want Ryan Martin. No. Like, you know, but you, but if, but if we're going to take a championship chase, and this is what Russ and I talked about even before the race, somebody's got to get him. Someone's got to get him early. I just I didn't want to be the one, but but that was my draw. And and yeah, I I was at the back of his door the whole way, and that's normal for a turbo car. I mean, he's going to be out front. He's lighter. Pro chargers work better low. And I thought when it started to pull, I thought, oh, this is going to be real close. And then somewhere real close to the end, he I saw him wiggle and ran on by. And, it's incredible, and, to be honest. Like the, the caliber of racing really surprised me. I mean, I had this conversation a little bit with Corey Swanstrom at the track, but I was really taken. I thought we'd see a lot of cars going up in smoke, not making it A to B. I didn't think we'd see a lot of full poles, to be honest. I just, I know. One of the, you know what we didn't see? Is the fucking that? Pro Mod guys thought they were going to come over there and just fucking mollywop everybody. I didn't see they did one say that. Pro Mod car go down the track. Tell yeah. PDRA. Fucking NHRA, whatever you want over there, Midwest, come on over there and you can get your ass fucking donkey stomped just like they were doing. Well, those tracks are way trickier than they than they think. It, That's what I tell are. people all the time. You're not just gonna you're not just gonna come over and just think you're gonna fucking uh -uh. take over the world. I mean, it takes a no. lot of testing, a lot of stuff to to go right to be able to go down a track like that. And yes, the yeah. starting line does get better because everybody's doing burnouts, but it's not the starting line you have to worry about. It's from the three thirty to the eighth mile. Is where it gets right. a little squirrely. Oh, you see these cars all but change lanes every single pass. I mean, it's I, that, that was another thing. But we need to we need to get with all these tracks. We got a million dollar tracks, and we only got ten fucking cones on the on the, uh, the surface. <laughs> we run them out of cones this weekend. How, how much? How much is a cone? I've never bought a cone, so I, I, I will I will contribute. They got to be hundred bucks. That's oh, they can't even be that. J, JT, look those up on Amazon for me, real quick. Yeah, yeah, look them up on Amazon. Find out how a much a track should have. A track should have a minimum of a hundred cones at all times. <laughs> like, just uh, I understand there's people taking out cones, but we finally had to take the three thirty cone and then take it to the eighth mile, and then that was the last cone. Hopefully, nobody else like hit it. I even asked yeah. them, so "What happens if somebody hits it? What are we gonna do? Like, put a camera at the other end, or like maybe a, a <laughs> paint a stripe? Or go ahead, go out with a spray can and paint a stripe and put yeah. a camera." But, oh, but I was, was wondering cool. because it was like the wind light took a second to come on too. At that, oh. you know what I mean? And I'm like, "Do we got someone down there like deciding who <laughs> wins? Like, what's going on?" And Tyler Cross was telling us in the comments, thirty four ninety five without shipping. Exactly, That's not bad man. That's There's not no bad. reason have... 
that have only 10 cones on the property. Yeah, there should be a spare truckload somewhere. Yeah, we got to get a truckload. We need to maybe take up a fund for racetracks around the country. Make sure we got plenty. We'll start a GoFundMe. That seems to be the thing to do, right? Start a GoFundMe and see if we can't make sure that every track in the country has a ton of cones. But honestly, watching the cars, man, scooting from wall to wall and the reaction from the fans, both of you guys have raced in other environments. And I'm just curious. There was a moment that happened where Murder Nova won first round, right? He's coming back up the return road, and I would just love to hear both of you guys kind of reflect on this. You'd have thought the Messiah was coming up the return road on a scooter with a hat on backwards. I mean, people (laughs) were losing their minds. Kids are screaming. Wives are screaming. Husband, you know, grown men are cheering and yelling. And, you know, I mean, I haven't seen that since, like, the height of John Force's stardom at the drag strip when you guys get that kind of reaction from the fans, because you both got it. I mean, you you got it all throughout the weekend, Justin, Robin, especially after that first round win, the place was going nuts for you. Yeah. What's it like to get that kind of reaction and response from the fans? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah you well, go first, Robin. So if, if you grew up wanting to do this, like that's just something that it's it's affirmation for one but it's also just really cool i mean it's it just shows how much passion the fans have for this sport and and honestly you're talking about murder nova driving down like if i drove down there no no one would cheer like that unless i just beat ryan martin right but every time murder nova drives in front of the stands they're going to do that and and in our in my case I, i feel like i owe those guys all the respect they started this they've made this the reason we have this show are those guys murder nova ryan chief all those guys i mean and so i think it's just cool to see justin how about you what do you make of it whenever you're standing up on the concrete guard wall there and knowing that all these people know who you are maybe follow you on social what's that like i mean considering how quick i mean i know you've been in this you know you've been racing for a while but you've went from you've you're quickly becoming a household name in our sport what is that reaction He's like killing for you it, from man. the fans you're doing a fantastic job thank you um I tell everybody, um, the fans is what the racers don't keep the tracks open. Um, if right. you had no fans at the racetrack, the tracks would not be able to stay open. The fans are what keeps the sport alive, keeps it going. That's why, um, you see, I try to interact as much as I can with the fans online, offline at the racetrack, just try to have fun with them to make them want to come back, want to spend more money with the track, get in, um, buy food, buy tickets, buy merch, um, because that's what keeps this thing going. If you didn't have them, you wouldn't have nothing at all. So I am very big about uh, with the fans and all that. And I don't have the fan base that some of these people have due to the fact I haven't been on the TV scene yet. Maybe after this year, I think that was my goal is to try to do try to do good enough because I do this for a living now. Uh, social media is what I do for a living. Um, so my goal was to be able to do good enough to be able to make an impact and be able to keep growing my brand. I started Swan Gang um, two years ago, and uh, I, last time I was on the show, actually, I still have it on the wall right there. When I started Swan Gang in August of 2019, I didn't know it would grow up to be like this right here. And I look at it every day before I leave my bedroom. But it has grown rapidly. There's so many fans uh, from – and. I don't even have the big fan base yet, but my fan base that I do have is loyal. It's organic. They don't have to buy it. Don't have to do nothing. It's to the you point now. It. It's to the point now to where like I don't even have to argue with people no more. Like I just go in there. I I tell people all the time, and I even told Robin at times, 
about social media is because I've learned a lot. I jump in, I talk a little crap, and then I dip out. And then that's it. And then the fan base actually talks for me. And if I have to come in, I'll interact with them more, talk a little crap, and then I dip out. So being able to interact with the fans is the best thing ever. And then at the racetrack, I just try to, I try to put people inside the car. I try to let people start the car up so they have an experience. Um, I can remember whenever I was younger going to the racetrack, wanting to hang out, wanting to hang out with the older guys, wanting to go sit in their cars and do that. And my dad ran pro mod at the time. So it was a little bit easier. I was able to do that, but not everybody has the same uh, opportunity that I have. So to be able to give them the opportunity to be even just sit in the car, fire the car up, let it sit there and run. They'll remember that forever. So they'll want to come back and they'll hope that somebody else will do it again. And I hope that other drivers catch on to that and try to do it. Even though I was probably the first one to actually do it with, MPK. There's other people that's starting to catch on and they're starting to do it as well, which I think is awesome because now you're going to get their fan base is going to look at them and say, damn, he's a good dude, which they are. We're all good guys and females and everything out there, but they're going to go, okay, I want to do that. So maybe possibly I'll come to another race and there's a chance that I can do that as well. And Robin, you've experienced some of this, like on your post today, I was, I mean, you had a lot of people coming to your defense, like, Hey man, were you, I mean, that had to feel good because to Justin's point, you had all these fans of yours coming on there and being like, Hey, you're handling this exactly how you should have handled it. And you know, don't feel bad. I think that's pretty cool that you had all these people come out of the woodwork to support you. And Robin will tell you, I told him this, half the people have to love you. Half the people have to hate you. At the end of the day, they're all going to watch and they're going to figure out it. This is how the world is. They have to argue. That's why we're in what we are now from politics to everything going on. People have to argue. That's how they interact. That's just how the world is. So that's it's why like what our them. news is built on now. Yeah. Um, I, tell, I, say, I tell everybody all the time, the biggest promoter in the world, and Wes, you probably don't even know who, who I'm talking about, but who do you Vince think McMahon. is the best promoter in the world? Donald Trump. Hell oh, no, yeah. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Vince McMahon is definitely, I'm a big pro wrestling guy, but I like got, the last controversy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sells in the sport. He's got Baby faces are, and heels, buddy. They got good guys got and bad people. guys. He's got yeah. people that go against each other every day of the week. They may, they may, they may go out and eat dinner afterwards and have fun or whatever. But when the camera's on, they have a story and people will say, okay, they're either fighting. They're either arguing. Some of them are true beasts. Some of them are not. There's a lot of beefs that's going on with MPK that is true right now with going on. But I told Robin and them that I said, half the people have to yeah. love you, half the people have to hate you. The people that support you are going to go with you all the way to the end. So I, I, did. I, read, I read his post and I see the people that are actually there for him. I see the people that are sitting there talking shit. And I'm going to be honest with you. I sit back and I hope that he's not responding back to them because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just going to it's just going to water down his deal. So no, I get it. It makes, makes sense to argue with each other. So both and, of you and, guys have spent some time. Uh, no, go ahead, Robin. I wouldn't. Well, I, you know, I reached out to Justin and, and said, hey, man, you you told me haters are fans, too. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yep, get them. And I was like, nah. You know, and then he, he's he's uh, he's a lot more experienced at that than I am. And I, I want to defend myself. I want everybody to like me. That's a problem that I needed to just learn to get over. You know, people are going to hate you. All right. And, and you know what? They have reason to for this because I did something stupid. 
But I got to tell but you, man, that's easier said than done. Like that, yeah. developing that thick skin. Um, I, I think is. a lot of that Very has hard. to do with, I mean, and I don't mean to speak for Justin, but his background in grudge racing, yeah. all these dudes do is scream and yell at each other. It's all, oh, I mean, oh, it's, oh, Justin and his it, dad don't care. They don't care about nothing. Like, no, you guys I mean, ride it, them, they're like, yeah, whatever. And, it prepared him for that, like that, you know, Robin, when you, yeah. you talked about kind of your initial connection to no prep Kings street outlaws and all that was big chief. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. And I want to ask this of both of you too, Robin, you go first though. What have you learned anything specifically from the big chief, from those superstar guys, big chief murder, Noma farm. What, what is something, what's a takeaway you could share with us? Something that you've learned from those guys. Well, I mentored last year under Ryan Martin. Um, and I should have learned a little more because he, he remains calm through a lot of things, but I just, what I learned those guys, you see how they conduct themselves. And, and I'll tell you one of the, you, and, and I learned a few things in that and how they carry themselves. Now I'll be honest with you. The other thing, one thing I learned watching big chief is I don't want to be famous. I mean, I, rich is great. Famous sucks. I mean, he, he can't go to local, local McDonald's in his own city without getting mobbed. He goes in home Depot and he can't get through without, I mean, He's as big a star as there is. It's got to be an age thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd say, Justin, you've got to be on the other side of that, right? I mean, you're I going, wanna, I, I want to walk into Walmart and have people asking for my autograph. Yeah. And, well, well, not even that. I mean, I, but I, I love just being able to interact with people. There's there's people that don't like, not that I don't like talking to people and everything, but, I mean, I do. So, like, if I'm at dinner or whatever, like, you see some people make a post talking about, uh, if I'm eating food, don't come up and ask for a photo. No, you, that's what you that's what you do yeah. for a living. Put yourself and in I would spotlight. do that. And you put yourself in that spotlight. That's and my my guy Brian, the one with the beard, he always tells me, um, that's what Brian. you get for being a rock star. That's yeah. his that's his saying. He goes, That's what you get for being a rock star. So every time right. that there's there's times that I get upset when uh like I said, I, something's going on with the car. Like I just had one this past weekend. Um, I try to do everything for the fans, but he made a post on Facebook talking about, I guess I didn't give him as much time as maybe I was. This was the to. fan that posted something and you screenshotted yeah. it or something, right? Yeah. And, and I did. And, and I, I tell people all the time, if you're going to put something online, don't, don't tag me in it or put me in it because I will definitely put it online. Cause I don't care <laughs> it, it's whatever it is. It doesn't matter to me. But uh, um, he said that I didn't spend enough time with him. And, and I, I sent, uh, I sent him a message. I even told him that, let me know what he bought from me. Um, he had a Kai Kelly shirt on with a fucking hat and everything. Like, I don't <laughs> care if you're, you're help promoting other people. It don't matter to me. But he said he bought some, a bunch of merch from me. I told him, just send me over a list of what you bought. I will refund you your money. I don't, I, I'd rather just be a problem solver than to try to keep going with it. But like I told him, he came up after I just beat Lizzie. We hurt a pro charger. Um, I do all the, the motor side of the car. So once dad gets a tune up, he goes inside. I go in, I go through the valves. Me and my guys, we were taking a pro charger off. I was uh, trying to answer Nick, which is our producer for the interviews. I was trying to do interviews. I was trying to take a pro charger off. I was trying to go through valves. I was trying to get everything ready. And Robin will tell you, when you get down into those rounds, because we were People already running, they, they run you fast. By the time you get back 10 minutes later, you got to go back up and you'll spend 35 minutes trying to do a chip draw. So I even told the guys, I, I'm sorry. But there was just a lot of stuff going in at the time. And then even my guy, Brian, he texts me. He goes, that's what you get for being a rock star. So I have to think <laughs> about both sides of the deal when, I mean, I don't want to be an, an asshole, but there's sometimes, I mean, I just cuss somebody out. But 
that's where Brian comes in. He goes, that's what you get for being a rock star. And it puts me back into my reality that this is what I do for a living. This is what I want to do, that there is going to be people like that that are going to come up and you can't satisfy everyone. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to make everybody happy. So that's one thing that I have learned in the last year and a half, two years is do what you want. Whoever likes it is going to watch it. If they don't watch it, so be it. Maybe they'll come around later on in a year. I still have people that talk crap on my YouTube channel and my Facebook comments from two years ago are still commenting today. And I, I follow them. Like I, I even I go on there and I even tell them, I said, listen, you have been you have been commenting for the last two years. You're still here commenting. And they're like, why, why would I block you? I, I like having fun. So I'm just going to talk shit back to you. And then I'm it's not going to change what I do. But I, I do think it's it's cool to interact with the fans and have fun with it. You just have to. Some people want that spotlight and some people do not, which is OK. If you don't want it, that's cool. But me personally, I, I love it. I love hanging out with everybody. And if I can roll into a restaurant or a room and people are like, damn, that's Justin. I'm like. That's cool to me. Uh, it's phenomenal, man. I'm happy yeah. for both of you. I mean, honestly, what I said to Sam, and this is like a decent segue, um, I said to Sam Corcus that for those that don't know, the, the man behind this whole machine, the, the, the man behind Pilgrim Studios and Street Outlaws and No Prep Kings and Fastest in America and Gone Girl and all these things, uh, all this automotive racing-centric programming on Discovery Channel, Sam, I said to him, I said, man, this, this is what these guys deserve. Like going back to that moment, Murder Nova coming down the return road, I want every drag racer to, to experience. I believe that we operate in the great American motorsport. I truly do. I believe drag racing is far and away the greatest motorsport on the planet Earth. It, it puts all this other stuff to shame. And I'm talking about drag racing as a whole. I say it almost yep. every week. What's the most exciting part of a NASCAR race? The drag race to the finish line. Two cars side by side coming out of the last turn. Same goes for IndyCar. Same goes for Formula One. Same goes for Monster Jam. Two vehicles side by side with a couple of badasses behind the wheel. It doesn't get any better, in my opinion. And I was so thrilled, not only for Murder Nova, but like everybody that was getting this hero's welcome because like... We all know how hard this is, how much time it takes, how much money it takes, time away from home, time away from family, time away from the business. And to see these men and women get that reward, get that feedback from the crowd, um, it, it was it was an awesome thing to see. And that that brings me to my next question. And I've only got a couple of more for you guys. Bear with me. Um, Sam Corcus just talked about him. Incredible thing. What do you make of him, Justin? You've raced in a lot of different circles. You you out you explained to us, Robin. You've been to Outlaw Arm again. You've done the airport racing. You've mm -hmm. done all of that type of stuff. When you look at all the other places to race, and I'm not you know asking to like stir the pot or anything, but what's your big takeaway from what Sam has created here? What do you think that maybe other sanctioned series promoters could learn from Sam Corcus and what he has going on with No Prep Kings? Um. One thing I like about Sam, and Sam helps me out tremendously. Me and him, we talk at least once or twice a week. Um, and he kind of guides me in what I need to do, what I try to stay away from. Uh, but one thing I like about him, and he'll even tell you, the, he's the only captain. He's the only one that is steering. He tells me all the time, he goes, I'm the only one that's steering the boat. My hands are the only one that's on the wheel. He goes, there's nobody else in there. He goes, what I say goes, it is what it is. And that's what's a good thing about it. I think a lot of these other and not, not talking about them, but I think there's a, too many uh, too many chiefs and not, not enough Indians. Um, so with that, there's too many people that is trying to put something in to be able to say, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that, instead of just one person. 
Uh, one thing I do like about Sam, and I tell people all the time, I'm a content creator. He's giving you the platform to be able to grow your brand. I know after this one year of being on MPK, my brand is going to skyrocket. We've already talked about it. I already see the numbers happening now. He get he lets you come run for $40,000 free. Uh, every driver that comes in there doesn't have to pay a dime. They don't have to pay a dime for their uh, crew members. He gives you the TV platform to grow your brand. I tell people all the time, there's people in there, I won't mention names, but have been doing the street outlaw deal for the last six, seven years and don't have a brand. And it blows my mind because there's so much money that's on the table that can be made. He can't do it for you. You have to be able to put in what you are wanting to get out. Um, so I seen a post the other day and I actually re reposted it. It says what you take for granted, somebody else will fight for. And that's what I talk to people all the time. I see, I see it every day with even people in MPK. They're, they want so much out of it, but they don't want to put into it. And I think that's where it changes for me because I'm able to come in. I will put the work in. I have been doing it. I do this for a living. I plan on continue to do this, keep on getting bigger. And just having him to be able to give me the platform to be able to keep doing this, um, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I tell people all the time, this is the only organization that you can actually go and make money from racing. And I've been in almost every class you could think of. So and, I, I love it. And I agree with Justin. Like, like this guy is really brilliant. He, he was a part of real world, like the first reality stuff. That's how long he's been in it. And we're like, we're lucky enough to have him guiding this ship and helping us get going. And, and Justin, I don't talk to him much. You know, I run a big company and do some stuff, but you know, every time I talk to him, he's brilliant. The things that he tells you, they, they're all, they're like almost always right. I mean, he's just right on. He'll tell, like he texted me this morning and said, dude, I knew when this, this episode came out, it'd be hard for you. Keep your head up. He said some things like that. You know, we talked and, um, you know, that's the kind of guy he is too. He, he reaches out. He, he knows that we put our heart and soul into it. He reaches out to us and, and wants us to do well and be seen. Well, where, where's, you know, you kind of feel like sometimes, like sometimes you feel like, man, why, why, why did that happen? Or why didn't they show it quite like that? And the truth is he's making a show. He knows where he's guiding it. And you say to him, Hey, what's going on? What about this? And he gives you tips. And I mean, Justin, I think uh, definitely one, I mean, my career is separate from him wanting to do this. He couldn't be in a better place. Than, I than agree. And I mean, how much, I think you have a unique perspective, Robin, because like there's no shame. You have a big successful business. And yeah. I think that that's probably made you recognize this opportunity maybe in a different sense, right? Like Absolutely. you don't necessarily need this to pay your bills or anything, but if you look at the, the grand scheme of things and you look at the landscape that exists in drag race, you're going, Hey, there's an opportunity here to, to go to the top really quickly. Yeah, and I feel incredibly blessed just to be here. Um, you're right. I don't. I don't have. I don't have to have the, the show pay me. I'm. I'm very lucky. But on uh, on the other level, I know what I have, and I yes. love this forum. It's so much fun. And the other thing, in, in all honesty, I can I can put some money over here, expense it, put it through the marketing funds, and when the IRS comes and says, like, "Yep, I was on Discovery Channel all the time with my label, my brand, Central Power Systems." worth every penny. What can no, absolutely. I mean, and that's, I mean, we've actually done stories in drag illustrated about how to like make your race program yeah. work for you when it comes to finances. And it's, uh, there's no doubt about it. All right. Closing comments. We got two races left. 
How do you guys feel headed into uh, Louisiana? I talked to Jim Hughes last night. He's already there scraping all the glue off the track, scraping all the rubber off the track, trying to make it as horrible as possible for you guys. He does. Um, you know, what, what's your uh, what's your take headed into these last two races of the year? Justin, you, you feeling good, man? I mean, do you think that you can upset the apple cart? From what I understand, the final race of the season is double points. Um, so nope. there's still there's a lot of room here. Um, yeah, me and Robin, we're tied for second right now. Uh, like I told him, I mean, at the end of the day, we're both there to run for the 40,000 and run for the championship. Um, I think it's going to be whoever the best to win it. Uh, me winning the Texas race put me in a good position. Car is running extremely strong right now. Um, it is. I think I showed my hand more than I should have um, because now – Everybody else knows that they got to go back to the drawing board and, and try to get faster for these last. Someone two said that they Ryan Martin is live right now somewhere testing. They that he's live on Facebook or I whatever believe, right now yeah. testing. Yeah, I, I the guy needs I'm, a job so he can keep up with him. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what he does for that's what he does for a living. Um, and and that's what my ultimate goal is is to be able to. I mean, I do it for a living, but to be able to get paid and be able to go to the test track appearances and all that. I mean, that's what the ultimate goal is. And right now, everything seems to be lining up perfectly. So sooner or later, it'll happen. But uh, I just got to keep pushing forward with it. But going into the last two races, I think the cars run extremely strong. I ordered a bunch of parts this week. I just told my dad, I don't want and I hope knock on wood uh, me talking about right now or anything. But I hope a part failure doesn't um affect anything i think we've been doing good rounds we've been to the last four semifinals and then finally pulled a final out uh, against robin um but uh i think we're gonna have it's gonna be uh, a strong ending to the end of the season we need ryan to go out one round uh first round here early Game this early. week hopefully he can pull hopefully i mean i hope i pull him. um i'd rather go ahead and get with him early and just figure it out if he beats me then i don't deserve to win it it is what it is but uh I want to go ahead and get him out early. Let's run for the championship at the end of the year. Um, that's $100,000 to the champion. I, I could use that. We got uh, some new stuff happening for next year. We got Sounds like you're building a new car. Yeah, um, we're uh, we're doing a new deal for next year. I'm trying to talk the works with Cameron right now. I'm getting hooked up with a few people's sponsorship and all that. I think we've done good this year, and my name has kind of got out there a little bit more to where – People are actually hitting me up as in, hey, I want to be on for next year, which is awesome because it helps. Um, I don't I'm not a millionaire. I, I work every day. I, I don't try to make a million million dollars off of sponsorship and all that. So whatever money that people do give, it goes right into the program and it helps out. And I tell everybody what they get. This is what you're going to get. If you don't like it, so be it. If you do like it, you can come on board with us. And uh, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I just tell, I said, we're, we have vulgar language. Uh, this is what we post on the internet. You can check it out. If it's for you, it's for you. <laughs> if it's not, then it's not. It's okay. I, I apologize. I tell, I said, but I, I'm not going to change. Uh, and that's probably the reason why I don't have no corporate sponsors because I'm just not going to change. I'm not going to sit up here with a suit and tie and, uh, and I'm respectful, but I like to have fun and I like to stir the pot. Well, you've done a great job of it. Yes. Robin, how about you? Like, why don't you answer for us <clears throat> the three cars? Are, we're close. I mean, do you feel like you got a hot rod? Can can If you draw Ryan Martin in round one in Louisiana, are you confident you got a car that can put him to send him home? You know, the honest answer is uh, my car is a temperamental car. Uh, when it's working, 
you're in trouble when it, when it seems to get a little bit off, it's just, it's a little tougher. And I think that's just the format and, and, you know, we're going to have to make some adjustments in the off season. I got a new car coming together too. And I so mean, we saw Mike Moran move or not Mike Moran, Mike Bowman move away from the turbo combination, yeah. which shocked me. I never thought it, I'd see the day Bowman had, didn't have a car with turbos under the hood. Well, um, it is the car's just finicky. Um, so I really think Justin's got the best shot at taking Ryan. If somebody does, um, I think we'll probably end up in that, that two to four slot and, or maybe, you know, and that, and that's kind of our goal coming into the season was to be in the top five the whole season. So that would have been great for me. We've been in four of 13 races finals. So we've done a good job. Uh, we want to race, you know, we, we've had a, we've had a great season, but do I have the car to do it? If it's on that day, if we hit it just right, yes. If not, I mean, uh, I think the other cars are more consistent, and just faster. So we'll 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 struggle to keep with them. Are you going to stick with turbos? Uh, we are working on a plan. Okay, there we go. There we have it. Well, hey, Robin, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Uh, Justin, always a pleasure to have you on here, man. Um, and I was going to ask you guys if everything works out next Monday, and I know you're going to be traveling. Uh, we've got this brand new show we're doing on Monday nights, the Drag Illustrated Ride Along. If you guys aren't throwing like a watch party, um, I'd love to have you guys join us. We watch the show as, and we react to it live. Last week we had Dave Comstock on and it was great to get like, he kind of tells us the behind of the scenes of what we're watching. The week before that we had Jeff Lutz. So if we could get you guys locked in to uh, watch the show with us one of these Mondays, that would be badass. Man, I'd love to do it. Killer. I know, yeah. Justin, you're well, always down to talk trash on the internet, so it'll be fantastic. Yeah. Tell I'm your pops hi, man, and uh, be careful Louisiana going. Right now. What now? He's in Louisiana right now. He's I know he. I didn't. So homeboy just stays on the road. Is, did <laughs> yeah. both your cars go straight to Louisiana? Uh, the Lexus did. Robin, um, did you take your car home or? Yeah, we brought it home. We okay. we threw rods and it did some maintenance, and then we'll haul it down. That's yeah, spectacular, he, uh, man. So he's actually already out there now. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow night with our our guys, and we're gonna drive through the night, get there on Friday morning. Um, and then unload and see what happens. I'm sure Robin's going to pull the fucking team attack again. He's had it the last. Yeah, I always races. do. I don't even want it. And I get it. It's hilarious. He's had it, last, he's had it the last six races in a row. Uh, but he does great during the invitational, but the team attack's got his number. Like it, he just... it's back to the <laughs> temperament. It is like that. I said that team attack's got me in headlocks, been giving me a noogie the whole season, man. I've just been struggling, but I love the team aspect and I, we'll have to have you guys back on and we will actually, if we can get you on Monday night, I want to talk about the team aspect. I think it's something that we don't see enough of in other parts of drag racing that yeah. kind of just adds an element of excitement and another storyline to pay attention to. But seriously, thank you guys both so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Justin Swanstrom and Robin Roberts. Thank you guys. See you guys. See you fellas. See you Holy cow, man. What, uh, JT murdered murder tundra Mike Carpenter yeah, what what's going on guys man we've that was fantastic right I mean yeah, I, yeah. yin and yang right there it <laughs> really a, is yin and yang right that's a great combo and I mean Swanstrom you have to give him credit he's doing all the things that we tend to preach about on this show and uh, getting out of it what he's putting into it he, even though he's yep. on a huge platform like that he's he mentioned or he didn't name any names but there's tons of guys that. Uh, kind of expect it all to come to them and aren't building a brand or really capitalizing on the opportunity. And I, he's, he's crazy. doing it right. Yeah. Crazy. What love him or hate him. I mean, he's, he's doing it right. And when he's For not, what it's worth, man, he's right. I mean, I, there's yeah. some people yeah. in our industry 
I hope we're listening. You know what I mean? Because we, how long, JT, have I been saying it on this show? Like probably five years. You yep. cannot wait for Fox or Discovery Channel to show up and make you famous and make you rich. Like you've got to take matters into your own hands. And we've got the tools to do so. Before Justin was on Street Outlaws or on No Prep Kings, he already had his own YouTube channel. He was posting on social all the time. I mean, he he was playing this selling game, apparel, yep, selling yep. apparel before he was on the show. And I think so many people like they they're just going to wait till they're famous to be right. like, oh, I guess we should lean into it now. He was already kind of building this and just needed an opportunity like he's gotten with Absolutely. MDK to launch yep. it. Well, with uh, <clears throat> with that said, guys, I want to remind everybody that the West Buck show is brought to you by our friends at flowracing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with our guys at Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events. Last weekend's No Mercy, Donald Logg's big production at South Georgia Motorsports Park, No Lights Out, Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA Tour, Chris Graves' Funny Car Chaos, Jason Miller's World Cup Finals, Mel Ross Street Car Super, Super Nationals, and much, much more. The coolest part about Flow Racing, though, other than being able to watch drag racing literally 24-7, it's unbelievable, is that, in my opinion, what these people are doing is truly important to our sport. Like I said, it's a little bit personal for me, for someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes drag racing, but Flow Racing is contributing to the bottom line of many of our sport's best-known promoters, best-known tracks, and it's so important. The, the partnerships formed by Flow Racing with promoters and drag racing serve only to grow the sport and put racers and events in front of more eyeballs and give them an opportunity to race for more money. So please realize that the platform provided by Flow Racing is changing drag racing for the better, and there's no limit to the good they can do. So log on to flowracing.com slash drag illustrated. Let them know that uh, we sent you and join the movement that is Flow Racing. Guys, we've got uh, a whole lot to cover. We're headed into, I think, hour three almost. We're two and a half hours in. We've had a hell of a crowd here. I do want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Whether you're watching along on YouTube, watching along on Facebook, please know that we appreciate it. We say it ad nausea, but we mean it. Your comments, your engagement, your involvement in this deal, it's like oxygen to us. I can echo everything that Robert, Robin and Justin just said. It's so important to have this interactive relationship with the drag racing masses, and we're so proud of it, and we're so thankful for you to be here. Please remember, click like, click share, click subscribe. I think they hit the cool kids say, smash that subscribe button or at least that's what everybody on my kids' YouTube channels say. Please follow this and uh, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. It's very important. So without further ado, uh, JT, bring Mike back for a minute. We're going to switch gears and talk PDRA drag racing. I said this early in the show that out of all the racing that was going on this past weekend, and there was obviously some killer stuff happening, we've been talking about it a lot, but the competition on display in Pro Nitro, PDRA Pro Nitrous, PDRA Pro Boost, PDRA Extreme Pro Stock, PDRA Pro Outlaw 632. It's almost unspeakable. It was one of the most, one of the finest performances, that opening round of eliminations at, at the World Finals at Virginia Motorsports Park. I really think was one of the best performances, best rounds of racing that I've ever seen. And I'm excited to have this guy join us. I believe that he is the most dominant force in door slammer drag racing. Uh, I, I've been calling him all day long, just getting ready. The champ, 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 triple champ, trip champ, whatever you want to call it. He's done it three times in a row. I thought you were Ladies saying chomp, chomp, chomp. Like no, no, no. Champ. Oh, okay. Well, you I could maybe like do like chomp, yeah. chomp, chomp. No, Copyright. champ, champ, champ. The one Copyright. and only ladies and gentlemen. Give it up. That, Jim. So Jim Halsey. Bring him on. 
What's up, Jimmy? Gosh, what's how are up, you? Man? Man, thank you so much for taking some time. I'm sorry we had you in the green room forever there, um, but I appreciate you hanging out with us and being patient. It's these live format deals. You never know. Something kind of goes off the rails. You try to bring it back. You never know how it's going to end up, but I appreciate your patience. And I guess let's get right down to it. Congratulations, man. What a it's. I don't know how many more accolades we can pile on you and, and Brandon and Kathy and Erica and the crew, but holy crap, man, you guys did it again. Uh, there was a time, Jim, that I didn't think we'd ever see. I didn't know if we'd see Jim Halsey drag racing again. But man, you're back and uh, in rare form, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, there was a time that we weren't sure we were going to be back either. So, you know, with this new car, it turned our program around pretty quickly and getting hooked up with Brandon and a lot of testing and it's all paid off. Tell me how much does test it? How much do you think that that attention to detail, when I look at what you and uh, Brandon Schweitzer, of course, who you're talking about, uh, and, and Eric Davis, what I see in your guys' pit area is, A, some harmony. Um, you, you guys, everybody knows their role. Everybody knows their task. There's not, it's the same cast of characters every time I come around. Uh, that's something that I talk about all the time is that consistency, the same group. Everybody kind of knows their place and their responsibility. How, how how critical to the success of your program, Jim, do you think that group of people is and that, that continuity that exists amongst your team? Well, I think it's very important because we don't have to ask each other questions. We each know that we're going to do our jobs. We're going to do them correctly. Um, it's just, it's just like a well-oiled machine. It runs, runs all but perfect. Yeah. It sounds cliche, but you can see it from a mile away that it, I was going to say that exact line. It's like a well-oiled machine and it's cool because no one's stepping on each other's toes. And I, I mean, I experienced it a lot. Drag racing is a backbreaking deal. And I remember my dad, when we were growing up, we'd have people come like, Hey, I want to go racing with you sometime. And you're like, Oh, okay. It's, it, it's not, always as much fun as it might look like, you know, and we'd have someone come along with us. And by the time we'd put the awning up and got the car on unloaded and on pro jacks and it's 6,000 degrees out, they've decided they're never going drag racing again. So when you get a group of people that's that dedicated, I mean, what can you say about Brandon, Eric, Kathy being as dedicated as they are? Uh, it's, it's overwhelming to me to see what they do and, and, and the enthusiasm they have toward it, the, the effort they put toward everything. Um, to be honest with you, if, if I couldn't do it with them, I don't think I would do it any longer. I believe it. And I can see it on your face, man. You guys roll, you guys roll deep. Uh, it's a, it's a small group, but it's like hardcore and passionate, man. And you guys have really set the bar for everybody in pro nitrous right now. Whenever you look at the scene, you know, it, things intensified there late in the season. It looked like you were running away from it. I was like literally scraping the bottom of the barrel on the Caruso show to try to pick somebody that wasn't you just to, to try to make things interesting. But you were cleaning house from start to finish. But uh, here late in the season, we saw some guys kind of come along. Jay Cox kind of reintroduced himself to the mix. Tommy Franklin went out with a bang, won the race, kind of got back into his usual form. Can you just kind of take us through 2021 for you, like looking at the pro nitrous landscape? It, it started out really good for us. We won, we won a lot and we went to uh, Bowling Green and um, we underestimated our opponent, lost on a whole shot. We both ran identical ETs. Um, that stung a little bit, so I think that woke us up for a few races. And then when we got to Maple Grove, we lost first round, and that was uh, a big heartbreaker close to home in front of a bunch of family and friends. Um, after that, we kind of got our act together, except for my red light in Galat. So 
finished off. Well, hey, man. I mean, honestly, I was so surprised to see that red light, but it actually made me feel good in a way. I mean, it was horrible for you, but it just showed that you're not taking any of these guys lightly. I think there was a point in the season and kind of just the last few years that you were like, it was seemed like a foregone conclusion that you were going to be there in the final or at least deep elimination rounds. And it was kind of nice to go like, you know what? Even our reigning champion, the baddest guy out here, is still pushing it. You know what I mean? And what does that say for the guys you're racing, Jim? I mean, obviously, we can pour the compliments on you and the accolades, but you've been pressed by this group of people to get to where you are, right? Oh, no doubt about that. I mean, if you, don't, if you don't keep pressing on, I mean, they'll catch you, pass you, and, and you'll be the guy chasing them. What do you look forward to in 2022? I mean, where do you see the program going? We saw all these cars dipping well down into the 360s. You clipped off a 359 earlier this season. I mean, do you feel like there's going to be a continued escalation of the performance of these cars, or do you think they've kind of got them in a sweet spot right now? I think they're in a sweet spot. I think you'll see a little progression. I don't think you'll see a tenth or anything like that in the next few years, but it wouldn't surprise me to see a 57, 58, if we get the racetrack and the conditions. What is your plans for the rest of the season, Jim? I mean, are you going to hit up some of these late season, big money outlaw races? Our plan is to go to Bradenton for the snowbirds in December, and then we'll hit the U S street nationals in January again, and then head right back into defending your crown and going for the, for the fourth world championship. Tell me a little bit about having all this success with your dear friend, Gene Fulton at the awards banquet last year, or I guess actually earlier this year, they had it in the spring because PRI was canceled, but it was, seeing Gene at your table and knowing how close you guys have been for as long as, I mean, I remember the days when everybody aspired to have a Fulton decal on their hood scoop. You know I mean? Like that was a status symbol in our industry. I remember we would actually get in trouble with it because we published so many photos that had Fulton on the hood scoop and it would be like, Hey, this is not my doing. We're not choosing to do this. They just win. Everybody's got that. Those are the guys. I mean, that's who was winning. And uh, it's an incredible thing. What's it been like for you? To, to be flying Gene Fulton's, you know, Fulton competition's flag for all these years and then still today having all the success? Well, the, the, the story of us doing well at the beginning of uh, our deal in early 2000s and up to about 2008 or 2009 with Gene stuff, and then we kind of fell, fell off the path a little bit after our fire and stuff like that, and to come back and, and for lack of a better term, dominate with uh, his stuff, I'm pretty proud that I can do that. Oh, I think it's fantastic, man. I mean, it's uh, that's one of the things that we don't see. I mean, like the drama in NHRA Pro Stock is that like almost every car has a Chevy engine in it, right? Even the Mustangs have Chevy engines in them um, at different times. The Dodges have Chevy engines in them. Everybody pretty much has the same stuff. And one of the funnest parts, in my opinion, and I want to bring Mike in here for this uh, as well. How much do you think, Mike, that it adds to like the overall energy and enthusiasm around Pro Nitrous to have, you know, Charlie Buck, Pat Musey, Gene Fulton, Billy Albert, right? I mean, because there's like quite the cast of characters just building engines. Yeah, absolutely. It's for a while there, uh, there wasn't all of that competition, but it's really gotten to the level where all any of these engine builders uh, could go out and win. And to see the variety, to me, that is kind of like the variety of the power adders that you see in the other classes. You've got the variety of engine builders in Pro Nitrous. So it's, it's all cool. But I mean, to shout out to Gene Fulton, it really started uh, with him in the early days. So it, where we are now, I don't think we'd be where we are if it wasn't for an innovator like Gene Fulton, who's just a guy, an outside the box thinker. If you've ever met Gene, um, his wheels are always turning and you never know what the, what that guy's going to come up with next. 
Jim, do you think that that's what has kept his like allowed him to do this all these years? Is that outside the box thinking, trying stuff that other people aren't trying? And he still does it today. I mean, really? He's, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's a lot closer to retirement than he was a few years ago. But I mean, we talk not a whole lot, but when we do, he's got ideas of trying stuff and trying to make things better and more durable. Give us some technical juice. Like, what's something crazy that you guys have tried? I mean, what? What's give, give us an example? I'm just curious. Like. Give us a fun example of something that you guys have tried. Years ago, we tried the the, the cold push system. It was it was pretty fast, but it was very hard on parts. I mean, we tore some stuff up. That was probably back in 2006, 2007. We ran fast, but, I mean, we spent a ton of money trying to make it work and, and ended up ditching it because it didn't work. But Yeah, we need a list, Jim, of all those things that you tried and what was real (laughs) and what we only heard that was just a rumor because it was always something coming out of that camp. But now you've got you've got Fulton and then you've got Brandon Schweitzer, too. So you've got really two outside the box thinkers, one that's uh, maybe more old school and then one that's like a, a scientist like Brandon Schweitzer. So what's it like having that combination together? Well, uh, you take the best of both worlds there. I mean, Gene builds high horsepower stuff that's durable and, and branded pushes it to the limits. And I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves. It's, it's like a dream team. It really is because I, I wonder sometimes, like if you think about what used to be associated with making some of the runs that you guys make, like, you know, heads off, things destroyed, putting a rack in it, you know, I mean, that was like, you heard that. Like anytime you were at an IHRA national event or, you know, the early NHRA pro mod stuff or even ADRL pro nitrous, like some of those runs, like you go by the pits and it's, I mean, it's a thrash. What, what do you make of the reliability of these engines in this day and age, Jim? I mean, are you surprised by the way you're able to run uh, without tearing them up all the time? Well, at times we are. I mean, sometimes we tear them up a lot yeah. of time, tearing them up and fixing them and, stuff like that you know back in january in the bradenton race we had the engine part i think three times on elimination day so um the air conditions had something to do with that but uh that's what it took to to win the race how i mean what at the end of the season there jim when you look i mean what was your takeaway from that vmp race this is one of those races that typically you know there's almost always some sort of weather situation or something that causes it to drag out I thought that was a really impressive performance just as a whole. I mean, how proud of you? How proud are you to be a champion in the PDRA? Like knowing what you know about drag racing, being around this for as long as you have, you've raced in every sanction and series, you own a drag strip. I mean, how special is it to win a championship in the PDRA? To see them pull off an event of that size, um, you know, even they they had rain Saturday afternoon late um, and finished early on Sunday, I was pretty impressed. I mean, that's one thing we pride, we pride ourselves on at Cecil County Dragway is big car counts and finishing races on time and uh, and stuff like that. So uh, I'm very proud to, you know, the competition we have is, like you said, a bunch of 60s, first round, second round. I think um, that's going to be the show for 2022, I'm sure. So what do you make of it whenever I say that we should combine those classes? Do you want to throttle me or do you think that, do you, do you see something there? I mean, obviously we saw the boosted cars were, you know, very fast this weekend. The conditions were there to, for them to be fast and there was clearly a margin, but I'm just curious, like, do you want to choke the life out of me when I say that we should combine pro nitrous and pro boost or do you, what's your take? I think for the specialty races, like the shakedown, the snowbirds, yellow bullet national, stuff like that. I think it's awesome. 
Right. It adds excitement, but I think on a series that starts in the spring and goes through the summer and ends in the fall, there's going to be times where boost cars have advantage. There's going to be time where the nitrous cars has advantage. So I actually heard the wildest thing this last week and I had never thought about it, but like, and this was a, a promoter said this to me. He goes, it's seasonal rules. You have to have the rules change with the season or change with the venue. And I thought, holy shit, like this is complicated enough. I wouldn't want um, that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like this is complicated. However, I did kind of find it as a unique thing because that's what we see in the NHRA Pro Mod world, right? I mean, the cars go somewhere where it's favorable for that combination, the turbo cars in Bristol or the turbo cars in uh, Vegas or what have you, the turbo cars in Denver, got a clear advantage. Then you go somewhere else. I don't know. It seemed like John Sears is probably breaking out in a sweat right now um, just <laughs> yeah, over the suggestion of something like that. But it, you're, to your point, it's so hard to, to, to create parity when it's a moving target. Conditions, location, time of year, it's difficult. Um, it could change from look at this past weekend. Yeah. Friday, Saturday was warm. Sunday was cold. I mean, the density altitude dropped thousands of feet. So, I mean, you can't make a rule change between qualifying and elimination. So that'd be kind of tough. It would be tough. I mean, and it's but it is an interesting perspective. I won't. I have a kind of look from the perspective of a track owner, Jim. This past weekend, we've talked about this a lot. We had No Mercy twelve, huge radial tire racing race going on down in Valdosta, Georgia. We had the PDRA putting on a big show in Virginia. No Prep Kings packing the place in in Dallas, Texas. And we also had the NHRA with a huge crowd on Saturday as the, the NHRA returned to Bristol Dragway. How good do you feel about our sport right now? I mean, how good do you – is that a proud moment for you? Yeah, based on what we see at the PDR races and what we see at our place, uh, it's been a very good year spectator-wise, uh, racer-wise as well. I think, uh, I think it's a trending upward, and hopefully it continues to do that. What's your take on no prep racing and this type of stuff? Have you guys gotten into doing any of the Cecil County is known for being one of like the best prep tracks in the country. So it's kind of probably an awkward thing for you to even discuss. But I mean, has that type of racing kind of tickled your fancy at all? Not from a racing perspective, but just from an organizer and a promoter perspective. We've had some requests for it, but it's so difficult to unprep a racetrack after we've done what we've done for the last 20 years. So, uh, would I do it? I probably would try it, but the opportunity hasn't really presented itself yet. I was just curious because it's, uh, I truly do believe that a high tide lifts all boats. And when I see the pits and the grandstands at all these different races, different parts of the country, different types of racing, it just seems like our sport is in a really good place, right? I mean, for all the hubbub about electric cars or whatever's going on with the government at any given time, going green initiatives, drag racing seems to be enjoying a little bit of a resurgence, a significant resurgence, in my opinion. I agree with that 100%. I mean, we've seen that. I, I, maybe it has something to do with the, the COVID deal last year, but I mean, our attendance is, is quite quite a bit higher this year than it was last year. Well, it's good to hear, man. Well, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. I just wanted to make sure that we we, we had a chance to bring you on here, celebrate. Uh, again, I truly think that you guys have the most dominant hot rod indoor slammer drag racing, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Can we expect you to come out, I guess, and defend your title in 22? That's the plan. That's the plan? All right. Well, hey, send a, send a well wish to everybody. Say hi to Eric, Kathy, and everybody, and I hope to uh, see you at the Snowbirds. We'll be there. All right, brother. Thanks, Thank you John. very much. Thanks, All right, Mike, Murder Tundra, my squad. I tell you what, I think it is uh, time to cue the music. Uh, let, let's cue the music. I'll and throw the cut scene up and get ready for what I believe to be 
probably the most enjoyable part of this whole well, JT, deal. I'm pretty sure he already started. I, already, I just <laughs> assume that it's already after hours. It is, right? It's, got it's pretty much already after my hours. I'm going to fix a cocktail. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back as we head to the finish line on the West Buck Show. Ready for this? Yep, here we go. Ready. Oh, we should have had uh, we should have had Halsey on in the after hours. I'm sure he's got a cold Coors Light ready. I didn't realize he was a Coors, Coors Light guy. In a bar. Oh yeah. How about the oh, music? Yeah. I think the music adds to adds to this, don't you? Absolutely. Well, I think hey, between JT and the Halsey camp, that's a major uh, Coors Light um, uh, segment right there. They they keep those guys in business. Definitely sponsored, Bob. Yeah. Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drag Illustrated After Hours. Here, I'll turn the music up for just a second so you think you're at our party at TRI. Uh, we brought in one of our – I thought about this over the weekend. I said we need to bring a guest in for After Hours. It needs to be somebody that's got like a perspective on a lot of different stuff, not like a singular focus. Uh, obviously, he has a singular focus as the GM at Virginia Motorsports Park and the race – the series director at PDRA, but let's give it up for my buddy, longtime friend, and Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30 alumni, Tyler Crossno. What's cracking, big dog? Man, I woke up from my nap, man. I just oh, want to man. thank everybody before me for talking long. Uh, <laughs> let me catch up on a nap. JT woke me up. So <laughs> You're sleeping during our show? <laughs> Kick him off. Bye. Hey, is it, <laughs> it's it's after five here yeah. on the East Coast. Yeah. Will, uh, exactly. Will Tommy and Judy let you sneak in a drink, or is that – you got to go off property. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, my goodness. Um, Stan Waxberg says too many guests. We had a lot of guests today. It's. I thought it went really well. Though. We had a lot of fun. I had fun watching. I think it's tough, I think it, man. That, I mean, that was this, pretty good managing all those guests. There was so much drag racing last weekend. Robin golf and uh, Justin yeah, together. You know I mean? Golf they, clap. We kind of sure. had to get everybody on. Cut us, think, a, cut us some slack, Stan. Yeah, I think, to be honest, when it's weekends like this, there's just so much to cover. And if you think about all the people we left out, I mean, because in fairness, like we could have heard from Kevin Rivenbark. We should have probably heard from John DeFlorian, right? I mean, we probably should have heard from Alexis DeJoria. Like Mike Salinas hasn't won in a year, right? We probably should have heard from Mike Salinas. And it, it's just... And I kind of actually really relate to Robin Roberts because I'm that guy, too, that wants to, like, get along with everybody and I want to be everybody's friend. And, you know, I, you know, Sunday night when races are in ending or Saturday night when races are ending, I'm taking notes like, OK, this guy's well-spoken and verbose or this guy's funny, you know, that type of thing, because I want to have them all on because I want everybody to have their moment in the sun. I mean, like, I'm really proud of the platform we've developed here. Uh, we get a lot of eyeballs. We get a lot. We, we can provide a lot of exposure to people. And I know it's important for, I mean, it's great for us selfishly, but I want guys to get the opportunity to thank their crews and talk about their backstory and let people get to know them a little bit. So I apologize that we had an action packed show today and we'll, we'll probably pull it back to our normal two or three guests next Wednesday. But Mike, I really think this is setting the stage for us doing two shows a week in 22. I think that's where it's headed. Yeah. And uh, someone in the comments said, does Wes know that there's actually a Tuesday night, no prep? King show also has to delete it. I, I tried to delete the comment. <laughs> I know it's on, it's, but I just it's, it's so there. much. Like so I can't. Uh, three three nights. 
Yeah, three nights because I'm doing three nights, three days right now. Like I'm yeah. Mondays is our the Drag Illustrated ride along. This Tuesday it is, it's we got the Carusos. Easy. It's not easy, man. It's I a mean, lot it's, of work that goes into this. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. We'll learn from you one day. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, Tyler, right here in front of God and everybody else. Congratulations, man. I hope you feel good about, I mean, you're very, uh, a grateful young man and you're quick to give kudos to everybody on the team and you were naming names, Kyle, John, Tommy, Judy, you were dropping names left and right you, and you do a great job. You're a gracious young man, but you deserve some credit, buddy. That was a great race, uh, a fantastic event this past week. They've all been great. You've had a ton of killer ones in 2021, but that was a, I mean, it had to feel good to end the year on that note. It did. Um, to end the year, on the world finals ending when it was supposed to yeah. ending actually on time when it was supposed to um, even after fighting weather on Saturday, losing a little bit of the goal that we wanted to accomplish um, by getting first round of some of the sportsman classes, some of the big fields done on Saturday, get ahead for Sunday uh, lost some of that time. Uh, we actually would have been done around an hour earlier based off of kind of our run times on Sunday. If we could have got that in on Saturday, but Hats off to the team, man. I, I mean, I can't – I know they are still hating me from being in their <laughs> ear all weekend long going, look, we're two minutes behind. You need to come on. And and just being able to keep that process rolling through the entire event. And everybody did their jobs from my team at VMP, from the PDRA staff, um, everybody from the gates to the water box to top-end crew, everybody in between. Um, I, I mean, just absolute one of the most perfect weekends, so to speak, um, even with fighting weather, um, could have probably got back on the racetrack Saturday night. Uh, even after the rain came through, it was a high, I mean, super high headwind right down the center of the racetrack and it dried the racetrack by itself in 30 minutes. And it's amazing. Man. It's it was like one of those deals where like, uh Oh, I think I might've made the wrong call here. I could have kept racing. Um, but it was honestly one of those deals where guys came up and they're like, Hey man, we can all go out and get a good dinner get a good night's rest. Some people didn't get a good night's rest and uh, come in on Sunday morning, be ready to race for a championship. So it was really neat. Um, just everybody involved. Uh, we totaled up all the car counts and all that the other day. Um, 325 entries uh, for the world finals, uh, right at the largest car count of, of the year, uh, coming off of one of the largest spectator events uh, with Drag Wars at Galat just a couple weeks before. So Heck of a way to end the year for the PDRA. And uh, with VMP, we still got another month, month and a half to go until Thanksgiving. And we'll rock and roll till then. Has this been your uh, smoothest year so far? Uh, are you asking for weather purposes or like racing? Purposes? Well, I mean, let's I just know, be you, honest. You've, you've had lots of, lots of weather every year, right? Oh, I yeah. Mean, but, but, but uh, you know, as far as everybody working together, has this been probably the smoothest year from your staff? 100%. Um, coming off of a COVID year where Everything was weird. Yeah, that was, Let's yeah. just be honest. Everything was weird last year. Um, coming into this year, kind of a fear of the unknown. Are people mm -hmm. going to come to races? Are people going to sit at home and watch the live feed? Um, what is going to happen when it comes time to open the gates? And from race one to race eight, uh, or race nine, if you want to count pro stars, um, really one of those deals where it was just like action packed all night long, all day, all weekend long. Um, even through weather, it was just a, a super awesome year. Six great racetracks, um, Galat Motorsports Park, Beach Bend Raceway Park, Summit Motorsports Park, Maple Grove Raceway, Maryland International in Virginia. And um, to ask for better track partners, better facilities for our, our racers to go out to 
um, you can't ask for any better, in my opinion. Um, it was just one of those years where even though you got hit sometimes with weather, um, you just roll through the punches and keep going. And um, Tommy always tells me he's he's the world's best at it. Um, I'll get down quick. I'm, I'm, that's probably my worst trait is I will uh, – I'll start looking at the weather forecast on We're Monday. All guilty of that a little. Oh bit. yeah, Monday morning. Hey, Everybody bro, on this think? on the screen right now. I think, yeah. Like, sure. hey, bro, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, hey, man, it's gonna change 14 times by the time you go to bed tonight. Leave it alone. Go go to the race. Go get it done. And we always say it's better for it to look bad in the week. It's true. Early in the week, it's yeah. cleared up. If it looks awesome early in the week, you've got it's maybe that sounds like a Jr. Gray stat, right? Like. Oh yeah, that that stat he threw at us about after he's already beaten Ricky one time. Now he's the odds are against him. That that kind of blew my mind. But did you guys move the World Finals up on the calendar a little bit this year to try to get away from some of that crazy weather as you get into late October, early November? I know yep. you still battled it a little bit, but at least it wasn't cold or you know fog, dew. You guys about I think you had a hurricane one time. I mean, you yep. guys yeah. have battled everything. So actually, the Galat race. Uh, we moved the Galat race back a week and the the World Finals up a week, so it actually made that that turnaround tight. Um, but for the first time ever in Galat history, we didn't have a hurricane at Galat. That was <laughs> between Galat and Maryland. Those were probably it's the funny two to hear that out races. loud. Oh yeah, it's serious. It's like oh yeah, for the three years I've been here, every time you go to Galat in September, it's like oh yeah, it's gonna rain. But we had a perfect race down there. Um, the staff at Galat had everything perfect whenever we walked in the door, and it was like. Oh, I'm going to put my feet up real quick and going to hang out for a little bit of time. And then we come to Virginia and same thing. You, you move it up a week. You think, man, we're going to be good. Coming into the week, weather forecast looks great on, on long range. You're like, man, it's going to be awesome. Get up Monday morning. And, and this was kind of like the behind the scenes, like, oh, my see gosh, I mean? nobody, nobody sees this. Get up Monday morning and it's you can't see the Christmas tree from race control as foggy <laughs> as it is. And I'm thinking, oh, it's Monday. We'll be fine. Forecast shows good. We'll be in. It's no problem. Um, so Monday, we keep keep going, keep going. And I get a phone call from a machine shop that was doing some work for us. And uh, they actually exploded the axle for the rotator on Monday morning. And we're like, uh-oh, that's like the most important piece of equipment we need. Um, start making phone calls, trying to find out if we can find anything. And uh, nobody around us has got a spare. Oh, boy, what do we do? Um, Randy Lee, who works for us, um, is a machinist and robotics programmer and all that, had the idea of calling a metal shop in North Carolina, had steel in stock. He drove four hours to North Carolina, grabbed it, came back. We cut it, tapped it, all that stuff, threw it in. At the same time, Larry Crisp and Mandamere is overnighting me one from there just for the fact of, hey, look, we know it's not out here. Yeah, we know you're going to need one. That's not going to get you through. And uh, the one that we got went and got in North Carolina on Tuesday got us through Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday night, we went to change tires and it twisted itself in the bearings. So we had to cut it out, put the new one in. All while on Wednesday, our backup tractor and one of our other pieces of equipment uh, had a sensor failure and lost it for the entire weekend. <laughs> so all Do this. Do you ever like, quite like, because like, this sounds crazy. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, like people, I look at this sometimes and I think if, if we told these stories to anyone else, they would be like, y'all need to stop. Y'all dumb. <laughs> y'all need to stop doing what you're doing. I quit three times this week. Just like, <laughs> or last like, week. Just yeah. letting you know. 
Yeah, and, um, it's over. Give up. It was like, yeah, flag on the play. It's just not going to work. And when I they, see these racers on the side of the road, broken down, um, looking for someone to pick up their truck or like, Hey man, if you've got a flatbed, we'll just unload the car, you know, and we just want to get it to the track. And I'm like, how about just go home? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, screw it. You it's know not going mean? to work guys. And it's, I find it very impressive. I really, really do. The dedication level that exists at every level of drag racing. It's pretty impressive. I'm curious being the ultimate. I mean, you just spent, you know, 20 minutes telling us about how hard you had to work on the tire, tra- uh, the rotator. Um, tell me what's your take on no prep, right? Like, does it make your skin crawl? Do you appreciate their place in the industry or, or what's your take on no prep racing as one of the kind of one of the original prep guys? Yeah. Um, I will be honest. This year was the first year that we, we hosted a MPK event. Uh, that'll be airing shortly a couple weeks on discovery. Um, I will be honest. I had a absolute blast at the event. I came into the event going, Hmm, this is going to be different. You know, I mean, normal process for us is, Hey, go out, we're going to scrape the racetrack. No big deal. We do that monthly, even weekly on, on times. And the processes were a little different. You know, normally you go out and start dragging the racetrack, putting the rubber back down. Well, instead of that, we put the scrubber on it and started scrubbing it, taking more glue away. Um, in our racetrack, we have a problem with, with water at times. And we, what I ended up doing was taking it extremely down to bare nothing on the starting line. And it was one of the deals where people were going, some people were like, man, it's not no prep enough. And I'm thinking, there is no more <laughs> no prep in this. Like you can't get any more no prep. Real quick. So that if people that are watching this, a lot of, I recognize here as we've kind of gotten into, uh, got our YouTube channel growing. And I do want to encourage everybody that's watching, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. We really feel like we're just getting started. Uh, super proud of this show. Super proud of the stuff we're doing. But we really believe we're just getting started. We have a whole lot of cool stuff to come late 2021 and a slew of cool stuff that's going to happen in 22. To that point, though, our audience is we're, we're finding our audience while it's growing. There's a, a segment of it, Tyler, that's like less hardcore than we're used to. We're used to communicating with people that like talk about four link bars, you know, and talk about shock setting, like really hardcore people. And I've recognized that as we I'm seeing a lot more comments, you know, about no prep, no prep kings or about street outlaws. And it's more about personalities. So I'm just could you for the people out there that don't understand how this happens. I mean, what you have done for many, many moons now has been go to tracks and, and prep them to the nines, right? Provide the racers the best possible surface. Could you take us through like just a, you can maybe make it specific to Virginia, but what is the process like to de-prep a track? How does that start? What is you, what are you doing? What's Jim Hughes and the gang at no prep Kings doing? What are all the things that you do to make the racetrack as shitty as possible? So like what we did, coming into the event was we took our bobcat um turned it sideways ran the scraper all the way down the eighth mile took as much of the rubber and glue off as we could um that's a normal process for us change that we would normally go into reprep as for the no prep kings event we took the scraper and turned it long ways and then came back and did the same thing again so we actually double scraped the racetrack um which is something we've never done before uh, and, and just even saying it, it's like, gosh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but our goal was knowing how the racetracks operate and how the racetracks react. Uh, one thing that I saw at other events by watching the television show 
or going to them myself, um, if you only scrape to half track or anything like that, you would see a transition in between the two. Um, cars would be under control on the no prep scrape surface, but would enter onto the surface that already that still remained glue, and you could see them moving around a lot on the racetrack. Um, the reason for that is is you didn't have anything that reactivated the glue that was there uh, by not using a tire rotator or, or a flat drag that we use to prep a racetrack on a normal basis. And our game plan going in was to scrape the entire eighth mile by doing so the tire on the race car, so to speak, doesn't see a difference when it's going around and powering down the racetrack. It did not ever see a difference in the fact of there's glue here and then all of a sudden there's none and then there's some more glue and then there's none. We just took it all down as much as we could and did that all the way to the eighth mile. And then coming behind the scrape, um, we broomed everything off, tried to clean it up as best as we could and then used our scrubber, which is had a soap solution, has brushes on the bottom and a squeegee on the back and came out and washed the surface. By doing that, it took the stick that was still there from the traction compound, took that away and really was as, as true of a no prep surface as I could give them. Um, but I will say from a racetrack standpoint, it is very difficult to turn a racetrack that's raced on as much as ours is. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, you can see our calendar behind me. Um, we're on the racetrack probably 150 to 200 days a year with private testing and events on the weekends, if not more than that on, on a real heavy year, which we've had this season. Um, so it's very difficult to take all of the glue away. Um, you go out and scrape it and even the concrete, bare concrete that still remains sticky just because of how much that, that happens through the year. Um, so we did as best as we could to get it off. Um, we had a very smooth event. You'll see that on Discovery coming up soon. Uh, had one little hiccup uh, late in the event, but the uh, the racing was absolutely stellar. Um, the fans, and, and Wes, I was on when you were talking to Justin and, and Robin earlier. You hit the nail on the head with the Murder Nova thing. When when Sean came on the racetrack or Ryan or any of the, the OG true guys that started the program, it was a different level. These fans went to a completely different level. They love their their person. And, and Tommy and I have that conversation a lot about that kind of race is it's just like an NHRA national event. Everybody that pulls in the door and comes to the gate has their guy or girl. Every one of them, whether it's Lizzie Musi, Brittany Force, Kai Kelly, Sean Ellington, whoever it is, you've got your person and they will ride or die with that person till the end of time. And, and you see that in, in a no prep Kings atmosphere. Um, I, I've been to a, just thousands of events and to sit back and watch two cars go down the racetrack and the crowd explode. I mean, flat out explode when the wind light came on. Don't know what they ran. Don't know what their reaction times were. Don't know how fast they were. They just know that their favorite got there first and turned on the wind light. And it was just as loud at the drag strip as it was at a high school football stadium or a college football stadium when seven points go up on the board. And that is just a different level atmosphere. And I think it is wonderful for the sport. Killer that's good, that's analogy. Yeah. Killer. Like, because that's exactly what I experienced at the motorplex this past weekend. Um, it was like, it felt like a college sports environment. It really yep. did. Like it was so much energy. The atmosphere was incredible. Do you look at that stuff and go, cause JT and I talk about this a lot. It's the TV effect. However, you can argue that because 
How much did that resonate with you, Tyler, what, what Justin Swanstrom was saying about taking matters into his own hands? Because in fairness, man, I mean, I, there's a whole lot of promoters that are going, man, I wish I had a couple, I wish I had a couple Justin Swanstroms. Yeah. I mean, yep. it, it, honestly, and I'm not, a, I'm not like a Justin Swanstrom fanboy, but I just rec- I appreciate the hustle. I appreciate the grind and his willingness to do the hard work because that's the shit that most people don't want to do. Videos, going live, doing interviews and all that stuff. That's this. It's fun to go drag race. Everybody wants to go do burnouts and run their career best, but it's that Monday through Friday activation that is, is missed or ignored entirely by most racers. Do you agree? Oh, 100%. Um, Tommy and I have the same conversation all the time about, you know, everybody always asks, what's the next step for PDRA? How do you, how do you get to that 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 spectator day where you pack the house? Cause man, y'all got excellent action, but what's the deal? And it's, I'm going to be honest. It's the racers in the parking lot, baby. You got to go out and promote yourself. But when you promote yourself, all you're doing is building your brand and tying it to the PDRA. When you tie it to the PDRA, people want to come watch you. We say this all the time. And Jay Cox was wonderful about it for a couple of years. I guess I'm just going to have to go piss him off. So that way he can get back and be a villain again. But it was like, you have, you have your favorites and then you have your, the people that like hate them. And, and I can say I've known Justin since he was 16 years old. And when he came and raced his X275 car at Holly Springs, when I was still working there and to see how much he's grown in the sport and doing what he's doing now, I'm extremely proud of him, um, but he said it dead on the money. Half the people are going to love you. Half of them are going to hate you, but you got to learn how to turn that off and just say, hey, I'm here to build a brand. And it's funny because we have people all the time that say, hey, I, you know, I want this certain parking spot so I can be on the end so I can sell my T-shirts. It doesn't matter where you park. Just like it doesn't matter where you park if you're going to win for the weekend. That parking spot <laughs> didn't win you anything. Working That's hard, true. promoting your brand. People will hunt you down if you've done your job. And, and how do we instill that in racers? Because just so you know, and for all the people that like, you know, want to pile on PDR8, NHRA's got the same problem, friends. Same. It's NHRA, it is it's everywhere. One of us. I mean, because I got to be honest, and I was going to say this, and I don't want to be redundant, but I think it's, and I want to say it to you in front of the world here, but like there's four major drag races going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. And if I look at, if I rate them, and this is going to piss some people off, but oh, if, I, if I rank them, in terms of like competition, um, it's if I rank them in terms of competition, PDRA number one, um, no no question, and I think second is probably MPK. I agree. Third is NHRA and Force No Mercy, and it's just and that's tough. But I and I bring it up for a reason because I look at. I feel all the radial tire world was greatly benefited benefited by the fact greatly benefited from guys that were taking matters into their own hands. Keith Barry, superstar. Live all the time, posting all the time, stirring shit up all the time, showing up to the Drag Illustrated Party in a limo, you know, doing all these things to build this persona, right? This guy was buying full-page ads in Drag Illustrated Magazine just to promote himself. himself. Yeah, I mean, literally pictures of... Hey, JT, Um, I wanted to make it it look like a 80s rap album. 
(laughs) And I'm like, perfect. (laughs) Uh, Stevie Fast Jackson, same thing. A self-promoter extraordinaire. Um, And you can see, like, he gets in the mode, and you'll see Stevie, like, doing videos. And he's he's been pretty consistent here lately. Um, But, like, that whole scene, I think, benefited greatly from the fact that a slew of those guys were self-promoters. And I think I look at like NHRA right now, there's not a lot of the guys that race NHRA are not full-time racers. They're not Justin Swanstrom. And it's tough because how do we fix that? Because it's almost like, I don't know how to say it. Let me, let me try to come up with another example. You know, Van Abernathy that works for us, uh, works with drag illustrator, works with us um, at drag illustrator. Van has been traveling the highways and byways of America for, 10 plus years selling subscriptions to drag illustrated magazine and earning himself a good living doing so. Right. Does an excellent Um, job of that, by the way. Does an incredible job of it. I've had about a, not a joking, at least a half dozen people try to do what van does. None of them have succeeded at it. None. And, and and the difference is van has to succeed at it. He has to, because it's his full-time job. It's not something he's doing after hours and on the weekends. He has to. Right. And I think that's what I see in Justin Swanstrom. This has to work, has to work. No fallback plan, no other deal to take on, you know, doesn't have like a degree in bioengineering or something where he can go get some good paying job. Justin has to make this work. And I think how do we create that for like more NHRA guys? Because there's so many of the NHRA pro level teams like they race. I mean, they're racing as a hobby. They've got big businesses. They got deep pockets. They don't got to do this. They don't care if anybody's watching or not. Yeah. Right. How do we generate more people and put them in that situation? You know what I'm saying? That's the hardest part. Um, they got to do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I will be honest. Like for me, when I went out on my own when I was 21 years old, it was like, you know what? There's no fallback. If this fails, you got to go find a real job. And like. Not saying what I did wasn't a real job and not saying what I'd have now is not a real job. But working in motorsports is a different world. You, you, I'm not saying you don't have off time or you can't take your own time or whatever, but it's a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job. When you think, oh, man, it's Christmas morning. Well, yeah, it's Christmas morning. But, hey, you got to text Wes at Drag Illustrated and tell him Merry Christmas because all the stuff he does for you. And you got to tell all your sponsors and all your crew members and all your – and you got to thank all your people – well then, oh dang, it's time to eat dinner. You know, it, it is a full-time job. Yep. And if you treat it as a full-time job and you go in all out, you can make this happen. Like, and and not to beat my own chest or anything like that, but I feel like I have, I'm kind of the poster child for it of eight years or 12 years of doing it of the fact of there was no fallback. That's the greatest motivator of all time. I agree. I think it it really is not having a second option or not having something else that's going to fix everything. Yep. It is genuinely, I think it's the ultimate difference maker. It's the ultimate motivator. I mean, I think that's why we see guys like Clay Milliken. He's a full-time drag racer. 100%. He's he's got a YouTube channel and he's posting content all the time and he's engaged with the fans. And I just think that his success is directly tied to that. Justin's success is directly tied to that. And I just, I don't know. Your success. Look, I mean, same thing, Drag Illustrated. No fallback there. Jump no, in, man. Yeah. And let's go. And look this is what we now. do. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do. And it's uh, and I've said that to people many times. And this is like a little bit um, awkward to say out loud, but I, I get like frustrated. I go to the racetrack and take pictures with people, sign and sign autographs. And it's like I don't even race a car. 
You know what I mean? Like, but I have I consistently <laughs> put myself out there, you know, and I've, we've done the hard work we've done this. I mean, this is our 12th week in a row that we have been on line for three plus hours on a Wednesday afternoon. Now we've got another show on Monday night. We're also putting out a magazine every 30 days. We've got a daily updated website. We're sending out emails three to five times a week, like posting on social five, six times a day, every day. Like it is, it's a nonstop deal, but we're, yeah. we're benefiting from it. You know, exactly. I mean, it, it really is. It's, uh, and, and I'm proud of it. There were, you really wish there were more people that, that would jump and, and it, it's the hardest thing to do. 100%. Um, I had a, I had something going on in my life and, and it, I, it was time for me to make a jump, um, yeah. that allowed well, me to make that, that. happen. That was but awesome. it was, but you know, there's a lot of times that people get comfortable in their normal life. Um, they get comfortable in the jobs that they're in. And getting comfortable is the worst thing that ever happens. Um, I get told every day that I need to take a day off. Tommy and Judy are probably watching right now and probably saying, yes, yes. We tell yeah. them that every day. <laughs> but I wake up every morning and I tell people this. I've told my employees this. I tell my friends this all the time. The day that you're taking a day off and the day that you just completely turn it off for a day, somebody got ahead of you. Somebody I, I, got ahead. There's some truth. There's some truth there, man. I mean, I, just, I do think you will find there will be a day when you go, you know what? It's worth <laughs> it. It's worth it. And they're not going to gain. Um, I, yeah. I had a dear friend of mine one time saying, he's like, hey, dude, if you like turn your phone off, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. And battery, you know what I mean? And it, gets the charge you up. know what I mean? And he's like, seriously, like and he, he pressed me on it because I was much the same way where mm -hmm. it's like, hey, man, I ain't slowing down. I ain't taking a day off. I ain't quitting. Um, we're doing this 24 seven, 365. And he's like, man, what's the worst that could happen? So you'll you'll get that. You get a couple kids under your belt a little bit further along. I'm getting my balls busted per usual. Stan Waxberg here in the comments. I thought this was a uh, after hours was multiple topics. Let's take some questions from the audience yeah. here. Um, we got a great crowd. We've had, thank you guys so much. We've had an incredible show today. Tons of people watching along. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. If you have some stuff that you would like us to talk about, Stan, uh, anybody else, if you have a couple yeah, of topics sure. or anything you want us to touch on, please, by all means, uh, oh, throw it out there. I got, got, you got a question. Oh, this ought to be good. I have something, please. Pro nitrous and pro booster saints are staying separate, sir. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I mean, listen, I get it. I just, I look at it through the, through the lens. And this is where I really like, I got to spend some time with, with Sam Corcus this past weekend. Um, the, the, the Pilgrim Studios main dude. And I was just, to, there's a vision, right? Like he's clearly got a vision for how this works and how it works out. Um, the, for me personally, I that's what I see when I look at Pro Boost and Pro Nitrous is I see a cast of characters. 100%. And it's like, and it's tough because I feel like I'm having to create two separate movies when the movie I could make together would be really badass. You know what I'm oh. saying? And and listen, no, 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 no. I get it. I get it. And I, I can make an argue either way or an argument either way. Totally. Because, I mean, I would be very scared to see Nitrous cars go away. I think that there would be a strong possibility that that could happen. Um, I mean, I do see there, I think an argument to that can be made. Like, look at what Ricky Smith's doing right now in NHRA. I think you can argue the other way, but man. Um, and that was kind of our, like on the PDRA side, that was the joy of doing the pro stars event. 
Yes. And I mean, you know what? When you have the pro stars, yeah, when you have pro stars, when you have these opportunities, I think that will suffice. I really will, especially with the the fields that you guys had this year, especially late in the season, real strong. Um, Nothing to uh, bat your eyes at. It was very impressive. Okay. We got some questions here. Let's. have you talked about what Phil was doing under Stevie's car? Okay, Beans is asking, uh, have you talked about what Phil was doing under Stevie's car on the starting line before staging it the, this weekend? Um, actually, no, and I haven't seen this. Uh, maybe we need Our to lady. find a clip. I haven't seen it. Beans, if you have a clip on YouTube, post it in the comments, and we'll watch it right now and talk about it. post it in the comments. Um, dun, dun, can, can he post the link? Maybe a link. He can post the link is what I'm saying. Yeah. If you have a link, Beans, we'd love to see it. I haven't seen that. Um, I don't know what they would have been looking for under the car. I actually hate that personally. This is a little bit of a Wes, like what really grinds my gears. I got to tell you, like I haven't raced a lot. Um, you know, like at, obviously I haven't raced at all at like a super high level or whatever. But I'm going to tell you, there's no worse feeling than a bunch of people looking under your car. Like you're trying to roll in and like light the top bulb and you got 7,000 people looking under the car. You can't help but wonder what they're looking at or what they're looking for. Like, I think it's fine if the starter Kyle Lang glances under either car or whatever. He's looking for a leak. He's looking for something. Thank God for that. There's been a lot of race cars saved by a very attentive starter. No doubt about it. However, the excessive looking under cars constantly, all you're doing is getting your guy to cut a 140 light. Like, yeah. He's going to be later red, one of the two. He's going to be later red. And it's not his fault. And it's not, man, because this stuff, he probably paid for it, right? So if he's wondering, like, is this thing leaking oil? Like, is this thing, is the is the belt off the, the oil pump? Like, you're wondering, all those things are now entering your mind. So I get completely spun out. Like, sometimes I'm at an NHRA race, and it's like, this is high-level racing. And there's, like, all these people, like, diving on the ground, looking at the cars. Like, stop that. Do you want him to win? You yeah. know what I mean? Because you're, like, yeah. you're not contributing to the success of it in this moment. Um, so, it, Beans, if you find a link, throw it up here. Stan Waxberg asks, let's talk about the supply chain shortages for parts. Um, I think all three of us can talk about this briefly. We don't have a single customer at this point in time, I don't think, at Drag Illustrated Magazine. And uh, we, at different times, we do business with as many as 200 companies a month. I mean, we do business with a lot of different companies from all walks of the racing life. I can't think of one of them that isn't dealing with some sort of supply chain issue. I saw Shannon Davis from Davis Technologies, um, big brand in the door slammer racing scene, specifically small tire racing scene. He was talking about chip shortages, uh, you know, microchip uh, shortages affecting his business. Uh, We've we've heard it from a lot of hard part manufacturers, like not being able to get their hands on raw materials. Um, and it's everything. It's not just, yeah. it's just not in motorsports, you know, no, it's and everything. It's, it's, exactly. it's across the board. I mean, I walked into a dollar general yesterday and looked at the shelves and I was like, what in the hell? I mean, it, oh, it's crazy. I mean, it looked like that, you know, it was before a, a blizzard was coming in in Missouri and you know, everybody runs to the store, gets all the milk and bread, and, you know, everything's been opened up in two days, you know, so. And no, it's it's biggest, really interesting, man. Mark Mickey, I saw Mark Mickey, longtime mm-hmm. supporter of ours, Eminem Transmission, a guy who's got like a huge footprint in our industry right now. He made a post earlier this week about lead times and waiting on parts. Yep. I will say that I saw Doug Cook at Motion Raceworks. I think he's been kind of flexing a little bit because they make so much, if not everything in-house, most everything in-house. So I think he's been kind of loud and proud about that. And I certainly respect uh, the made in America move. I, I get it. I'm a made. I'm listen, I'm a conservative. I'll, I'll wear it. I'm a, I'm a made in America kind of guy. However, 
I recognize that like sometimes you can't put the rabbit back in the hat. Like a lot of shit gets made overseas. I mean, it just is just part what of it, it is. It's just part yeah. of it. And I mean, I've had many assembled, assembled in America. Right. I mean, I've got a lot of friends. I mean, mean, some of my earliest business mentors built their business on products that were being imported. And I, I hate when jobs are lost to imported companies or imported products or whatever, but like there is a certain amount of that's, that just is what it is. And I don't know that there were factors at play 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago that forced that to happen. And it's hard to like hate them now for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, they were just doing what they had to do to survive and I have a hard time. There are people that have, you know, that are just brands and everything they do is done overseas and it's shipped yeah. over here. And I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not impressed with it. Um, it, it's, it's not what I like to see. But, man, there's a lot of supply chain issues going on in our country right now. I know here in Fort Worth, you can go to any grocery store, not just Dollar General where JT apparently shops, but um, you can go to all of them. News. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. every one of them is like, it's insane. I mean, you're walking along and there's like, well, y'all, y'all ain't got no Doritos. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like random stuff. Uh, Tyler, I think this is interesting. Is there any like issues getting your hands on traction compound or anything 100%. like that? Really? We have there. I mean, there's shortages in chemicals, shortages for tire manufacturers. Um, we've heard that from racers, um, but there's been shortages on chemicals that come from overseas that there's a lot of people that can't get their hands on. And there's a lot of smaller racetracks that can't afford to keep the the inventory uh, of traction compound that are having trouble. And and which I'm blessed that, that Tommy lets me go out and, and get whatever we need and, and stock up for months at a time. But there's a lot of that going on right now. I've had a lot of phone calls of, Hey man, where'd you get this? Or do you know where any stashed back or anything like that? And you want to help people, but at the same time, you're like, I got to raise one November, Jack. <laughs> you, and, you and Tommy are the guys that bought all the toilet paper in 2020, right? Yeah, it was yeah. for sure. Yeah, Tommy. Judy's happy. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody's happy. I, I think that the uh, other this, thing this that's interesting. you. Oh, hold oh, on one you, second. Hold on one second. On okay. Yeah, one second. I just want to say that even Drag Illustrated has been impacted by this stuff, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, we've never paid more for paper than we're paying right yes. now. We've just never paid paper. more for ink than we've paid for it right now. Um, it, they ship it when prices, they feel like it. Yeah, and they ship it when they feel like it. We had an issue. I hate everybody knows that I'm like a detail. Like I like shit, stuff to be nice. And Drag Illustrated Magazine, that's my life's work. And we have, since day one, sent that same thing out in a poly bag. You get your copy of Drag Illustrated, that thing's in a, a sealed package. And it's something that, it, it's very important to me. Like, it's very important. The last issue of the magazine, we had to send it out without a poly bag. Because this wasn't a supply chain issue, it was a manpower issue. Manpower. Our, our yep. royal printer in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, that prints our magazine, great partners. They've been incredible to us, and I would have a really hard time being mean to them or being mad or busting their chops about this. They don't have anyone to run that machine. They don't have an, And they basically said, hey, we can get the magazine out on time, or we can be 10 days late and polybag it. That was my options. You know, and it's like, you got to send it. We got to send yeah. it. We can't wait 10 days. And it was like a, but it's just, you don't even think that stuff doesn't even, cro- it hadn't crossed my mind that I would ever have to make that decision, you know, or, and we've had situations this year where like, Hey man, the magazine mailed, like I paid the print bill. I paid the postage. Trust me. They ding me every month. And it's like, 
but it's in the hands of the U.S. Postal Service, and yep. they're they're down on people. You're, they're having manpower issues, and yep. it, we've never had more issues with that than in 2000 and two, 2020 and 2021. So it's it's not especially when Taco Bell's closed because they can't find help. Yes. <laughs> after bars closed. That's I a mean, JT problem I mean, what, right there, bro. Very, I mean, very, on, very telling. Yeah. Drag Racing Central asks, Tyler, is there a reason to keep Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost separated? Hmm. Put the light, like, right? Boop. Yeah, I'll give it to you for a minute. I won't say anything. So I'll be honest. I I have been around it now for three years, tied closely to the two classes. Um, as you spoke of with Jim Halsey and the seasonal rules package program of what, you know, at times the nitrous cars are faster. At times the boosted cars are faster. Um, you keep parity a lot better. I will say that from a rules standpoint, it's a lot easier to build parity when they're separated. Yeah, um, when you have to combine them, the entire goal for us um, on the rules side of things is to keep them in the same ET range. That way nobody makes a change when you go to Pro Stars or Shakedown or Yellow Bullet or U.S. Streets or anything like that that uses the same rules. Um, so our goals are to make make those rules say, hey, everybody's going to go out and go 359. We're just going to use that for an example. Right now, Jim Halsey's been 359. Record in Pro Boost this weekend, Kurt Steading, 359. Record before, 359. And that's all been done by three different power adders. So our goal on the rules is to keep them in that same threshold. But on the PDRA side, for me, and for Jason Reese, our new social media coordinator, who did a masterful job this year, I just have to throw that in there. Um, that's two different stories you can tell. On the same side of that, at the World Finals, we had 15 or 16 Pro Nitrous cars and 17 Pro Boost cars. You combine that, I don't think you have 33 Pro Mods show up. So I think your car count drops. I think your storylines drop. And your show time of a Pro Show is shortened. It affects the entire program. Uh, then you're looking for another class to either build from scratch or adopt from something else uh, that fills that void, fills that time uh, for a fan to come out and watch a pro show. So for us, I feel like that it's the best fit for the series. Um, for an NHRA, that is, it's not the top, it's not the top feeling funny car. Right. So NHRA is top feeling funny car. PDRA is pro boost and pro nitrous. I'm giving it to you, man. I mean, you just, I mean, I, I think as long as there is a place where it happens frequently, you know, like the pro stars event shakedown, uh, snowbirds, well, as long as there is a place for it, I'm okay with it. And is if it proves, if it preserves the longevity of nitrous drag racing, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, we can debate this further, but I want to keep going through these questions. One yeah. of your own Tyler, Kyle Lang, uh, all three of us answer this one and we'll do it rapidly. Best event of 2021. If you want to say a PDRA race, you certainly can, Tyler. Um, JT, let's start with you, though. I'm going to put you on the spot. We've been watching a lot of drag racing. You watched a ton of drag racing this weekend. What's, what's yeah. your, what do you think has been the best event of 2021? Well, of course, I'm going to say the World Series of or the our race, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're one of us. Yeah, I mean, my gosh, you know, but I was there and it was, it was great, but. Um, man, I don't know. There's been so many good ones. Jeez. There really has been a lot of good drag races. You know, like we follow so many different types of drag racing that it's really hard to pinpoint one. Pick one. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love what's going on in pro stock right now in the NHRA. Um, there's a lot of things in the NHRA I love. I like to see Lyle coming in this year. Oh man. That was freaking awesome. And then, uh, 
you know, Alex Laughlin going and, and, and oh, know, going top fuel racing. That, yeah. Top fuel racing. I mean, there was just, there were so many great moments across all different types of racing and different sanctions that it's, it's really hard to pick one. I'd think. It is tough. Tyler, I'm going to put you on the spot since JT chickened out. What do you think was the best out, event of 2021? I'm just messing with you. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to do two. Okay, I'm going like to, I'm, I'm going to separate this like very it. easy on a selfish note and on a best event that I've been a part of in 2021 PDRA world finals, hands down hundred percent on the racetrack was the best organizational. It, it went smooth. I personally think out of VMP and PDRA, that was the best event we've had all year as far as operational and performance levels. Um, for me as a drag racing fan, as a person that grew up in the sport, um, it was great to see Indy packed again for the U.S. Nationals um, coming off of COVID and even coming off of multiple events at Indy last year um, with all of the shutdowns and everything that that NHRA went through um, to see Indy packed again. Uh, man, it it just kind of brought everything back to a normalcy. I, I mean, I don't know if that's that's just weird. No, um, I think that's no, actually a really it's, good answer. I, I really felt like that was like, ah, drag racing's OK because Indy's packed again. If I'm being fully honest, I can't give it to the Door Slammer Nationals. I would last year, and I would yeah, say it like loudly and awesome. proudly. I, I really think World Door Slammer Nationals 2020 was stole the show. I think it was the biggest race of the year. It was one of the only big races of the year because of COVID, which obviously helped yep. us. But I mean, it was it was big. It was really well attended, uh, and the racing was lit. Like the final between Greg Anderson and Jed Coughlin oh, Jr. Was like was so good. And it was so close. They were down to the thousandth. I mean, it was just a killer drag race. The, it was killer. I don't think we got the final in pro stock that we wanted in 2021. It was fantastic to see the Quadra brothers go head to head. Neither of the cars getting down sucked. I mean, and it was no one's fault. I mean, the track, I mean, the temperature dropped like 20 degrees. The track went from like being raceable to like so tight so good that like a clutch car that doesn't have 3000 horsepower, you know, on demand, that's a really tough it's situation. Hard. It's hard. We did get a barn burner in the final of pro mod I know versus Alex Laughlin. You know, those guys, it's dark. there, it's scary. Dark. It um, is. It, 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 it's uh, there's some issues. And the fact that them guys both sent them things. Um, I mean, and it was, it was magical. Awesome it was magical. Belushi winning was cool, and he was so emotional. Adam Lambert, his longtime friend and crew guy, a shock expert, precision racing suspension, just lost his father. Yeah. Um, it, so it had a lot of it, it had a lot of depth to it, and it was phenomenal. Um, but I'm 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 struggling to argue in this moment with. I'm really struggling to argue in this moment with you. Uh, Tyler, because I think the U.S. Nationals this year was special. I think 70 years of organized NHRA drag racing. Um, I will say this out loud. I think the NHRA is the biggest game in town. I've said it many times. I think for all the things they do wrong, they do an equal number of things right. Um, I will say right here publicly that I feel the success and longevity of the NHRA is not due to the NHRA. It's due yeah. to racers. And, and I mean that because... And that's something that everybody talks about the oval, right? That NHRA oval is very powerful. It's a very influential thing. It's a status symbol in our industry. But I believe the success of the NHRA is not due to any one person that ever wore that oval. And I'm, yeah. I mean, any one person. It is 100% based on or rooted in the unique passion, 
it's different. I mean, I've been around a lot of different sports. Drag racers are a different breed. We talked about all the craziness that you were going through to fix the tire rotator, Tyler. For there's ten thousand of those stories every weekend in drag racing. Somebody whose cars broke down had to borrow a trailer, had to sell their soul to get Mm -hmm. enough gas or whatever. Those stories are happening all the time, every day, every day in our sport. I mean, I saw. Look at DJ McCain and Ryan McCain pile the car up and literally ask Donald to be removed from the ladder or whatever. And they rebuilt it in the pits. Yep. I mean, there's stories of, I mean, They're I remember so when awesome. major kudos, major. Yeah, kudos. I, I remember, I can't remember who it was, if it was Stevie or Barry Mitchell or who it was, but I know Ty Tuttero down at Valdosta drove all night back up to King, North Carolina, picked up a short block, brought it back to the track overnight, went without sleep, built a motor. I mean, and it, that sounds crazy. I remember that. I think it was Barry. I think it was I mean, Barry. Sounds like a crazy story, but that stuff happens all the time in all drag the time. racing. And it's because of that level of commitment and that level of passion and enthusiasm that this group of people has. That's why the NHRA has been around for 70 years. Not because somebody's real smart at the NHRA or they do a really good job. It's because of this group of people. Yeah. Um, but I will say that 70 that. years strong. I mean, they, they, they lean on that. You know, it, it's, you know, you've said it a million times. These racers, they want to go over there. They just want to be in the staging lanes, you know, mm-hmm. next to John Force or and whatnot, you know, and it's, it's, it's that they, they've had it for so long. It's not going away, Correct. but it's, but it's nothing that they're like, it, to me, it doesn't seem like they're out doing anything, you know, yeah. uh, special, you know, like, like, like you guys no. are, Tyler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, I, and even on the NHRA side, just for that, like I just pulled up our points from our, our VMP point series from our, our super pro series. We're a part of the NHRA deal. Uh, we're a D one track. We could send a team to bracket finals and all that. Just this year, we had 330 individual racers run super pro. That's not counting pro. That's not juniors. That's not pro ET. It's just super pro. We had over 330 racers. So that's what the NHRA is built on. In my opinion, it's every one of these racers that are going out on a weekly basis, busting on their cars, whether it's super pro mod top, you know, everybody's got a name for everything, but sportsmen, it's even down to the sportsman quarter mile uh, streetcar daily driver classes, the kids and the juniors, all that, man, it's, that's what the NHRA is built off on, in my opinion. And agreed. The professional level is just the the professional level of it. it it's so much more behind that. Agreed. Okay, next question. Uh, and I think I answered it. I do think the NHRA US Nationals this year was special, t- echoing Tyler's sentiment. Um, the PDRA World Final special. I got to tell you, I haven't been to a lot of these no prep Kings races, but uh, I cool. will tell you, you know what? Event of two, th- I got I to gotta alter my answer. Son of a bitch. Texas Stampede of Speed. Ah. What Andy Carter and the gang, oh, yeah. Billy Meyer, yeah. Christy yeah. Meyer, the gang at Texas Motorplex stole the show. Not not for everyone. I understand some people didn't love the rodeo clown. I understand not everybody loved the music, but the effort to do something different, different. It was not is not lost on the me. same box. I'm going to say having, it right I here and now. FOMO you were, that. yeah, I, I dude. I had friends I from that. Europe. Yeah texting me saying like, dude, you've got me wanting to be there so bad. Um, that Texas Stampede of Speed, the NHRA, the Texas NHRA Fall Nationals event of the year. I'm giving it to them from Monday to Sunday. Incredible week. Uh, next question was, uh, this was a great one. Stan, another one from Stan, uh, Richard Maskin. I just will touch on this briefly. Yeah. 
I had no idea that Richard Maskin was in a situation to lose his life. Um, I didn't know he was sick. I still don't know all the details surrounding this, so I will not, you know, I'll refrain from from talking about that. All I know is that we lost a legend and an icon of our sport. Someone I wrote about this on uh, social media earlier in the week, but Dick Maskin and Dart Machinery were good to us at Drag Illustrated and me personally for no reason. They were nice to me when they had no reason to be nice to me. They opened their doors to me when there was no reason to open their doors to me. I learned a lot of lessons from Dick. Um, uh, Rich, Richard Maskin would would hold my feet to the fire. Like if we published something that he didn't agree with, he would call me. Um, if uh, I mean, he was such a such an ally of ours. And it was just a, it was an incredible experience. I, re, I would never forget looking at my phone and I still have pinch me moments day in and day out. Tyler, I'm sure you can relate to this. Oh, like yeah. I look at my phone and Mike Hill's calling me or, St- or Shannon Jenkins is calling me and it's like, what is going on? And it's uh, it's the craziest thing. And I had that feeling when, when Richard Maskin would call me, um, my, my, heart goes out to his family and friends. He impacted a lot of people. I'm sure there's a lot of upset folks, a lot of broken hearts. A guy that supported the sport of drag racing endlessly. Again, an innovator, an icon gone far too soon. And this, you know, I don't mean to like quote Ricky Bobby um, while talking about, you know, the loss of a legend, but like, I don't expect people to die at 74. And you know, that's, that, that's not okay. I hate it. It's heartbreaking. I feel it's a legend gone too soon. And I appreciate you bringing it up, Stan. Otherwise we wouldn't have a, we, we may not have gotten to it. Um, next question. What happens when the OG 405 guys get tired of NPK and quit going? By that time, I Are think they? you have new blood. I yeah. think you'll have new blood. That's my yeah. answer. I, mean, I making, think they've got new stars. new stars. You know, yeah. they are. Lizzie, that's what, that's Lizzie what, ain't going anywhere. Uh, Justin Swanstrom's not going anywhere. That's what they're I mean, doing right, though, that the NHRA doesn't do. You know, a like, million percent. You know? Yeah. A million percent. And, and, and I'm, the, I'm just as at fault. Like you, you find a guy and you find a horse that's out front and that everybody's like either behind or not. You're like, that's the ticket seller right now. Go after that guy. And Mm -hmm. you forget you need a number two, number three, number four, number five. And Sam and MPK has not. What do I say about sales? What do I say about the sales business? You got to keep your pipeline full. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, that's yep. that's all sales jobs, and that's all. It is. That's I mean, it's, in life, if you're really, in sales, I mean, you know? mean, and it's it's just like stars. I mean, you got to keep your pipeline full. Like, you may got John Force right now, but like, it's a you matter of time. Forever. I mean, and I tell our guys at the magazine, and, and as we sell relationships for this show and whatnot, they're gonna go away, no matter how good of a job you do for them. I mean, like, this was a big storyline a few years ago. Bud Light, who had been like married to NHL to hockey. For like 20 or 30 years, just one day stopped. And they yep. said, you know what? We think we've sold all the beer we're going to sell to hockey fans. We need to go somewhere else. 30-year relationship, incredible thing on both ends. It ended one day. And yep. if you're not ready, if you don't have someone on deck or a company on deck, you're 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 playing with fire. And I think that that's what I saw from Sam Corcus and the team at Pilgrim Studios. And it's not just him. It's his whole group. Yes. They recognize... I was meaning to talk about this more. I was so taken about his personal involvement in what's going on. He was down on the starting line from the chip draw till the final round. When Justin's, I watched him tell Justin Swanstrom, hey, go over there and shake those kids' hands. I watched him tell Doc, hey, mm-hmm. go over there and talk to those guys. Go over there and talk to those fans. Go talk to your fans. I saw him say it to Monza. I saw him say it to Murder Nova. I saw him tell Daddy Dave to get on the PA. Hey, pick that microphone up. Start talking to these people. Give them, you know, I, I mean, I was so, 
so proud. I mean, I don't even know the guy. You know what I mean? I'm just getting to know him. But I was just like, that's what's required. That kind of involvement is. is required. He was up there choreographing it start to finish. And I was just, that's how that deal is going to be strong for a long time to come. Because they're building new stars. They're doing all the right things. Um, so, Patrick, Tracy, we appreciate the question a lot. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, but I do think we're going to see – I mean, Big Chiefs doesn't have a steady presence on this show right now. Mm-hmm. I think it would be way bigger if it if he was on there. But I think they're proving that they can do it without him, to be honest. You know? It's like a cooler. You know, you start out the case, and if you, if you don't put any more beer in there by the end of the night, you're out. It's yeah, over. It's, it's <laughs> over. Yeah. And you're yeah, crawling out of the, the JW fun. Marriott. Yeah. Um, We've seen it. Over with it. Yeah. Let's see, Tyler. Okay, I'll I'll look for a link. I think Street Outlaws caused a resurgence of drag racing. Okay, uh, Billy Carroll backs. In the I looked for the link on that video. I couldn't find. Or I, yeah, I can't find. I tried it. to Can find beans. I, that's what I was doing over here. I was trying to find beans. PDRA on. Extreme Pro Stock would love to see it grow to sixteen car fields. You know, PDRA Pro Stock, and I don't mean to upset anybody, but they're kind of their own worst enemy a lot. Um, they're always looking for like the grass is greener or another opportunity or something. And I'm not, you know, I'm just speaking facts here, (laughs) but like there would be 16 cars at those races. If they weren't so divided, you've got this group of guys going to NHRA. This guy's group of guys are going to go run ADRL. This group of guys are going to run PDRA. And it, it, that segmentation, it's never going to help. There's not a big enough inventory of cars to do it. If you had a hundred, you could probably get away with it. But when you've got 20, from sea to shining sea, it's hard. It, it ain't going to work, you know. Right. So very you know, difficult. My Would opinion, love to see it because it's a badass class, Kevin Boyce. Great question, um, but that's a thing that they're going to have to take matters into their own hands. I mean, and they're going to have to. Yeah, I'll be dead honest. We need it just like NHRA needs 500 inch pro stock. PDRA needs mountain motor pro stock. Agreed. 100%. And I think you guys may have to like very vocally stake your claim to it. And I don't know how necessarily that's done, but I actually said this on Monday night. Somebody asked like something about getting mountain motor pro NHRA, in my opinion, is making a mistake by bringing those cars. Cause I think they make, you can't have J.R. Gray going out there and run six twenties effortlessly because he's making, I think he's and having hood scoops. Like, I just think you're like, it's just flirting with people. Like, okay, you're going to bring in four or five times a year cars that represent all the shit that people miss about pro stock your own pro stock and i mean like faster what, like are you guys on drugs <laughs> like every pro stock fan that i talk to tells me the same thing like man i miss when they had carburetors and i miss when they had big hood scoops and whatever and it's like okay so nhra there the plan is to bring these cars in and muddy the water and make people more like man i wish our pro stock cars still looked like that like, what are you thinking I mean, it's a horrible idea. I mean, I get it, and I understand the NHRA. Like, I understand the desire of racers, and this is no shot at you, Tyler, or the yeah. PDRA, but I understand their desire to go race for a Wally or go race in front of the big crowds, right? Because yep. let's be honest, NHRA draws the biggest crowds in the game. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Um, and I understand that desire, but it's one of the – it feels to me something like – what's it called? Like, cut your nose off despite your face or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I get it. But you got to be careful. You got to temper that a little it's like bit. Taking, it's like Which taking is- your wife to to a birthday party of one of your hot exes or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different ballgame. But that was a good yeah, one. Like, that yeah. was a good one. But that's different. But that's what it is. It's that's literally it like, man, remember what she, you remember this girl I used to date? You see her? No. Can you believe this? Good, yeah. No, we'll get, it's no, going to be no, fine. We're going to leave in a minute. You know, like, yeah. no, they're I'm gonna not going to be here. I'm going to go home by myself. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I really, really, I think that was 
was a fantastic um, example. Let's go, Brandon, from Josh Timpton. Thank you. I will say I was surprised <laughs> a Let's Go Brandon chant broke out at the Motorplex this past weekend during Street Outlaws No Preps Kings, and it actually got like loud enough that I'm like, all right, guys, we need to calm down. Like, let's just let's well, just pull it back. Know, you know, you know what the other chant is. So I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah, so, this yeah. was better than that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, let's go, Brandon, Jason Reese, smiley face, add a nitrous car. Uh, let me keep going here. Sorry, is I'm PRA Pro Junior Dragster? Uh, this is from John Sears, and I love an opportunity to give some love to my junior kids. So let's let's touch on this briefly. Is PRA Pro Junior too. Dragster the toughest class out there? Um, this past weekend, this past weekend, hell yes. <laughs> um, the bump spot on a 790 index was 791 with a three. No, and there's like the 50 one. kids, in one. There, right? There was 32 or 33 entered. That's a lot, man. 16 wow. car fields, 791 with a one was the bump. 11, 17 kids cried Saturday. Oh, yeah. home crying <laughs> over. I, I mean, was like, a, I mean, can you imagine being a little kid? Towing your having your mom and dad part, you know, at least some point along the way, begrudgingly towing oh, your yeah. stuff across the country, right? I mean, I get mad a little bit when I have to like take Max to school super early once a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? like, yeah. what, you got band Load practice at 6 a.m. What are we doing? Yeah. You know, and uh, these guys are hauling their kids across the country. Right to race for like eighty bucks or something or nothing. Eight hundred, sir. Okay, eight hundred. Right. That's better than I thought. Okay, okay um, what you. that's that's good. It helps. <laughs> but like, can you imagine being one of those seventeen kids who didn't qualify because you ran a seven ninety two on a seven ninety? Yeah. It was insane. And and Kyle just made a point of it in the comments. The number one qualify or number one in points and number two in points didn't qualify. That's crazy. We so, need to do JT. Remind me of this because we need to we need to focus on. We need to spend some time. We need to do something for those kids. Like come, we got to come up with something. We need to have. We need to sit around and have some drinks or something because that really oh, is wait, incredible to see. Kids. Okay, man. I mean, you know. no, yeah, not, not we yeah. sit around and have a couple cocktails and come up what we're, with what we're going to oh, do for these kids. Okay. Oh, okay. After say, hours yeah. was going to get real for a second. Say, I, no, I, I mean, was I, saying like I let's find a way that we can nothing, celebrate, nothing, do something nothing, special. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. We got to do something <laughs> and, special and even, for these guys. So these are kids. For those that don't know, these are kids that are ages of thirteen to seventeen. We have another class that's called Top Junior Dragster that are kids from eight to twelve years old. The bump in that class, they qualify by reaction time. The bump in that category, a 42. Let me tell you something. If I had to get in one of those things at 29 years old. Well, your little ass could fit in one. I could get in one. The length <laughs> problem would be a be an issue. But thick. Thick. Me and JT yeah. are thick. We couldn't get in Skinny one. Skinny ass right here, slide right in one. Yeah. But I bet you money in three hits, I could not be better than 42. Yeah, no. 100%. Yeah. It's Those incredible, kids man. are talented. You know who we need to say thanks to is all their parents because they could not be doing this. Yes. And I hope all of them know how much we appreciate it. Like our whole yep. team, the PDRA, I think I speak yep. for the NHRA, the drag racing community. There's Everybody. so many things that you can get your kids involved in. And the fact that you choose to to go the hard way and get them involved in drag racing, it means a lot to us. Thank God for those kids. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, Camry Crusoe, product of junior dragsters. Erica yep. Enders, product of junior dragsters. J.R. Todd, product of junior dragsters. Preston oh, Tanner. Product of junior dragsters, right? I mean, uh, Amber Franklin. I mean, the list goes oh, yeah. on and on and on. I mean, it, it, it's this farm league works. This farm system it works. Does. I mean, it, it literally works. Okay, Stan Waxberg, he's uh, delivering the goods with questions. Wes, on my 2022 NHRA Phoenix tickets page, 
says one pro qualifier Friday, two on Saturday. Are they going back to four? I don't think they're going back to four. I, do I don't not. know. Okay. I don't think. Just I, do not have you, think so. I don't think there so will either. be some events that will have four. Indeed. Um, but I don't think like I think our Virginia race will be three. We'll have one on Friday night and then uh, two on Saturday. Yeah. I think you will see that a lot personally. I think it's going to be, um, I think there's going to be some pushback. I mean, I'm sure you yeah. guys feel that way. Like we I do. know a lot of track promoters are saying, Hey man, I need a bigger show than that. And this actually mm-hmm. speaks to Tyler's point about pro nitrous and pro boost being separate. Cause you do lose some show, you do, you know, in, in PDR or NHRA, I know they've heard from track operators saying, dude, we, we cannot only have one, one run on Friday. We have yeah. to have two. And so, it's funny because like from, and I'll, and I'll be open about it. Even from a track standpoint, there's a cost difference. Um, how many tickets do you think you can sell on Friday? Do you think it's worth the added cost to do four runs? Are the teams going to show up? Are you going to get more car count for four runs? Or are teams going to, or some of the lower budget teams going to look at it and say, hey, I can go to this race and only make three runs. That saves me 10 grand a run, whatever that cost is nowadays. But that's a make or break for a team that shows up to buy a tech car for three to four runs. Yeah. And it's, there's so many if, ands and buts on this hot topic, but there are, there are racetracks that want four or die hard on four. And then there's others that are, Hey, look, give me three and I'll build a really cool show around it and try to go that route. But I've heard it both ways. Um, Me personally, I can see it working both ways. Um, I see a Friday crowd being one of two directions people that can take vacation and people that can't. Yeah. Um, are there more people that can take vacation and come buy that ticket to watch a noon to one o'clock nitro session? I don't know. Um, but I can tell you there's probably more people that can go to work and or take that day of vacation to be there in time by six, six thirty to watch a nitro session. Um, so it's a, I mean, it, it's, there's so many scenarios and I think it's how you want to play the game. I agree. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I heard, you know, <clears throat> what I hear from pro level teams a lot is that like, while there's obviously cost associated to running the car, the real cost is in travel and yes. manpower and all that. So like, if you're going to have us be here on Friday, let us run might a couple run. times. Yeah. yeah. Might as well run. We're here. The hotel rooms are booked. The airfare. I mean, it's already, the money's already gone. So yeah. I, I do think that an argument can be made to do like, Hey, if you're going to have everybody be there on Friday, might as well let them make a couple licks on Friday. Better for the track in, in some regards. Not every team maybe would agree with this, but most of the teams want to make a couple runs because mm-hmm. about the last thing you want is to not get in on Friday night and be trying to get in on Saturday morning or first session Saturday. I mean, that's I think giving them a couple shots on, on Friday improves your show. Um, getting some of the top cars safely in the field or whatever, so they can maybe get after it on Friday night or get after it on Saturday night. I don't know. That's my kind of take on it, but I don't know what the NHRA's plan on that is. I don't know that it's been really publicized to be honest. Not really. Um, um, I mean, even just in, in talks that we've had internally for our Virginia NHRA nationals next May, it's, it's kind of been a, I'm not going to say a hot button topic, but just a, Hey, what do you think? Yeah. And, and, and kind of been open for, for both on the track and on the NHRA side. So it's definitely, it's not the norm that that everybody's used to at a national event, but I I see positives and I see negatives as well. So I see both sides. 
Um, oh, yeah, we got two good questions here, and then we're going to shut this bad boy down. Um, yeah, y'all got to be tired. Oh, we're doing good, man. Uh, I got to pick up pizza. What's the deal with Pilgrim Studios and their biggest star, Big Chief, not running MPK? I don't want to talk out of turn here. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But I mean, I think that's probably along the lines of like a paid appearance type of deal. Like, I'm sure Big Chief has certain expectations or certain things that he thinks need to happen for him to be there. He's undoubtedly the biggest star in that that universe. Um, and it's he probably makes a yeah, I mean, he probably makes well, I don't, a, I don't think that valid, can, can, can compete. Yeah, it is. Right. And now. that's probably true as well at all. Dude, it's fast. They're, 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 yeah, but they're but they're going. They're no, going I'm talking so about faster. how fast those cars oh, yeah, yeah, are. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. it's impressive. Yeah. It's highly impressive. impressive. I, don't think, I don't think that car can can compete on that scale right now. Well, and he'd, he'd have to build a car, which he could. He could go yeah, build a car. Which, and he's been known for years to to be public about it and say, "Hey, the track deal's not his not his ball of wax." And yeah. and if that's because of the car that he built or whatever whatever that is, um, but he's been vocal about saying, "Hey, he's more of a street guy." And, and let's be honest, for the ratings, Sam's probably loving this. Hey, you've got a crowd that follows the No Prep Kings, and they follow that guy. But, oh, man, Big Chief's back on for the street show. i got to tune in. So yeah. probably for that, right. it opens up more storylines. It'd be like the NHRA like, like developing an offshoot series and having John Force run at all of them. Like, you kind of yeah. need to develop something else over there. Right. You need to use Correct. that as an opportunity to build some new stars. Last question, because I think this is a fun thing to talk about briefly. Cole Rakoski, longtime drag illustrated photographer, actually just shot the cover Who? of our most re- Cole Rakoski. I'm um, <laughs> Actually shot the cover of our most recent issue that we're going to unveil yeah. next week. Um, can we get Tyler to talk a little bit about the light show they did at BMP prior to the final Sunday evening? I just happened to catch that, Tyler. I wish I had a clip of it. We will maybe come up with a clip of it uh, to yeah. show next week. But uh, basically, to kind of set the stage, it was right as the final, the semifinals or finals? Finals. Both. Finals, Finals, right as the finals were running at Virginia Motorsports Park, cars are under the tower, the music turns on, and I'm some sort of programming control device that you guys have, you can explain. JT, I don't know if you saw this, but the lights were going on and off to the beat. It was sick. Um, I've never seen it at a drag race before. Tyler, tell us more. Um, So this is the same technology that you see at a college football stadium. Um, It's from Musco Sports Lighting. Uh, We are the only drag strip on the planet to my knowledge um, that feature led lights, the joy of led, turn it off, turn it on, comes right back on. There's no, no metal halide, no no delay, no anything. Um, So what Musco has done with some of their football stadiums is, Hey, somebody goes in scores a touchdown. Wouldn't it be cool to do something with something with the lights, make them change colors, make them do a, do a rotation, do a marquee, whatever that is. Um, So, Tommy, of course, being the the track owner he is, I mean, you, the guy never says no. I've, I've yet to make him say no, which is it scares me some days. But he, when he put in the lighting series um, on the drag strip in 2018, they told him, "Hey, look, we're working on a program. Maybe something that's interesting to you." Well, flash forward to 2021, uh, we just finished the pit lights, so all of the pits are now LED as well here at the racetrack, and. When they were here doing that, they said, hey, look, we've got this entertainment package. Let's install it and see how it goes. Cool, whatever. You know, we're we're down to party. Let's let's. Yeah. Hey, let's try it. And um, so they asked for three songs. Uh, we sent them three different three different songs. Um, and all of a sudden on our little we've got a little screen that we activate our lights on and stuff like that. Pops up audio and it shows those three those three songs. Huh. 
Let's press it. Boop. And of course, I'm going to tell this quick story. I was out getting um, supplies the first night that this is completed. And um, Tommy calls me. He says, hey, man, you're on the way back, blah, blah, blah. Um, they've got everything ready to test this. I'm like, oh, cool. Sounds good. No problem. I'm five minutes out. One of my coworkers in the background is going, it's badass. And I'm like, they did it without me. Oh, that's like, hilarious. So I rolled in, and of course, we played them all again. And, and man, we were going to do it at Shakedown. Fault weather at Shakedown wasn't able to do it. And it's like, gosh, when are we going to get to do this? Um, so we debuted one of them Friday night. Uh, we've got some footage of that as well. And then Sunday before the finals, um, Jimmy Bradshaw actually called me on the radio and he's like, Hey man, do that short light show you've got. So we had, had Musco build one to the old walkout song to the Chicago bulls when Michael Jordan played. Um, so that was the song we played and it was about two minutes, really neat deal. Um, Jeff Pierce is standing on the starting line and his face was priceless because he's all kind of in the zone, ready to go yeah. run for a final against Jim Halsey. And every light in the house went out. And he was just like, this dude didn't pay the power bill. What is going on? <laughs> and then the music started. And of course the, the lights started shining. And, and the way that they designed everything is that the light hitting the racetrack is what creates the show. Um, so instead of it going in the air or shining towards out, they pointed all the lights down towards the racing surface and it all happens on the racetrack. It's and incredible. It absolutely. I gotta, cool. I gotta see this. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll find a clip of, of it. Yeah. I took I'll a screen grab of it. So I'll, I'll send that over. And it, I mean, it for Steve Wiley and, and Musco lighting, they did an excellent job on it. And it's up in our neck of the woods, JT oh, based out of Oskaloosa, yep. Iowa. Really? Um, exactly. Yeah, man. Based out of Oskaloosa. I've been there. They were actually, I sold a sponsorship to them in 2000, late 2004, mm -hmm. um, to be a, awesome one of the main people. sponsors at Eddieville Raceway Park a long, long time ago. It's hard to believe. They did a, uh, Last it, thing, guys, um, sure. we got to, we got to touch on this for our partners at Elite High Performance, uh, world leaders in used race cars, racing engines, parts, pieces, tools, whatever you're looking for. They likely got it. Log on to Elite HP while we still have EliteHP.com. While we still have an incredible audience here, JT, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but look at this. The gang Ooh. at Elite HP have gotten their hands on Mark Caruso's damn near brand new Rick Jones built RJ Race Cars Pro Mod, and it is turnkey. Unbelievable. You can check out more pictures and a full build sheet on uh, Caruso's former hot rod there at EliteHP.com. Look at this thing, Tyler. This Man. is what you need, buddy. You could go straight into Pro Boost Racing. Man. Yeah, I've got. I still got to be the one calling next pair on the radio. It is actually really. It's kind of sad. Super nice for car. Me a little bit. Super nice car. Um, kind of the classic Caruso look, black hot rod. Um, I know Mark was so excited to get his hands on this car, and it's a little bit of. He a, was. Yeah. It's it's kind of a bummer to be honest, because it, as excited as I am to see Camry Caruso make her pro stock debut and do the NHRA thing, and it, it's fantastic. Great for our sport. And I know that the whole family, Papa Joe, Mark, everybody's excited about it. However, I do, I, I can't hardly imagine, you know, door slammer drag racing without Mark Caruso in the lineup. You he's know? so much fun, you know? He's so much fun. I do think he got robbed, um, to be honest, at our burnout contest at the World Series of Pro Mod two or three years ago. Um, the fans just went nuts for Stevie, but I think Mark did a bigger burnout technically. I think it was a better burnout. Um, 
I mean, it was like boiling. It was impressive beyond it was. the three thirties. I mean, it was like really, really, really aggressive. And it is kind of crazy to think about him selling his hot rod. But if you guys are interested or know someone that might be, or if you're looking for anything in the racing space, log on to elitehp.com. Tell them your friends at Drag Illustrated sent you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Huge shout out to Flow Racing. If you're going to subscribe to Flow Racing, you want to check out the light show we just talked about from the PDRA World Finals. I got to log say, on to flowracing.com slash Drag Illustrated. Awesome. I mean, like, I had it on my my uh, fire sticks over the weekend, you know, different. I had it in the shop. I had it in the house. Same, you know, I had man, it on I every just, device and I get it, my mind. Yeah, I had it on my phone, you know. And it, People bit, there's a lot like yeah, I would see like a comment somebody's like oh you know it doesn't work I don't know what people are doing wrong necessarily yeah, mine works I great. have no issues yeah. with it yeah none no. I mean it looks it's in great it was, it's it like high so awesome. quality it was so awesome to be able to to jump back and forth between the action you know between yeah. Tyler and the PDRA putting on their race and no mercy I was just you know I was just jumping back and forth and jumping back and forth it was awesome dude Friday at our office Friday to be honest it was kind of fun right because like um, shout out to our friends at flow racing. They gave everybody at the company, like a free, you know, login or whatever. So I'm like divvying them out like candy, you know, um, you know, Hey JT, here's your login and password. Nancy, but here's your our, login and in, password. In our work it was like Oprah. Yeah. In our work yeah. channel all weekend and Friday. Yeah. It was basically just talk about racing. And it was you know? like, we Which were all pinging cool each other. Like pro nitrous is up, pro nitrous is up, you know, you know, and why yeah. like RVW is up, RVW is up, you know? And then I was watching NHRA TV TV as well, which is a really incredible service. I mean, we really are like pretty lucky to have all the technology that exists in our industry right now because holy crap, I can't really imagine life without it. Um, Tyler, thank you so much for spending like basically a couple of hours with us on your Wednesday right. afternoon. Murder Tundra, I appreciate you as always, man. Thanks for uh, being here and being a part of it. And most importantly, all of you guys, yeah. every one of you, racers, fans, and industry members, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being here. Uh, we can't wait to see you next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Prior to that, though, Monday night, the Drag Illustrated ride along, uh, No Prep Kings Season 4. Maybe we can get Tyler to jump on and watch a little bit of No Prep see? Kings with us. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, again, huge shout out to Stroud Safety, Elite HP, Flow Racing for their support of the show. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. See you. See you.